You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. One of the lowest ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps, and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp Jake. What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps, and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you rat bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. Episode 396. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all the done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, four, three, three two, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Did you like our, our uh, you know, like, you, you would imagine if you're listening to this podcast that we have, like, this big, I have, like, this big, like, uh, fucking uh, rousing speech before we, before we hit record. Like, yeah, guys, we could, we can do this. Like, I'm fucking, uh, like, the, the, the head general in that 300 movie. And I'm fucking, like, I'm rallying the troops, as one would say, Jake. What did I say literally right before we started recording? I said, all right, let's do this fucking shit. <laughs> You're like a modern-day fucking Patton or Custer or Braveheart. Yeah, Custer ended up dying, so I guess I am kind of like a modern-day Custer. I feel like this is my last stand. I feel like one day this podcast is going to kill me, Jake. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Yeah, I've always figured that our, our last episode won't come with much fanfare. It's like people get into the, uh, you know, they get into podcasting because they, everybody, oh, I got something to say, man. I can't wait for people to listen to what I have to say because I'm so important. You know, I mean, me and Jake are no different. We thought the same thing. And then we realize, well, at least I have, that a lot of people hate me. And so it's like, <laughs> I do think that this podcast literally has one foot in the grave for me, Jake. I think it is, it is contributing to, uh, my mental state. And, uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to find out what a shitty, horrible person and how unremarkable you are, put a podcast out. It's, it's a, it's a fun experience that I've learned for myself, Jake. Yeah. Yeah. You get an audience and then you find out every flaw about yourself just repeated right back to you. Oh, I know. I know. And it's like, will they stop listening? No, no. They continue to listen and they continue to hate listen every fucking week. 
And every fucking moment they have to fucking shit on me, they'll either put it in an iTunes review or they're going to email me about it. So, and I'm going I'm to hear about this too. Oh, listen to them bitching about this. I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm fucking, I, it's just, it's fucking ridiculous. Nobody keep, keep their fucking mouth shut. It doesn't matter where you are, G. Everybody's got to open their fucking mouths or fucking like lift open their fucking PC and start typing away on the keyboard. I got something important to say about this issue. Everybody got to listen to me. I hope I get a bunch of hearts on this one. I'm, I, I, it's fucking, I'm sorry, Jake. I'm done. I'm done. You're fine. You're fine. (laughs) I, I completely relate. It's, it's pretty batshit crazy. Ugh. Oh man, we used to call it Correction Monday or Correction Tuesday back in the day. No, now it's just correct Brian's life. Correct, <laughs> correct him out of existence is what some people want to do. Jesus Christ, I get it. You don't fucking like me. I get it. Then don't listen anymore. Stop it. Stop your hate listening and just fuck off. I fucking had it. This last, that's why I'm taking, that's part of the reason I'm taking two weeks off, Jake. I've fucking, I've fucking had it. I have fucking had my fill of some shit. So, uh, anyway, we got a guest. Welcome, Joe Stark. <laughs> hey, tonight we podcast in hell. Oh, I feel like it. I feel like I've been podcasting in hell for the past four fucking years. Uh, that is some shit, dude. There, you know, there's some genuinely great people out there, you know, in the community that that this podcast has formed, and there are some genuine fucking shitbags out there that you know can take a running start and go fuck themselves. Oh my god! Oh my god! Just ah. Oh. Mm. Anyway, yeah, we're gonna be taking two weeks off here. No, oh, welcome, Joe. Sorry, man. I'm just pissing and moaning. Hey, about no, I I get it. I'm it's sure. Okay. I'll, I'm sure I'll fucking I'll be hearing about it. I'll be hearing about it. All right. God, yeah, you gotta make sure to ignore those emails during your two week break for sure. I, I'm done. I think I'm literally think I'm, I think I am done reading emails and I think I am done reading iTunes. I think I'm just done. I am just done. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I literally, I think I'm done with emails and iTunes. I really do. Um, anyway. Ugh. So I'm driving around the other day, Jake, and I see something underneath my car. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is that? What is that? And it's like a growth. And then I, and I still don't know if 100% what this, this was, but I think I have an idea. I don't know what I ran over, but it was like, it was like a it was it was a it was a hardened tortilla shell. <laughs> but at one time this this hardened tortilla shell was like I believe it was from like a soft shell. It wasn't a hard taco originally. It was like a soft shell, right? So your car cooked it. Basically, yes, is what that's what I believe happened. And so, like, I, I see this thing and I'm like, what the fuck? It's like I felt like it had fused. With my car, you know, like we're seeing a lot of more of this now lately, especially like like early term like Terminator movies where it was like like you know uh, human flesh um, um, over uh, like a like metallic a metal body, but this was like food connected to metal. It was like it was the weirdest thing. It was like it like bonded with my car. I had to literally like pull it off. Like it was like. Like a toenail on my car or something. Oh, it was. Did you it, lose any paint? It was no. It was underneath the car, Joe. 
Oh, okay. So it was underneath the car, and like I, I'm, I haven't gone back up in there to look. I was kind of disgusted at the fact that this was on my car. You know what I mean? It's kind of like walking around all day and like having like a something gross hanging off your body that you didn't know about. And I was embarrassed for my car. It was like, ooh, look at you. You're like if my car was like a like a, a physical being with emotions, it would have been like, um, ooh, why is that? Ooh, what's that on me? Cause it was gross, dude. It was fucking like, it was a tortilla and it like, it got under there. I ran over something and it got underneath there and it just bonded with my car. Like it was like glued onto my car, but it was in this weird kind of shape. Like I could literally stab someone with this thing and it was dried out. It, it wasn't like a hard shell to begin with. It was like, it was a soft one that like I'm driving along water and shit and it's getting splashed on and then it dries out. And then I repeat the same process over and over and over again until one day I see this hardened fucking tortilla shell just literally grafted onto my car and it's like become one with my car. And it was, it was weird, man. Dude, when I was a kid, uh, me and my friends were walking down the street and one of my friends had a Pepsi and another friend had a prepackaged slice of American cheese. And for whatever reason, they had this brilliant idea of let's unwrap the cheese and pour Pepsi on it and throw the cheese at this sign that we're walking past. And so it stuck right to this sign. And then it stayed there for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and throughout the years, we started adding more cheese. And it got to the point where the sign was completely covered in cheese. And eventually someone from the city came out with a putty knife and scraped it all off. And from that point forward, that sign was never, ever reflective at night again because the cheese took it. <laughs> wow. And it probably took many lives in the process, Joe. <laughs> I was thinking the same. Yeah. Yeah. That like, was some bullshit, like no parking this side of the road. No, like, like Joe like, drives out there like, you know, a couple of weeks later and he sees like a bunch of flowers and like one of those crosses <laughs> next to it. Pictures of like little, little Timmy, you know. Yeah, it was the deaf children at play sign. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. That, that craft, that, that craft, craft cheese, the little gag that you done the sign was hilarious as, as, <laughs> as fucking little Timmy enters the gates of heaven, four years old. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, what a cheesy way to die. Oh. It ain't easy being dead. <laughs> 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 you, you thought you thought I was going to say cheesy there, didn't you? That was, I hoped you weren't. That was, that's the, for sure. that was the point. I want to thank a couple listeners here. Uh, Anthony Perkins and Stephen Farshid for uh, recent donations that they've made to the podcast. Thank you guys so much. It helps out. Me and Jake really do appreciate it. It helps us keep all these streaming services, services and helps us continue to go to the movies and shit. We really do appreciate all the help. Yeah, thanks a lot, Anthony and Stephen. We love you. Oh yeah, Jake. Uh, people can go. To, they can go to the website, and, and they, if they want a pop culture leftovers T-shirt, we have links to our Threadless store there. I don't. I don't plug that. I never plug it. I was thinking about it this week. Like we never plug the T-shirts or the PCL store. I think you can make a PCL skateboard now over at Threadless, Jake. Oh, that's pretty fucking dope. I want to see some video of some people doing some PCL skateboard tricks. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to say too. <laughs> <laughs> that was dripping with sincerity. <laughs> um, so anyway, we, there's this one service that we're a part of, 
Uh, it's one of these, like, you know, we're on a bunch of different formats. PCL is on a bunch of different formats. Anyway, we got, we, uh, I forget what it's called, but they do an audio transcript of our episodes. And so you can read, like, our audio transcript. And it's not really a hundred percent reliable, Jake, especially with us talking so quickly on these shows. And like, you know, so I wanted to read to you like the beginning of the show as the audio transcript, uh, uh, basically spells it out for, for everybody. This is, if somebody wants to read an audio transcript of our show, this is what they're going to hear. Oh man, I'm on the edge of my seat for this. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. The (laughs) here's the beginning. We got the warning at the beginning of this particular episode. Which episode was this? I can't remember. It doesn't show. Anyway, this goes through the warning and then goes into the uh, into the theme song. And we got that warning at the beginning. Here it goes. Yeah, the warning culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who handle insane amounts announcer profanity. So, so you might want to fuck off tackle. <laughs> Gillette covers might take its time getting around to it to advertise content as well. If this is a huge problem for YouTube, back off. <laughs> Uncle Joe leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you, Uncle Joe Leftovers, if you can't handle afforded six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us when you too can join the aforementioned cock vessels (laughs) and club off altogether in unison may not be able to handle culture. Leftovers include children under the age of 14. If you regularly listen to NPR are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on Bugsy and Pinterest. If you talk in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you had a heart condition, if you're huge glitzy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition for if your name is Melvin or TJ Land, everyone else, phase bonus episode is already being million. Here's the song. Are you ready for the song? Yeah, are you going to sing? I, no, I'm not going to sing it. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck it. Might as well. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Is already Ben Million broadcast <laughs> shooting Brad Civiton. Calming graphs, it's a trap. Do we love it? Kept homeware, spill, carryover, overcalled culture, ready, Dovers. You're listening to. <laughs> that was the whole song. That was literally all it could get from the song. <laughs> uh, Uncle Joe leftovers. Uh, yeah, if you're a huge glitzy. <laughs> are you a huge glitzy? <laughs> I like warning culture leftovers. Warning I, culture I'm tempted leftover. to change your name to that. Mm. Can you imagine being like a deaf person that tries to read the transcript for our episodes and it just sounds like it just it just is like what is going on here? I don't know. I thought it was an improvement. 
think cock vessels might be my new favorite phrase. Cock vessels. Cock vessels. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't think Skynet's going to be slipping Terminators into our ranks anytime soon with that sort of speech. <clears throat> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Are you a huge glitzy? <laughs> 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 uh, we're the number one podcast for glitzies. Mm-hmm. Mm. All righty. All right, let's, uh, you guys are ready to just move in? What are we doing? That was 14 minutes of my life gone. Um, let's see here. Let's jump into good pop, bad pop. Oh, yeah, Jake, welcome back after, was it a week off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a week off. Thank you. I missed you guys. I missed you guys. I, um, I listened to the episode and you, Joe and June and Tristan and Rebecca really, really did a fucking great job. It was a great episode. I, I haven't missed too many movie episodes and I honestly think this is the first one I missed that I actually saw. Like other movie episodes I missed were like Aquaman and the second Hobbit movie and I've still yet to see either of those movies. So yeah, it was nice to listen. I, um, I loved your comparison to um, Morris to the HR Geiger and Care Bear, and then I was mad at you for making me Google naked Donkey Kong. It was a it was a fun episode. <laughs> you did get to that part, okay? <laughs> naked shaved shaved Donkey Kong. Yeah, yeah and I, I Googled it, and I, I regretted it. Yeah, it's, it, it still haunts my dreams. I still haunts me too. I have, I sort of have a weird sexual fetish with it now. I gotta lie. Doing the Morris naked Donkey Kong fan fiction. Ship yeah. it. Yeah, I'm all about it. <laughs> all right, let's move on into good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Hey, uh, since we were talking uh, about Shang-Chi there for a second, Jake, uh, you weren't on that episode. Uh, without spoilers, since this is not the uh, Shang-Chi uh, episode, uh, what was, like, give me some non-spoilery thoughts and what was your final rating on that one? Um, I ended up seeing it a second time after kind of giving you some of my initial thoughts seeing it the first time and i actually liked it even more the second time um it's going to be a tupperware for me um kind of the only thing that had me thinking about maybe not giving it a tupperware was i was a little bit um unimpressed on my first viewing with um simu lu is that how you say his name am yeah. i pronouncing that right yeah simu lu with, i thought he was just not as charismatic as i would hoped he would be and you know honestly between the first and the second time I started following him on TikTok and watching a lot of his stuff about, you know, his training and just talking about the premieres and stuff. And it really just warmed me up to him as a person a lot more. And I kind of saw it in a new lens when I watched it the second time. And I, I appreciated his performance a lot more and, and how much he put into that movie. And, but yeah, I just loved it. I, I thought it was one of the best, um, like origin Marvel movies. Um, it was just so much fun to like, see another big budget Marvel movie in the theater. I mean, I know we got Black Widow, but that it just didn't really 
feel as special because of just how many delays that had happened. And it wasn't like it was really introducing any new characters or concepts, at least, you know, giant ones just yet. But yeah, I, I just thought it was fucking awesome. And it felt so unique from other Marvel movies and the fight scenes were so fucking cool. And I can't wait to see like more stuff, like whether in the sequel to this movie or just influenced in other Marvel movies from stuff they did here would be really cool. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't want to, to spoil anything, but I, yeah, I just thought it was great. I, and I thought it was just such a eclectic cast of characters that were introduced in this movie. And there was just so much like humanity and, and dynamic going on between like the family and, you know, him and his father and his mother and his sister and just, Oh man. Yeah. I, I really loved it. And, you know, I actually thought, both of the end credit scenes were very poignant and interesting. I, I was very excited to see kind of a return to form of post credit sequences that actually matter and make me think about things. So yeah, this, this was a fucking great time. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, can't wait to see where we see Shang-Chi next. Like what, what property? I, I don't think it'll be the Shang-Chi sequel. I mean, think about how long, it's been since we got our last, uh, and I know COVID, everybody, I get it. But think about how long it's been since our last Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, see how long it's been since, you know, we, Doctor Strange, that first Doctor Strange movie to the second one coming out next year. I mean, he's been in count, like multiple movies, you know, and he's going to be in the new Spider-Man coming up. So yeah, yeah. I think we'll see him. And I think pop a lot. Up. I think a lot of these characters shine even brighter in their second appearance. I think Doctor Strange. I think Black Panther. I feel like the second time you see a lot of these characters and you've kind of like got past the introduction, they they really shine when you put them like in the mix with everyone. Yeah, some of them. Some of them come out of the gate just fucking swinging. Um, you know, Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. just came out of the gates. Some of them do. Some of them, it takes that second one. I think, like, yeah, Doctor Strange is definitely an example of that. I think Chadwick Boseman, he just had limited time in Civil War. So I think, like, by the time we got him in Black Panther, we were all just ready for, like, a full-on movie with this guy. Um, yeah, it's oh, a good yeah. point, it just, though. It just didn't disappoint, you know? It just, oh, man, so good. I think Black Panther is still my number one when it comes to the to the origin movies. Yeah, I'm. Uh, for me, it's like close, man. It's like Iron Man, and then right underneath it, just barely is fucking Black Panther. So it was just so shocking to me. Like I, I truly wasn't like ahead of the page, knowing what was going to happen, and, and some of the outcomes really did just shock me. Even when I like rewatch it, I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe they made that choice. In, in Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know what I watched recently. Listen, Joe, Joe's just like, he's just listening to us. <laughs> no, I was trying to think. I'm like, I don't know if my rankings for the origin films have really settled out for me right now, but I know Shang-Chi's in the top three. Um, yeah, I went and yeah. saw it again this week, and I liked it even more the second time I saw it. Yeah, it, It's going to be a, a painful, long, long wait until I can get it on digital. And that day it's out, I'm buying it. It made me uh, want to go back and watch uh, Incredible Hulk as, as well, so I did. And um, I, I'm sorry, I liked it a lot more upon my first second watch. I think I think it doesn't age well. I like, and for some people, it didn't age well to begin with. Some people just did not like that movie out of the gate. Um, but it's not terrible, but but it's it's not top tier. 
Uh, I think that movie gets a lot more hate than it's worth. And and also just if if it is something you haven't seen for a long time and then you go back and see, you know, that rendition of the Hulk and how it looks versus what a lot of people are used to seeing in the MCU these days, it's kind of a shock that way. Well, I think for me, the reason why I liked it so much, like my first, I watched it like a few times when it first came out. And I think I liked it so much is it's that, uh, of course, it's it's the Incredible Hulk. Like, guys just like Incredible Hulk, you know, I think it's just inherent within our fucking DNA. To like the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> you know. Well, who can't relate to that? Who, who hasn't yeah. been so pissed off that you want to smash something? Right, right. Yeah, it's true. But here's the thing: I think it was the it was just like the two fucking. I'm always like the guy that loves like the heavyweight bout, you know. Like I like the heavyweights. I like watching like the biggest guy go up against the other biggest guy and just watching two heavyweights. And that's what it was. It was fucking two heavyweights at the end. And I think I put a lot of stock into that final battle. And just like, I think with what we've seen in the MCU, you know, fucking 10, 13 years, 10, 13 years later now, like with what they've done with, you know, some of these battles and fights and stuff like this, this kind of like paled in comparison. But I think for its time, I, I, I was all about the Incredible Hulk. I, I fucking, I love that Abomination Hulk fight. And like, yeah, I, it's interesting, like if you look at the Hulk now, and he's, you know, running around shirtless, and you look at his chest, you can still see the stab wound scar from the Abomination, when the Abomination stabs him in the chest. It's still there. And it's like, oh, that's cool, man. They They still are, you know, you know, that's definitely part of the canon. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, that we got Abomination and Shang-Chi. It just made me want to watch that movie again. I thought, like, uh, Liv Tyler's time in the MCU is sh- so short-lived. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> oh, man. I just rewatched that, like, about a year ago. I did a whole MCU rewatch. And I actually liked it less when I rewatched it. I, I thought more fondly of it than, I- than it ended up being. Oh, you had the same experience as me then. Yeah, yeah. So, because I, I really liked it, I never really understood the hate. Neither did I. And then I watch it. But I don't understand the hate when it came out. Because when it came out, man, it was like that. It was like a way better Hulk movie than the Eric Bana Ang Lee film. And yeah, oh yeah, I think that <laughs> helped a lot too. That was so terrible. Yeah, so like. It was like that first Godzilla movie where it's it's a Hulk movie, but yet they just fucking dangle the shit in front of you and never give it to you. You know, there's barely any Hulk in it whatsoever. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Oh hey. man, and I, I love Tim Roth. I I, I think that's oh, what yeah. I remember so fondly. I think they gave him a lot to chew on in that movie, and he definitely made the most of it. I, there's some really funny stuff with his character, his Blonsky. Yeah, Blonsky. Yeah, he'll be. I think he will be playing. I think he will just. Is he going to be? Is it going to be Tim Roth as as Emil Blonsky in the She Hulk series, or is he going to look like Abomination going to court? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They were very coy when they were asked about what Tim Roth's involvement was. Yeah, because I know he did like yeah. he he he. I know he did the voice for Abomination. I would imagine that he would have done the mocap for the character, but I, I don't know a hundred percent because like they they have different actors do mocap and voice a lot of the time. I mean, think you know, Rocket Raccoon is. Is uh, the movements are done by uh, Sean Gunn, and then the voice is Bradley Cooper, and the same thing went with uh, 
you know, King Shark in uh, Suicide Squad. It was voiced by Sylvester Stallone, but the the movements was uh, Steve Agee, who I know had a role in the movie as himself, as not as himself, but as like one of their, you know, uh, guys in the in the in the war room there for the Suicide Squad. But like, I don't know if he did the the mocap for Abomination. Yeah, I kind of feel like he didn't. Like I said, I, I've read a couple of interviews where, where they're asked about his involvement, and they never really give a straight answer. And I, my feeling is that if he did do all that work, they would be flaunting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, let's see here. All right. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I lost my train. Oh, yeah, I, did, I knew that fucking uh, Lou Ferrigno had, like, the cameo in The Incredible Hulk. And I knew he did the voice for the Hulk in the Avengers movie, but I didn't realize that he did the voice of the Hulk in the Incredible Hulk. Oh yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's cool. I, I was not I did not know that either. Yeah, yeah, because I was like reading through the credits at the end. Oh, another thing about the credits for Shang-Chi is they give they give like a special thanks at the very end to Ralph Macchio. Now pump the brakes it's not ralph macchio from karate kid there's a there's a marvel comic book writer or artist named ralph macchio as well and i was thinking to myself there are going to be so many people that see the name ralph macchio here and they're going to think like why are they giving special thanks to the actor that played the karate kid in the (laughs) shang chi movie in the credits and i was like thinking to myself yeah Brian, you know that this guy's like he's a, he's a writer or somebody over at the. He was a writer, but but eventually, I think he became a bit more famous for being a longtime editor, editor. for Marvel Comics. Yeah, that uh, makes, he, that he did all right. the Spider-Man and Street Comics, like so. Any of that stuff was was under his thumb. Yeah, so if you see, <laughs> I'm just waiting for somebody to see that and then post it on Facebook. Like, why are they giving tribute to Ralph Marshall, the Karate Kid, in the Shark Chamber? <laughs> well, I mean, that's when I was a kid, I would read the Spider-Man comic and go, "Wow, the the Karate Kid is the editor in chief of Amazing Spider-Man." <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's so cool. He's he's fucking walking around the fucking Marvel hallways and shit doing that fucking crane kick and everybody's like, yeah, (laughs) I just finished those pages. They were freshly inked. Why'd you kick them out of my hands? He fucking kicks Jokas out in his face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I believe that's why John Byrne quit. (laughs) Yeah, John Byrne was was yelling, sweep the leg. Put him in a body bag. <laughs> you dead meat, Russo. All right. All right. Let's see. Real quick, I just want to talk about a few things um, before we get into like a lot of the main good pop, bad pop stuff. Is I was listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts a couple weeks ago, uh, Tell Him Steve Dave, and they were talking about going back and watching um, – the old uh, VH1 of love shows. And they were talking about Daisy of love in particular, which uh, was Daisy De La Hoya, who was on rock of love and then eventually got her own spinoff show. And they were talking about how amazing the show was. Now I watched it when it first came out and they were like, Oh, all the episodes are on Hulu. And so I fucking, I went to Hulu and I, I just burned through Daisy of love within like two days. And and I'm gonna get into some other stuff with this. Um, for all the people that like did watch Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, Real Chance of, uh, Real Chance of Love or whatever, if you watched all those shows, this might be interesting to you. If you didn't, then it won't be. Just fast forward. Anyway. Um, so I went back and I watched 
that entire first season. I think it's like comprised of like 12 episodes. And man, the, the cast of guys that they got on this were just so fucking hilarious. And episode five, Joe, um, a fucking skunk gets loose in the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you can't write this stuff. Like this was not like He's puking in the garbage. Yeah, man. People are puking. <laughs> like it was amazing. And then by the end of that episode, that fucking guy cage is like get, ready to get in fights with flex. And it was just, you can't write this shit. That show is just so good. So I went down like this rabbit hole with these of love shows and I started to watch, um, I love money, which like was all the contestants from all these of love shows going on like this, uh, kind of like a survivor type show where each week they vote each other off and shit. And, uh, but the winner wins $250,000. And then I started, I found, I found a podcast called Talk of Love and it's hosted by Lacey Skulls who, was on the second season of Rock of Love. And she's the girl with, like, the flaming red hair. And she interviews most of the people that were involved in these shows. And they talk about behind-the-scenes stuff. They talk about current issues and stuff like that. I was just blown away. I was blown away, like, how involved the producers got, how much shit they set up. How basically Lacey was just admitting to playing a character. And I know there's a lot of producer stuff and they do kind of like groom them and like, but man, just like the level of, of what they were doing to like, uh, put these shows out there and like, you know, the casting and stuff like that. Like they were talking about, uh, I think they were talking to Tango. They talked to Heat and 12 Pack. She talked to them in like separate episodes, but all those guys admitted to like when, they were when they got cast for I Love New York, they knew that they were going to be vying for the love of one of the flavor of love girls. And they were all thinking, oh, it's going to be um, hoops. It's going to be delicious. It's, it's going to be one of these girls. They had no idea it was New York. So they had no idea what they were getting into. They wanted natural reactions on this show. So when New York comes out, these guys, they're like. They're not cheering. So they had to, they had to roll it again and tell these guys to get excited. Cause like they saw her on that show and they knew she was mean and they were intimidated by her, man. And I'm just blown away by this. And, and I find out, I listened to the Tango interview and Tango's talking about how they had a I Love New York reu- reunited last year on BH1. So I'm like, holy shit, they brought some of these guys back and fucking New York. Played by, you know, she, she, Tiffany Pollard is the real New York. She's on this show and, um, Vivica Fox is hosting and they're bringing all these guys back, like, you know, 10 years later. Couldn't find it on the VH1 app. Had to buy it for like three bucks. It was worth it. It was an hour long. They had brought back Tango, Mr. Boston. Uh, Chance was not on there. And if you watch Real Chance of Love, if you watch Chance and Real, they're brothers and they were competing for New York on I Love New York. Well, Kamal Givens. Who played real? He passed away about five six years ago. Um, but they did talk about him. And anyway, listening to this talk of love podcast, I had a lot of interesting things came up. First off, there was this guy that was on the first season of I Love New York, 
And then he was kicked off the first night. Anyway, a couple years later, this guy gets thrown in prison. He spent six years in prison and come to find out it was, he was set up. He was framed and six years, six years of his life were taken away from him, wrongfully accused. And they're talking to him on the, on the reunited, the I Love New York reunited. And his name's Jamal True Love. And he was wrongfully accused and he got out, he got out of prison and he sued and he made, he made, what was it? $12 million, I think, is the settlement he got for six years of his life in prison. And then he's an actor. And he was cast as Kofi in The Last Black Man in San Francisco. I was just like, oh, my God, man. What a story, man. What a fucking story. What a crazy story. life, man. Yeah. Man. It's nice that he got that much money, but I, I don't know. I was trying to think if I would make that hypothetical trade-off. Hell no. Hell no, yeah, man. There's a, There's got to be some PTSD when you get out of prison, man. You know, I mean, fucked up shit happens in prison. It's a whole different fucking culture and shit. I don't, I don't think any, I mean, there's not, not everybody's Danny Trejo that can make it out of this. Like, and I don't even think he made it out unscathed. I'm sure he's got some issues and demons he's dealing with since being in prison and shit. Yeah, how old, how old hypothetically do you think this guy was when he went to prison? In his early twenties, I would imagine. I mean, most of these guys are anywhere from like 22 all the way up to maybe 30, 31. When that show came out. So I'm guessing he's probably 24, 25. Probably didn't get out until his 30s. He probably probably went in in his 20s, lost some of the best years of his life in his prime. Yeah, those are prime years. Those are prime years, man. Lost years of his life in prime. And then he fucking gets out. But, man, he's made up for it, dude. He's, you know, he's fucking acting. He was in that last black man in San Francisco. And uh, and then, listen to this. If you want to know why all these of love shows just seem to stop. Why they stopped making them. Because they were hot, man. VH1 was getting the hottest ratings they'd ever had with some of these shows. And every show was almost just like outperforming the next show. Like people were just getting sucked into these I've Love shows. Anyway, a show comes out called Megan Wants a Millionaire, which was Megan Hauserman. She was a, a Rock of Love contestant. And she makes this flippant comment in I Love Money. Oh, no, Charm School. She was in Charm School, and she said she wants to be a trophy wife. So they make a whole show about this, about Megan, compete all these millionaires competing for the love of Megan. Well, they filmed the whole thing and even released three episodes. After the third episode came out, one of the guys from Megan Wants to Be a Millionaire, Ryan Jenkins kills his fucking wife. Oh my god. He had met another woman filming another show. They fall in love and then they have like this huge falling out over money and everything. And then he ends up fucking killing her, chopping her up and then putting her like I think in like a a suitcase and like dumping her body somewhere and then he ends up killing himself. And basically why all these shows got canceled is because they did a background check on him and if they, and, but they only did it for the U.S. He's from Canada and if they would have looked into his Canadian background, they would have found out that he had like a history of like some, you know, mental illness and he'd been, you know, he'd beat women before and shit. Well, they, they just stopped it with all these of love shows and just completely 
stop making them after that. So yeah, wash your hands and walk away after that. I yeah, guess, huh? yeah. Jeez. But yeah, I watched um, Ma- Megan Wants a Millionaire. They, I think it was ten episodes total, and they released three on VH1. Then they stopped, and then Megan Hauserman released two more on her YouTube channel. So you can watch five of them. Um, Ryan Jenkins did not win that that season. She wanted him to. And then he was on I Love Money season three, and they never released that season because it was like it was the season. And he, the, he was the he's the guy who ended up winning I Love Money season three. Whoa. Is this Ryan Jenkins guy? Aww. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the reason all these. Uh, and this is interesting for those people that fucking watch these of love shows. Joe, it sounds like you watched a few of them. Yeah, we watched Rock of Love and Daisy Love. Um, there's there's moments from Daisy Love that for some reason have stayed stuck in my head. Yeah, that rendition of of uh, Old McDonald's Farm that they do in that one episode that's never left my yeah. head for some reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, dude. Um, yeah, she's interviewed uh, the winner of that, uh, London. He was on uh, he was on Talk of Love. Those talk and Lacey Skulls is cool as shit, man. I fucking love her, man. She's fucking it sounds like an interesting podcast. Fantastic podcast. She didn't record a bunch of episodes for a stretch there, but now she's just dropped two within the past week. But I've been trying to listen to all the ones that, uh, you know, that I'm really interested in. But yeah, uh, check out Talk of Love. So I Tupperware the fuck out of the Talk of Love podcast. I know it was a long story to get to that, but anyway, uh, Jake, I've been, uh, watching Heels every week. And I, I know I gave uh, the first two episodes not the highest ratings. You know, taste it and high taste it, I think is what I gave it. Um, last two episodes, three and four, have been absolute Tupperwares. I, I'm hooked on the show Heels now. It's the wrestling show with Stephen Amell on Stars. It's uh, It comes out every Sunday. Last two episodes have been phenomenal. I'm in love with this show. Yeah, I need to, I need to give that a binge. I... I... I love the like the the stuff they're talking about and the topic very much interests me that but yeah that the first episode was just kind of a drag. Yeah, yeah I you liked it more than I did. Yeah, yeah, I did like it more than you did. <laughs> yeah. Um it gets better, man. I hate to be that guy that says that bullshit. I feel like I feel like when he sees somebody get a tattoo that says it, <laughs> it gets better. I mean, there's a difference between telling someone it gets better when you're talking about a window of like four to six episodes. I know. It's like, watch two seasons yeah. and then it gets better. Yeah, wait until you yeah, get to the third season. Wait until you get to the third season. And I'm a completist. I'm not, I, I can't do this whole thing of like, oh, which, you know, which are like the, the key episodes that I need to watch in like the first and second seasons so that I can jump into like what's the good stuff. I'm a completionist, man. I can't fucking just like skip over episodes. That's I'm the same though. way. My yeah. palms would sweat if I skipped episodes. Yeah, yeah. So heels. <laughs> I've kind of done that with American Horror Story, where there's certain seasons I haven't seen, but due to the nature of that show, it's like I don't really feel like I'm missing out on like any important story details by doing that. But it's something where you know it's actual story that started in season one, season two. Yeah, that's it's weird to start in season three. Yeah, yeah. Real quick, I, I watched. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Psycho Gorman, directed by Stephen Kostansky. I watched uh, one of his first movies, if not his first movie, Manborg. It was, uh, How was that? streaming on Hoopla. Oh my god! Like, 
the graphics and special effects are super crude, but man, like he's fucking great, dude. I fucking loved it. I fucking loved it. It is, it's fantastic. I just, I, I loved Manborg. Um, absolute Tupperware for me. So if you can find it somewhere, uh, streaming, uh, you probably have to rent it unless you have a Hoopla subscription. That's where I watched it. It was on Hoopla. But, um, yeah, Tupperware Manborg. It was fucking, <laughs> fucking really funny. Uh, crude, Crude graphics and special effects, but like that's part of the charm, honestly. So, oh, and then, uh, I went to the theater, uh, for Flashback Cinema, and, uh, you can go to flashbackcinema.com to see if your theater, uh, does this, uh, or if you have one near you. But, uh, there's a theater near me that does Flashback Cinema, and, uh, every week they'll play like an old movie. Anyway, this past week they started Lord of the Rings, while, like, I've seen Lord of the Rings many times, and I've seen Lord of the Rings in the theater. I've never seen the extended edition in the theater. And they're playing the extended edition in the theater. So I went and saw Fellowship of the Rings. Uh, this Sunday and Wednesday, they're doing Two Towers. And then the following next week uh, after that, they're going to be doing uh, The Return of the King uh, Sunday and Wednesday. And uh, this next one's like three hours and 50 minutes. And then Return of the King's four hours and 10 minutes. And so, <laughs> dude, it's crazy. It's, it's an hour. That's just the ending. Oh my, no shit, dude. It's like they keep cutting away and you think it's over. Like my audience groaned on the first night when I went <laughs> and saw too, it. Me too. <laughs> me too. I, I, I attribute that to the fact that it was a midnight release. Too. I went, to, I was at that. I, was, I don't know if we were at the same theater, but I was, I was living in Peoria at that time and God damn it. It was the midnight release. And it's like, it's already like fucking like, it's like three in the morning. Hold on, guys. All good. Well, let me tell you something, brother. You should head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon shopping link for all your shopping needs. Ooh, yeah. The cream of the crop always rise to the top, dig it? Speaking of cream, you can probably buy it on Amazon. Not 100% sure. Yeah. To all my little Hulkamaniacs, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and you will never go wrong, brother. And listen, dude, you can buy those vitamins through the Amazon shopping link on popcultureleftovers.com. Ooh, yeah. I just bought a neon orange cowboy hat and a curtain of Slim Jims. Step into a Slim Jim. Head on over to popcultureleftovers.com now and use the link. Because what you going to do, brother? When pop culture leftovers runs wild on you. All right, we're back. God damn, my cat knocked the, and you guys are gonna hear that. I'm not cutting anything out. My cat knocked, I got a portable recorder this is all hooked up to that's recording. My cat knocked it down. I knew he's laying his fucking head on it the entire time. I knew it was gonna come down. It was like, it's like a tower of Jenga, Jake. And like my cat's head being that one fucking loose block that's going to fucking, you know what I mean? And he's going to knock it out and it fell and I tried to grab it and then like it hits my hand and fucking hits my, and now it hits my hand and my hand's fucked up now. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> I'm wincing and shit. And I'm like, God damn it. And I had, it's plugged into my fucking headphones, which are connected to it. And my headphones go flying out of my ears. So it feels like my ears almost got ripped off. Oh, well, PCL has terrible insurance. So you better rub some tussin on that shit. Fucking okay. Chris rock. 
<laughs> uh, you, you, you remember that Chris Rock stand up act, right? Oh, that's totally what I'm, yeah. Yeah. Totally what I'm ripping on. Yeah. Like, he'd be like, <laughs> he's talking about how they had, they didn't have any insurance. So, like, instead of going to the hospital, like, even if they had a broken bone, his dad was just like, pour some tussin on that shit. <laughs> he's like, he's like, let the tussin soak in. <laughs> yeah, I've never forgot that. That, that, that bit slayed me. Oh, man. I love the idea that me and you were in the same theater for um, that Return of the King show, and I, I that very well could be true. Oh yeah, because my crowd was very upset. Oh my god! Every time they kept fucking, it would fade out to black, and then it would come back. We'd be like, oh my god, because it's like it's like fucking three in the morning. Yeah, wild. It's so funny that something you were anticipating so much all day would cause such a reaction and past three in the morning. Jesus Christ. But it was cool seeing the extended editions in the theater. I did go to a seven o'clock showing. So it was, it was like, it, it was pretty fucking late. So like tomorrow when they play it, I might go to the two o'clock showing. And then for the return of the king, they've got a one o'clock showing. I might do that instead of like the seven o'clock showings. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. Especially for return of the king. You should make yeah. sure you do that. Oh my God. Yeah. Block off fucking like, that's like a sixth of a day. Yeah, it's crazy. Do they um? They don't show you any trailers, do they? Do they just? They fucking showed you trailers. Oh. I was like, Jesus Christ! I was thinking that when the trailer started, I was like, this movie's already going to be fucking over three and a half hours long, and you got to fucking show me the the the, the movie trailers. All right, I already plan on seeing Venom. We can fast forward. Jesus Christ! <laughs> God damn it! Oh, oh, you know what I saw? Uh, um, oh, we're just going to talk about this. Yeah, Lord of the Rings extended editions in the in the theater. Fucking amazing. Really fucking cool. It was awesome. So, um, never seen the extended editions in the theater, and uh, it's 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 really cool. So I can't wait to go to the next one. Let's talk about uh, a trailer that I saw uh, last night when I went to go see a movie. They played uh, the trailer for uh, The Matrix Resurrections. So I want to talk about uh, the Matrix Resurrection trailer that dropped. You guys, I'm assuming, hope, hoping you got a chance to watch this one because I don't think I put it in your notes for this week. Yeah, I yeah. saw it. Yeah, same here. All right. You never know. You know, get on here and somebody hasn't seen a trailer for something. It's happened before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, like, I'm just so disinterested with, like, a franchise at that point that I, I just don't even care when the trailer drops. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, this one's uh, directed by uh, Lana Wachowski, and uh, trailer dropped. And uh, I didn't have a lot of expectations going into it. Um, I'll get to my thoughts on it, but I want to hear your thoughts, Joe. What'd you think of the uh, Matrix Resurrections trailer that dropped? It got me excited to see the movie, but I'm I'm still hesitant going into it. You know, it, it really didn't give us too much of a plot. It. The, the plot that kind of felt like it was there felt a lot like the first movie, which you know, I guess it would make sense for, for them to, to write something like that, almost doing it like a sequel and a bit of a reboot at the same time. The the trailer had a lot of really cool action in it, which is what I would expect from a Matrix movie. Keanu looked great in it. Uh, it I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea that, that they're all back in and they don't seem to really know each other, but that's starting to happen because it does kind of fall in line with with the story that the architect was telling Neo, uh, you know, at the at the end of the second one. So yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm more excited to see it than I was pre-trailer. So, you know, it, it did its job there, and I'm such a huge fan of the first one. I was going to be seeing this one regardless. Um, but but otherwise, it, it just seemed like a lot of, you know, fast cut from this to this to this, to where it was almost kind of a dizzying trailer. Mm. But a lot of the imagery it showed was pretty cool looking. Uh, my favorite part in it was when he, he did that, that blow, and it kind of blew apart the whole dojo. It's like, all right, well, that's kind of, you know, power that's on a, a different level than what we saw in the first one. So it's it does give me hope that we're going to see some stuff that we didn't previously see in the other movies. Jake. Yeah, I mean, I on record have called the Matrix trilogy the worst trilogy of all time. Um, the first movie was one of my favorite movie going experiences I ever had. And the sequels were the biggest letdowns, I think, in my entire cinematic history. So my excitement level for this was very, very, very low. Um, I decided to finally give it a watch yesterday because I heard some, some good things about it. And I was like, all right, let me see what's up with this Matrix trailer. And I was actually pretty blown away by it. I, I'm going to give this trailer a Tupperware because it, without this trailer, I did not give two shits about this movie. And I thought this trailer did everything it needed to do. I, I think one of the biggest problems of the second and the third movie is instead of Neo being the character that you kind of go along for the ride with, they make him into this God, you know, slash Superman character that you just can't relate to anymore. He's ahead of the audience and knows more than the audience in those second and third movies. And it just kind of takes away from a lot of the fun. And I, I feel like this is a return to form where we're back in the same position as Neo, not knowing what the fuck is going on. And therefore the whole story is interesting. Again, I also thought much like the first movie, we're seeing a lot more like, practical effects stuff i thought uh, the second and third movie went a little bit wayward with the uh, wonky cgi scenarios and stuff that they did and i i really appreciate that it looks like the majority of this movie takes place inside the matrix which is kind of the most interesting thing about a movie titled the matrix so i yeah i i'm very pumped i I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed this trailer. I it's one of the biggest surprises of the year for me as far as like movie trailers go. Yeah, um I I loved the trailer too. I, I first uh first watch it was just the action for me. That fucking I Tupperware. I was just like this action looks absolutely incredible. It looks so fucking awesome. And as I've watched it multiple times, I started picking up more and more things that are going on in this. And I feel like it's like, yeah, you can just say it's all member berries, but on the flip side, there's a lot more going on in this trailer than uh, I think we know it's really going on. And I mean, you can come to your own conclusions, but man, there's like, there's a part where he's like looking in a mirror and you can see that there's, he's seeing a version of either himself or just an old man. And, but then there's also like a couple parts in the trailer where it's like you're seeing – so it's like is that the image of himself that he's seeing? He's not really seeing himself. He's seeing himself as this old man or is like – I don't I, – I, and then there's also these moments where you see like scenes from the first movie like on a projector. And so is – does he live in a world where like the Matrix was actually just a movie? And he, the guy he's working for, like that we see at the end of the trailer, the, the actor from Mindhunter, is he working for like a movie company or a software company now that, that, that they're talking about the Matrix being like, you know, you, you know, 
like an actual property within this world. And so like his whole story, like everybody in this world knows it as like a movie and not as reality. Um, am I making any sense? I don't know. Did you guys pick that up or I No, Yeah, I completely follow you. And I, I think it's what makes it so confusing and exciting. Just being like the idea of not knowing it instead of being told information, we're going to, we're going to find out what the fuck is going on. And I, I love your scenario. Like, that's a good way to erase a lot of the fallacies of the second and the third movie. Like just, you know, it was a different level of the matrix. It was fake reality itself. It's now, you know, or even if it wasn't, it, it could be portrayed that way. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm so saying. Exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this is like, if we're going by the original film, this is going to be the seventh iteration of the matrix. And yeah. so this is like, and in the trailer itself, you see, um, you see his old body from the, from revolutions where he's got like the eyes fucking like, you know, burnt out and shit or covered. And you see that here and they're like plugging him back into like the matrix. So it's, it's, I think like they're using him for something and they've got him and Trinity both back in here. They don't remember each other. Trinity, they've kind of like reanimated, brought her back or something like that. There's like these two pods that are facing each other at one point in the trailer. And I think that might be Neo and Matrix, uh, Neo and Trinity. There's the part where Trinity is like using all the, like these new powers that we've never seen her use before, like this screaming power. And she like splits off and we see like all these different Trinities to her left and right. If you look at those, it's not the, it's not the same actor. Like they've, there's like different, there's at least two different women that are in those uh, vibrations of Trinity when she's screaming. So she screams so loud that it creates like these multiple vibration ripples of her image that you can kind of like see through. And one of them looks like Christina Ricci and another looks, and we know she's in the movie. And then another one looks like another actor altogether. And so it gives true meaning to her name, Trinity, if that is the case. Um, mm. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II has confirmed that he is playing Morpheus. But, like, in the trailer, you see, like, a version of, like, the computers, like, making, like, 3D printing a Morpheus. So, like, is this the the real Morpheus? Or is this, like, the Matrix's version of the Morpheus that's going to fuck with Neo within this world? I have no idea. Um, uh, we, the actor Priyanka Chopra-Jonas is in the trailer, and she's reading Alice in Wonderland, People are speculating that she's Sati the Oracle all grown up now. And then Neil Patrick Harris, and she's wearing red glasses, and she's reading Alice in Wonderland. And we, you know, do you want to go further down the hole? The red pill is like, that's the one that you take if you want to know the truth. And then like, there's the, if you want to keep, stay in the matrix, that's the, that's the blue glass, the blue pill. And Neil Patrick Harris playing the therapist is wearing blue trim glasses. So like, he's the one that the Matrix is just using to keep, uh, you know, fucking Neo in check. And, like, it could be the Oracle later. She's wearing the red trim glasses. She could be the one that, like, leads him down, further down the rabbit hole to, like, the truth and shit. I fucking, upon first watch, I was just like, I love the action. And then upon, like, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth watch, I'm just, like, noticing all these other details. They had the, the, the black cat, the deja vu black cat. Mm -hmm. in this trailer as well 
the use of mirrors, like we see the use of mirrors in the first movie. Um, uh, agents from the first movie are coming back into this one. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm fucking digging what I'm seeing so far. Now, can it all come together? I'm just Tupperware in the trailer. Do I think the movie's going to be great? I have no fuck. I hope it is. God damn it. I, I, I was really intrigued by this one. So yeah, Matrix, man. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, wow. I never would have thought that you could get me excited for Matrix 4. But yeah, I, I'm right there. This trailer was so fucking amazing. And, and I agree. The movie could still be a big poop pile. But I have a glimmer of hope now after seeing this. The uh, the date that it's released is a palindrome. 12-22-21. Oh, that's exciting. I love it when they could do shit like that with the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. What, Joe, what would you rate it? You know, I was on a just a high taste it for the first time I watched it, but now hearing you guys talk more deeply about it, I'm like fuck, now I want to rewatch that trailer and like watch it with a sharper eye. Yeah, because admittedly, I watched it from a very jaded point of view. Sure. It, yeah. You know, and and but I'm more I'm more excited about it now with with what Jake was saying, you know, and then with what you're saying with the deeper stuff in it though too. It's like especially the if there's three different trinities and if these are different reboots of the Matrix. You know, what if every time the Matrix been rebooted, they still those copies still exist somewhere? And so what if these are different versions yeah. of those characters from rebooted Matrixes where it's almost like a multiverse, but instead of a multiverse, it's just, you know, older, you know, older vision, older versions of similar software. Yeah, exactly. Like the when he sees like the older version of himself in the mirror, or at least we do as an audience, we I don't know if he sees it. But like when we see that is like that, like Neo point one was that the first yes. generation yeah, neo yeah. oh damn no I, i'm legit more excited to watch this movie now than i was 10 minutes ago so <laughs> there's that <laughs> wait till you watch the trailer again it's just like every time you fucking watch it there's like a new thing that's that that can get you excited if you if you see all these details it's just a detail upon detail upon detail and a lot of like mimicking like you know stuff that we've seen in the first movie but i mean they're just presenting it in this in this new mind bending way um it's very cool it's very cool so yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm jealous you saw this in the theater i, I can't yeah. wait to see this on the big screen yeah i went to see malignant last night in the theater which we'll talk about later i went to see that in the theater last night and this was one of the trailers that they gave us so nice it's awesome oh uh, what are we oh god uh, I had uh, some, oh yeah, the Matrix Resurrection synopsis. Have you guys seen, have you read the synopsis yet? I have not. No. The Matrix Resurrections is a continuation of the story established in the first Matrix film. It reunites Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss as cinematic icons Neo and Trinity in an expansion of their story that ventures back into the Matrix and even deeper down the rabbit hole. A mind-bending new adventure with action and epic scale. It's set in a familiar yet even more provocative world where reality is more subjective than ever and all that's required to see the truth is to free your mind. 20 years after the first film, the franchise that helped define pop culture. Man, that's not, that's not giving away anything. I'm done reading it because it's not giving away anything. <laughs> I'm, I, I kind of want to go in blind, honestly. Like I, this is, I know a lot of stuff. It's like, give me the spoilers, give me the spoilers. I, I feel like. I just want to know as little as possible about this movie. Like that's kind of the charm of the first one for me. Mm. Man, I'm when that second trailer comes out, I'm going to be dissecting that. Man, I'm just going to be like, okay, what's going on here? (laughs) Um, I I went into that first one having no idea that 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 twist was coming or that anything like that. 
Like I didn't really know anything about the movie other than people telling me that, dude, with your sensibilities, you're really going to love this movie. And it was like, okay, I remember there was some what the we're going to need guns scene. I remember that from the trailer back in those days. But Jake, there's something to that about going in blind. But now with all these points that Brian's brought up, I'm going to be dissecting this trailer and the next one. Yeah. 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 I just yeah, I went to it. Just, you know, Keanu Reeves sci fi movie opening night. Let's just go see what this is about. And yeah, it was just that really added to the experience. It was like finding out everything at the same time. I just I that first movie is a special place in my heart. I, I love it so much. Felt like uh he had to film this very close to like a John Wick film to where, you know, he had the same look here, you know? So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it came out last week, but I, I, uh, I ordered this one off of Amazon and had to watch this one. Uh, Mortal Kombat Legends Battle of the Realms, the new Mortal Kombat animated feature. The heroes must travel to Outworld to defend Earthrealm as Scorpion searches for the ancient Kamidogu before it's used to resurrect the one being. So yeah, we've got a story here of like this ultimate one being that is trying to get resurrected here. And, um, and, uh, this one, uh, you've got, yeah, you've, you've got Joel McHale back as Johnny Cage, Jennifer Carpenter as Sonya Blade, uh, Patrick Seitz as Scorpion, J- Jordan Rodriguez as Liu Kang, and a bunch of other people in this movie as well. Um, I loved, absolutely loved Mortal Kombat Legends, uh, the, uh, the Scorpion film that came out. What was the, what was the full title? Scorpion's Revenge, I believe is what it was called. Yep. And, um, I absolutely loved that one. And this one, I, I wasn't loving when it started out, to be quite honest with you. And it really wasn't until they kind of got into like the tournament. And then even towards the end, I was like not digging like this whole side story. But as it got closer to the end and you see like Scorpion and Sub-Zero and what they're doing and, and, um, uh, the, the big battle at the end, I was just like, fuck it, man. They're doing it. They're going for it, man. <laughs> They're going for it. So it's weird. It's, this is a weird one for me because I, I was kind of like the beginning. I just did not like, I would say like the first 30 minutes, I'm really not giving a shit about this movie. I, I felt like Joel McHale's Johnny Cage was grating on my nerves. His jokes were kind of like grating a little bit. And I really wasn't feeling him until later in the, in the movie. But I think everything came together really well. And like once the tournament really started and they started to get into like some of the really fun action and some of the gore. And then, uh, I think like even, like even the big battle at the end came together for me. I was just like, fuck it. Go for it. Yeah. Fuck it. Yes. Yeah, man. And I was really digging it, uh, towards, towards the end too. And I thought when I was really hating that whole side story, but it, I think it ended quite nicely. I'm going to give this the the highest of tasteds, and this was going to be a uh, a low tasted or tasted starting off, and uh, I'll give it the highest of tasteds. And there's many Tupperware moments in this for me, many Tupperware moments in in, in Battle of the Realms, but uh, I'll give it a high taste. That um, Joe, what do you think? I had a very similar experience with this one. Uh, uh, the first one, Scorpion's Revenge. That's that's probably my favorite Mortal Kombat movie that I've ever seen. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's so good. Top I to mean, bottom. It, it's good on every level. You know, it's the pacing in it is fantastic. The animation's really good. The action in it is absolutely brutal. 
and and the story's really good. All the character actors in it are amazing. And so going into this sequel, it had a lot of those same things going for it. We get a lot of the returning cast, same animation style. Um, if anything, this one is maybe more brutal than the first one. Um, you know, so they didn't hold back there, but I felt like plot wise and pacing wise, this one does fall short of the mark when comparing it against the first one. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it does go a lot slower. Um, they, there's some choices in the plot that, that I was just kind of against, you know, certain developments with certain characters. It's like, ugh, really? Okay. Um, you know, it, ultimately, I, I couldn't help but compare this one to the first one that came before it. And so it, it fell short of the mark for me of being a Tupperware and it is just a high taste. And it's got so many great moments in it. And ultimately it does have a good ending, but man, it's, it's got some low parts in it. And, and I think the plot could have used some tweaks to make it a uh, Tupperware. I agree. I agree. It was nice seeing, I, th- I think like the, the tournament aspect was a lot of fun, but man, here's one thing. Raiden kind of annoys the shit out of me in this movie. Agreed. A hundred percent. And that's kind of the the plot choices yeah. that I was talking about. It's like, how do you take a character like Raiden and and just like de-nut him so much? Well, and, and like at the beginning of the movie, that you get a whole scene of like Luke King's parents being killed by, you know, like this Baraka army. And that's brutal too, right? Well, it's like, Raiden, couldn't you have shown up maybe five minutes sooner? He waits until he waits to show up until after Liu Kang's parents are dead. That way he can adopt the child, which is fucked up. He didn't chosen one. And then later skips a lot of paperwork that day. And, that and then later, fucking uh, Raiden gets rid of his godhood, and then Liu Kang's arm gets fucked up by this poison, and he's like, "Oh, um, if uh, if I was still a god, I'd be able to take care of that." But I can't now. It's like, it's like rub some on it. Luke. Rub some tussing on it. <laughs> it was a tussing moment. I was raiding the noise, the shit out of me in this one. Like I, I, it doesn't. It's crazy for me to say this, but I haven't liked a Raiden since fucking Christopher Lambert in the first movie, and he he was corny, and I loved him in that movie though. I loved him in that movie. He was corny, but it was fun. He was corny he was as shit, but he was role. so good. Yeah, yeah. The fucking, the Raiden in that last one, the, the live action one, he fucking sucked too. I, I hated him. Uh, he was terrible. He was garbage. What'd you well, think? The farther Jake? I get away from that movie, the lower my rating has dropped. Yeah, yeah. Jake, what'd you uh, think of uh, Battle of the Realms? I, I actually liked this more than the last one. I, You're out of your mind. No, I, I did, I did. You're I, out of your I, mind. I, I, I thought the I agree that it had a slower start than the first one. I I think the opening of the first one is just so good. It's like such a like it just drags you right in with that, you know, Scorpion origin story. But I, yeah, I thought once this one got going and got to the tournament, I was just like, "Oh my gosh, it was like I was at some fucking like awesome like wrestling pay-per-view just watching all these fights. I just enjoyed it so much. I I enjoyed that the brutality seemed to be ramped up a little bit. I thought the animation level was ramped up a little bit and all bets were off. I I really like was never ahead of this movie and had no idea like who was going to die and who was going to win these fights. And I, I don't know. I just had so much fun watching this movie. I've actually watched it twice already. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. I I loved the first one. It was a Tupperware as well. I know the first one you gave that first one a high taste that, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'm it, surprised. Okay, well, 
Yeah, it still stands up. I, I I like this one more. This one is a Tupperware for me. Oh wow! I just love that. Oh man, when they get to like the fighting hall and like all the blood is still stained into the floor all over the place and splotches. I I just thought the art style was so cool on the backdrops of all these different sets that they uh, they used in this movie. I, I really loved it. I'm a big Cyrax and Sector fan, and I love seeing how they were used here. And uh, yeah, I liked, uh, even though the plot was kind of goofy, I agree that by the end, they made the final battle worth it. Yeah. I was invested in it, and I, I really enjoyed what was going on. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this shit was cool. I um, The Liu Kang poison arm stuff may have been my biggest complaint, though. Like the I was like, how is he going to get out of this? And it's just like, basically, they just cheat their way out of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. It like sheds off like a lizard skin. It's like okay, I've had this long enough. Do you know? Do you know what the arena that they fight in is called? No, it's called the Coliseum, and it's spelled with a K. Oh well, <laughs> that part I knew. <laughs> yeah, this was. I thought Shang Tsung was awesome. I Shao Kahn was really cool. I johnny cage and sonya were great just like in the first one i yeah this this was fucking crazy poor kung lao he, he never gets a break in kung lao oh my god yeah kung lao gets fucked in every fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> who was the who's the fucking uh the goro tiger is that kentaro yeah i believe that's correct yes oh my god <laughs> his or like bingle or something like that <laughs> am i crazy uh, i don't know I can't remember. Bangle just seems too on the nose with him being a tiger. I thought Katara was just like a different looking Goro. Maybe that's Shiva. My bad. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out, dude. Uh, if you're a fan of Mortal Kombat, um, check this one out. It's it's definitely worth watching. Did this feel like a conclusion or does it feel like they could? I mean, I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, it's always the final battle for the Earth Realm, and then there's another final battle for the Earth Realm. I mean, I think if this movie gets enough sales and rentals that they could figure out a way to make another one. Yeah. Yeah, and with it being legends like that, they could even make it like, uh, you know, anthology and just tell different stories around there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Joe, we both went to the theater this week and watched The Alpinist. Uh Mark Andre Leclerc climbs alone, far from the limelight on Rumor. This is a documentary uh, that uh, I think it was just a one night theater event. Um, but uh, on remote Alpine faces, the free spirited twenty three year old Canadian makes some of the boldest solo ascents in history. Yet he draws scant attention. With no cameras, no rope, and no margin for error, Leclerc's approach is the essence of solo adventure. Nomadic and publicity shy, he doesn't own a phone or car and is reluctant to let a film crew in on his pure vision of climbing. Veteran filmmaker Peter Mortimer sets out to make a film about Leclerc, but struggles to keep up with his elusive subject. Then Leclerc embarks on a historic adventure in the Patagonia that will redefine what is possible in solo climbing. And, uh, yeah, this one's directed by, uh, Peter Mortimer and Nick Rosen, and it stars, uh, it's a documentary and it, uh, documents the, uh, climbing career of Mark Andre Leclerc. And, uh, I, uh, Joe, I, you know, I'd watched the trailer for this one, and that's all I knew about this guy. So, Everything in this was a complete surprise to me, Joe. Everything. 
and I knew it would be going into it. When you sent me the trailer, yeah, and I saw it was about Marc Andre Leclerc, I was like, oh, I know who he is, yeah, and and I know Brian doesn't, so Uh (laughs) and I didn't go to his Wikipedia page, I didn't look anything up. So I didn't. I, I didn't think you would. Yeah. So I didn't. I, I purposely didn't say anything to you about what I knew about him. Yeah, man. Um, this guy. Oh my god. Just. Uh, I mean, you know, I watched uh, Free Solo in the theater. Saw that in the theater twice, Joe. Saw it on a regular screen. Went back and saw it in IMAX when they did IMAX. Ooh. I bet it was awesome in IMAX. It was awesome in IMAX. Alex and old. This guy doing a free solo up the. Uh, was it the Dawn Wall? What was it? What, what fucking that Yosemite fucking mountain? Uh, it was El Cap. El Cap. El Capitan. Yeah. Fucking uh, climbs up this motherfucker. Just free solo. Talking like no ropes, nothing. Just just fucking climbing up there like he's goddamn Spider-Man. It's insane. You make if you if you fucking slip or fall, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah, there's zero margin for error. And well, in the, the headspace that a climber has to occupy to be able to do that and keep your cool. It's one thing to mm-hmm. do really hard moves that are. You know, maybe at the the edge of what you can do when you're on a rope. And you know, g- granted, Alex Honnold has said on camera many times that when he's free soloing stuff, he's not pushing himself. He's not doing stuff on the edge, but he's still doing stuff that's like in climbing grades. It's quite difficult. I mean, the way he brushes it off like it's not hard. But yeah. on my best, I climbed for like a decade, and on my best day, I I couldn't climb free rider with a rope. And he fucking did it with no rope, where, where there's no margin for error. And well, imagine if like. It's nature. I mean, imagine if imagine if a fucking imagine if a fucking bird took a shit yeah. on one of these rocks and holds, you and it holds you, break all the time. And you fucking yeah. like grab onto a rock and it's slick with bird shit that you didn't see and you go, ah! Yeah, or you or you you put your hand into a crack and like a swarm of wasps come out. Yeah, man. I mean, there's all sorts of shit you can't control. A hundred percent nature. They're they're gonna set it. Or what if you're in the middle of this big route? And all of a sudden it starts raining. Now all this, you know, granite that you're on is now wet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. That, man. Yeah, man. And it's like, you know, this Mark Andre Leclerc, he would like, you know, check the weather. Like this guy was like very like kind of like meticulous when, when it came to some of this stuff. But like on the flip side, he would just like, he would just like look at a fucking mountain and, uh, he, you know, he wouldn't like really, uh, like, ma- like plan out a route and shit sometimes. He'd just look at it and be like, okay, let's just go for it. And yeah, uh, he wouldn't do he wouldn't like do it with a rope first, like on Honnold's stuff. He he previews a lot of these things he does like with a rope first. I mean, granted, if he goes out and does really easy stuff, he'll just on site it. But this guy did on site everything. He's like, I'll figure it out when I get there. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like mountains when you could be grabbing onto a block that, you know, by all outward appearances, it's attached to the mountain. But maybe it's not. Maybe you pulling on it, like, cantilevers that thing fucking loose, and now it and you are free-falling to the valley floor, however far that may be below you. But Le- no way. Leclerc's not just doing mountains and rock. Like, yeah, these are mountains, but on the flip side, like, he'll go up when it's uh, mixed with uh, snow and then when waterfalls have frozen. So basically, he's not grabbing on to, like, you know, uh, fucking, like, rock all the time. Uh, sometimes it's just a frozen waterfall and you don't know, you don't know if it's going to support your weight. He's fucking climbing no. on ice. This ice could break at any moment. And Dude, that scene where he's going and he's going up the rock and then he transitions over to the ice that's not connected to the wall where he's at. And so there's like a good two feet of space in between the ice and the rock wall that he's on and the ice itself that he's now transitioning onto. It looks like it's only six inches thick. 
Yeah. And he's just got an ice axe in each hand. He's got crampons on each boot. So those are like the little metal claw things that you see ice climbers use. And he's very delicately picking his way up this thing while his feet are just hanging off over the void. Hmm. And so he's just hand over handing it like a fucking beast until he can delicately place a crampon foot on that ice dagger and then very delicately keep moving so that he doesn't break it and yeah. then ride the whole thing to the valley floor below. This guy, <laughs> this guy was insane as far as like, just like, and, but see like, uh, and it really gets into his life. It, it, it gets into, it gets into him. It gets into like, and you could just tell he was a good, a good guy. Like everybody he came oh, into contact nice. with loved him. Um, just thought just he a had, very pure soul. Yes, dude. Like uh, that that one that one dude, heavy duty, cracks me up, man. <laughs> heavy fantastic. duty is fucking hilarious. But the heavy professional du- hula hooper. Yeah, yeah. Heavy duty was talking about him, like you know, Mark Andre Leclerc was born in the wrong fucking like you know decade. He should have been. He's not made for like all this technology and stuff like that, man. This guy is living life like he doesn't have his head in a screen. Like he's fucking. He would rather be outside and doing things than than uh, you know on social media or watching TV. He just like lives in the moment, and uh, it does get into a, like a dark uh period of his life when he wasn't climbing that much and he was just doing I think he was just doing a lot of psychedelics and uh yeah. and a lot of partying and stuff like that. But man, for um just I thought with Hanold watching Alex Hanold like, oh my God, like it doesn't get any crazier than this. And then to watch Marc Andre Leclerc and like the 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 things that he's doing and the mountains he's climbing. And I was just it's a whole was, different level. Yeah, with what Mark Andre Leclerc is doing, yeah. and, and and like Honold even says that he's like, like he's doing what? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like everything I'm on, you know, it's it's solid rock. You know, he's he's going between rock and ice. Can you imagine how fucked you'd be if you just accidentally dropped one of your ice axes? I know. I kept thinking he's that. doing this crazy shit where he like puts it on his shoulder and like delicately sets it on his shoulder like he's talking on a phone. Yes. in the nineties. Yes. He puts <laughs> it on his shoulder and I'm like, what if you drop that thing? You better That's have what a- I kept thinking. My palms were sweaty throughout the whole performance, man. Or throughout the whole film. Just like, Yeah. Oh my God. I, I don't want to spoil this one for no. anybody going and watching it and stuff like that. But yeah, and, and don't Google the guy. Just yeah. if you see a, a viewing of this, just go watch it. Don't yeah. don't go into it really knowing anything about this guy. Because you know, there's not that many people, you know, in the public at large that really know what's going on in the climbing sphere. And so just go into this knowing that you're going to be you're going to be exposed to to sites that you don't usually see, a lifestyle that you don't usually see and and a take on life that you're probably not used to seeing. And and like we were saying, this guy is he's a very beautiful pure soul. In the way that he looks at the world and the way that he was able to 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 live his life, the way that these professional climbers do it, how they they live out of vans and, and dirt bag and, and, you know, maybe they live out of the back of a Subaru yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, they just got a pup tent that they set up somewhere. Or in his case, he's like going and sleeping in an ice cave and then getting up super early and just going and soloing as much shit as possible. You know, it's if anybody's living their best life, that's what this guy and a lot of other professional climbers are doing. You know, they're they're dirty all the time. I imagine they're always itchy <laughs> and smelly, but every day they're getting up and they're doing something that they absolutely love to do. In a place that makes you feel, uh, at least for myself, when I'm in the mountains and stuff like that, it's it's a level of freedom that I don't get anywhere else. And, and a level of feeling just centered and, 
And there's none of this fast-paced bullshit of everyday life. It's just this beautiful, peaceful way to connect with nature and doing it on the level that this guy was doing all by himself, climbing to the tops of mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was living a, a type of life and a level of freedom that not many people in the world experience. That's true. And here's the thing. It's like what I really loved about this and why I felt like, you know, climbing was really good for him. And part of like his development as a person was the fact that when, you know, he was diagnosed with ADHD and when he was in school, he just could not sit still. But like when he started climbing, that's when he could settle down and focus. And I mean, it's, it's like, it's like one extreme or the other. I was just like, I was blown away by like the level of discipline that he has when he climbs. And it's like, it's like certain people can do certain things and they're just better than everybody else. And it's like, you know, like watching, I remember watching Michael Jordan play basketball and just seeing him on the court and just being like, yeah, this guy is just like on another level. On Michael Jordan's best night, he is better than anybody out here and he's just dominating. And, um, even on Michael Jordan's worst night, sometimes he was still able to find ways to score. He was fine. He's getting guy if he if a shot wasn't dropping he was still finding ways to get to the foul line he might have so still scored 30 points but only had like <laughs> yeah. but it, maybe he only had three field goals that that game but he still had 30 points because he's getting guys to foul him and and still get him to the line this guy when it came to climbing like he's in another zone and um just just incredible i tupperware this this was so amazing i was so happy that this filmmaker um, you know, took two years out of his life and gave us two years of, uh, Mark Andre Leclerc's, you know, uh, climbing. You know, he, he filmed this guy for two years. I'm so glad that he did this, took the time to, to, to film this guy climbing and things like that so that we could, that we could watch just like this fucking superhuman go out there and do these superhuman things. It's insane. Yeah, Peter Mortimer, the filmmaker, if, if you look him up and and check out some of the different projects and films and docs that he's been in, involved in, you'll love them. Like, if you like these stories, uh, a huge one that if you haven't watched yet, watch The Dawn Wall. That, that also takes place on El Cap in Yosemite, but it's on the other side of the nose from where Honold did uh, Free Solo. Yeah. And it, it follows Kevin Jorgensen and Tommy Caldwell's pursuit to climb, like, the hardest free route that's in the valley. And it took them years and years and years to actually map out where all these tiny little holds were and then to actually finally link it all together in a single push, starting at the ground and going all the way to the top, doing it a pitch at a time to where if they fall climbing that next pitch, they have to just lower down and start that pitch over again. So I think all in all, it's like 26 different pitches all stacked on top of each other. And there's a couple different routes that are really hard where they get stuck at. And so they're just living up on the wall for days at a time in portal edges. It actually garners the attention of like National Geographic. And so it gets to the point where when they start getting closer, every push, it's like a media circus at the valley floor. And this whole documentary, The Dawn Wall, that follows that whole push is incredible. I really, still, really beautiful. And Tommy Caldwell's yeah. story is fucking amazing. I still haven't watched that one yet. And, uh, You'll love it. I know. Tom, Tommy to Caldwell's story will blow your mind. Wasn't, he's good. Is he the guy that's good friends with Alex Hanold? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they've climbed yeah. a whole bunch of stuff together. And um, Tommy Caldwell, he was one of those climbers that he started off when climbing gyms first came out. So he was like a child phenom. Uh, like, you know, young teenager crushing stuff that the adults in the climbing scene were, you know, projecting on. And then this this new class of these younger climbers came along 
and it was just kids and they just crushed everybody's projects and all the old guard kind of fell away. And then these new young optimistic kids came in. Well, Tommy Caldwell, Beth Rodden, and there was another climber. They went on a climbing trip and I think it was Kazakhstan and they were up on their portal edges on the wall and they wake Very up nice. ricocheting. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was Kyrgyzstan or something. It was, you know, it was one of the stand countries and they wake up to bullets ricocheting off the wall and they get abducted and kidnapped by terrorists. Oh my god! And that sounds they, like a diehard movie, dude. It, it covers it in the Dawnwall doc. Wow. It covers this whole thing and it, it shows it in, through animation. It's called Dawn. And, it's called Dawn Hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a pretty harrowing story, to where you know they basically had to push one of their abductors off of a cliff <gasps> and make their escape. Oh my god! Okay, I'm watching. You check this. out the Dawnwall. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fucking mind blowing because then Tommy yeah. reflects on it. And it's showing old footage of him as a kid talking about it when they got back to the States and he's crying. And wow. It's, and, and then he got older and he's like this professional climber. And then he has an accident while he's re, while he's remodeling his home and he accidentally fucking cuts off the tip of his index finger. Everybody's oh like, your climbing, your climbing career's over, Tommy. And he says, fuck that. He heals up that nub. He goes, don't even attach the finger. He heals up the nub fills up all these baby jars full of, like dirt and little rocks and stuff starts grinding the nub in it to toughen it up and he comes back and eventually you know firmly cements himself as the best all-around climber in the world wow he's got an amazing story dude if the dawn wall doesn't move you then mm. I, I know for a fact it will no, yeah. knowing that some of these other outdoor docks have moved you you'll love the dawn wall yeah wow man um yeah alpinist was a total tupperware for me i loved it yeah uh, the guy, uh, the Everest climber, uh, Reinhold Messner. Yeah. He looks like Peter Dinklage if he wasn't a little person. <laughs> Dude, he's a, this old school Italian climber. He was back climbing mountains when people actually did it in like combat boots. Yeah. This, he, and shit, he's a bad, legitimate, one of the baddest motherfuckers in the world. Well, I kept thinking like, why aren't they like, you know, talking to a lot of these old like fucking mountain climbers and shit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're probably all fucking dead. There's a lot of ways to die in the mountains. Yeah. Um, when I first started getting into sport climbing, that was the thing people always asked me, like, oh, are you going to climb Everest? And I'm like, fuck no. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I don't even want to go climb a mountain in the Rockies. Like, I, I want to go climb short things that I'm guaranteed to come home alive from because I'm doing it as a leisure activity. Uh, I get winded climbing some stairs sometimes. <laughs> Jesus, I remember fucking, I lived in like the third floor of an apartment and I bought like a washer and dryer and had to carry it all the way upstairs with my friend. Oh my God. I thought, I thought, I thought that that was dangerous. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh fuck. I, I barely wrote down anything for this one. I didn't write down any of the actors, anything. I'm so unprepared. Malignant. This dropped on HBO Max. And in the theater, paralyzed by fear from shocking visions, a woman's torment worsens as she discovers her waking dreams are terrifying realities. And this is a James Wan film. I don't have any of the cast pulled up. I have nothing pulled up except for that synopsis here. And I'm saying James Wan off of pure memory. Who got a chance to see Malignant? Yeah, I did. Who, next time, let's say in unison next time, guys. Yeah, all right. We'll work on that. All right. Um, <laughs> man, uh, Malignant. Let me tell you about my experience with this, with this movie. 
for the first like two acts of this movie, I am like, I am hating it. I am absolutely hating this movie. I'm like, this is this terrible. Um, and the acting is awful. And I do not like this movie. Like, why, why is this right now? Cause at the time it was like at 65% fresh on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Why is this fresh? Why are people, why are some of these people liking this movie? And then I don't want to spoil anything. And then in the third act, something so fucking incredible happens. And it reminds me of just a very long episode of like Tales from the Crypt. And then something in the third act happens that is just so out there to where like it's that moment where, you know, a lot of people say like, ah, this movie doesn't know what it is or, or, or this movie knows exactly what it is. This is one of those where I thought I knew what the movie was. And I was watching it thinking that, and then the movie told me in the third act, like, I know what I've been this entire time. You didn't, you ignorant motherfucker. Witness me in all my glory. And then, oh my god, this this thing happens in the third act that is just so batshit insane that I fucking absolutely loved this movie. <laughs> I'm probably going to be the only person on the podcast that loved it. But my God, I fucking, it makes me want to go back and watch it from the beginning now, but I love the way it all came together. This movie knew exactly what it was. It's like silly and, oh, Jesus Christ, I fucking loved it. So I Tupperware this movie, but man, I'm glad I saw it in the theater because if I would have started it at home, I probably would have turned it off. I would have been like, I can't do this. I do not have the attention span for this shit. I'm going to fucking watch um, some more Flavor of Love or whatever the fuck. And I'm glad I stuck it through because I, that fucking, that twist, that reveal at the end of the movie, it just got so batshit crazy for me. And I was laughing and I was like, oh my God, I absolutely love this. So I Tupperware Malignant, and you have I, for me. I had to stick with it before I fucking loved it. And either you're gonna hate the twist or you're gonna love it. And I fucking loved it. I fucking ate it up. But uh, Joe, what'd you think of Malignant? Dude, I had like the bizarro world reaction to what you did. Like I was loving this movie until the twist. Oh, because <laughs> I was like. I was like, so much stuff was working where it was just setting this super creepy tone. There was a lot of times where I thought the score got very extra and, and a lot of the acting got very extra also. But, but overall, a lot of the score was doing a good job of like setting this really menacing tone. And, and I, I like this idea of, of this ghost and everything. And then when that twist happened, it was a giant like, what the fuck moment <laughs> for me because that, that wasn't where I was going with the movie. You know what I mean? Like, this is a James Wan horror movie. This See, it was The Conjuring. Yeah, we're, you know, we're having the exact would, opposite experience because I was like, I, <laughs> I, I felt like the acting and shit was so fucking bad at the beginning that it was trying to be something more than it really was, and it wasn't working for me. So that when they finally leaned into this fucking ridiculous fucking twist at the end, I was just like, yes. Yeah, I love it. I fucking love it. Listen to this. The film received polarized reviews from critics who found it, this explains it perfectly, either painfully average or bloodily brilliant. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 I I wish maybe I could have gotten into that state of mind where I could have had more fun with it because I'm always one for fun, but but with this one I just the first half of the movie just set me up with these expectations and knowing who the filmmaker was that when it did that twist I thought it was it was too corny for me to play along at that point so for this one it's like just because I I felt like the first half did a good job of setting up some scary stuff. Uh, I love the camera work in this also. That scene where she's running around in the house and it, and it shows you the top down view of her running throughout the hallways and stuff where it's kind of like that Sims, you know, type, type camera shot. I loved that. And it did such a good job of setting up all this scary stuff in it. And ultimately it just fell short for me. If, if I could come and look at this from a perspective of the way that I go into a movie like Psycho Gorman or, or something like that where I'm expecting like ridiculous looking effects and shit like that then I, I probably would have had a different expectation for this. And if I were to go and rewatch this, which is a pretty big if, <laughs> that that is the angle that I would be trying to looking at it from, is like I'm going into this to have fun, not mm. for a scary movie. Because See? It's not, for me, it didn't deliver a scary movie. I went in thinking, oh, this is just trying to be a scary movie, and right now it's not doing any of that, to where it was just like, holy shit, this is where they're going with it? This is fucking great. This is, yes, just go. This is so stupid that I love it. It is, it is so over the top it re- after the reveal to the point where it's like the first and second half of this are shockingly different movies. Yes, yes. And that's what I loved. This, it like totally went from like a toss it to a Tupperware, like, like that quickly, that quickly. It went from like, I hated this movie to like, I absolutely love this. I feel like Jake is going to lean more towards Joe. So Jake, what do you think? I actually lean more towards you. <laughs> I, I'm not as high on it as you are, but I give it a very high taste. It. I, um, Man, I think that jail scene is one of the finest pieces of cinema this year. Yeah, so good. At home by myself, hooting and hollering and applauding, and just could not believe what I was seeing. I the the one eighty turn this movie took was just crazy. The movements, the movements of that character are (laughs) mind boggling. It was insane. <laughs> that part where they, where, where, where they, th- where, where it throws the chair. I was just like, how is that even possible? <laughs> it was great. I had to rewind before I even finished the movie just to watch that sequence one more time. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, honestly, the only thing keeping this from being a Tupperware for me is the acting i found it very fitting that you didn't write down any of these actors names because they did not deserve you remembering a single i mean they really brought this down i thought there was so much meat to work with in these roles and everyone was just so flat i the most interesting character was the girl that would come into the crime scene and just oh, God. Like everything was all cool yes <laughs> she loved everything yeah, I, I thought she was the best like actor performance in the whole movie, and she's like in the movie for maybe all but ninety seconds. Um, everyone is so drab in this movie, and it's really saved by the twist because it does. Like I know they always say this, but it really does make you rethink everything you saw before. Yes, it really does make it all make sense. Yeah, like what was going on. I agree with Joe. I thought the cinematography in this was second to none for the kind of movie it was. Like. This movie did not deserve the cinematography that it got, but it got it, and it was 
better for it. It was amazing to look at. I thought the score was also a major character in this movie. I, I don't know if I'm crazy, but it felt like it was almost an homage to the Pixie song, Where's My Mind? It wasn't Yes, an yes, you're 100% right. I kept. I thought the same thing. And I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought even that itself played into the stuff you find out later, um, which was really cool. And I thought the reveal was made even better by the score. Man, that crescendo that the score does when you get that reveal, just like it made my hair stand up on my arm. Like, I don't think I would have had that effect without the score. Like, it it made something that would have been incredibly cheesy actually very startling. And I thought that was purely because of the music they chose for that moment. Um, yeah, I, I was scared to watch this movie. I'm, I'm a kind of a wuss when it comes to horror. James Wan does some of the movies that made me the wuss I am. <laughs> so I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this, but. Man, this is my favorite James Wan movie. I, I, this is a great time. If you like horror <laughs> yeah. already, you have to see this fucking thing. It is a fucking spectacle. I movies. loved it. The fuck, uh, the, the main actor, uh, who played Madison, uh, Annabelle Wallace, she looked like, uh, as I was watching this, I was like, I was thinking about her and I was like, she is, uh, she is Angelina Jolie if you stripped her of all her talent. <laughs> it, that is, <laughs> That is something that went through my head as, as I was watching this movie. And another thing that I fucking, I laughed in the theater. It was like me and one other person. I laughed in the theater when the woman fell through the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> and she like screams. I started laughing out loud. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not expect that at all. That was wild. Oh that my god. Yeah. I love this movie so much. Like I have to watch it again because like, just knowing, cause like, I really felt like I thought like this movie, I thought I knew what it was trying to be. And then the movie was like, no bitch, you don't know shit. And then it slapped me in the face and it was like, this is what this movie has been this entire time. Now you naive motherfucker. And I was just like, holy shit, that is what this movie has been this entire time. And I didn't see it. And now I absolutely love it. And, uh, it, I thought it was, I just think it's a brilliant horror film and it was a lot of fun. Just reminded me of like a, like an extended episode of like Tales from the Crypt. Totally, totally had that vibe. It was yeah. like grotesque, but yet oddly funny. Oddly um, funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, I think actually, I'm suffering from just going in and having too high of expectations for a serious movie. And so it sounds like if I could have got over myself a little more, I'd, I'd have had more fun with this. No, I got, I got I got a Facebook message from Jake. Like, you're talking about how you're scared of these horror movies and shit. I feel like this one fucking, like, I'm not, I feel like it eased you back into horror a little bit. You're telling me, like, over Facebook message that you want to watch Midsummer now. Yeah, yeah, I I saw the, the spoiler, like, the twist, and it, it made me want to watch it. Like, I want to see how it gets to that you need to watch midsummer man i fucking thought it was great florence Pugh's great in it it's like it's a horror movie that takes place in the daytime too there's like i don't believe there's any nighttime scenes at all it's all like fucking sunny and shit it looks like the sound of music the entire fucking movie yeah that's fucking ballsy i on a side note i watched the trailer for malignant directly before watching the movie and um it's a fantastic trailer it, it 
really did a good job of setting the mood and giving little to nothing away. Like, I, I watched yeah. it directly before the movie, and it, it did not spoil a thing. I, w- I went in cold. I didn't know shit about this fucking movie, dude. I just knew it was James Wan, and that's it. Yeah, same here. Yeah, wow. This was a, this was probably the biggest surprise of the week for sure. I I would have on paper thought this was an insta toss it, and yeah. I this was this was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I fucking. Loved I don't know it. if there'll be a better scene in movies this year than that jail scene. Oh, so good. I fucking love this movie. I fucking love Malignant. Yeah. Oh my god. Fucking brilliant. I went in like, I went in like hating this. Like I'm an hour in. I'm just like, man, fuck this. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you're lucky you're seeing this in the theater. You would have turned this shit off. And then, like, oh my god! By the end, I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. God, if only they had a good cast. This movie, this movie could be a nine or a ten. Like, yeah. I, I just, oh, the cast is so terrible. From from Madeline to the the main officer in charge of this case, like he was so bad. <laughs> he was terrible. And like, like, like the the most least interesting like romantic couple ever was like her sister and that guy. Like I. <laughs> I did not give a fuck. Um, very unfortunate because they they had a lot going on here and the production value was very good and and but man the cast was the one thing that dragged us down. No oh, man, I will say that I think even the bad acting helped help with this movie for me too. <laughs> I could see with one specific character how that would be the case. <laughs> All right, let's move on into uh, Kate. It's dropped on Netflix. It's a action film. Uh, slipped a fatal poison on her final job. A ruthless Tokyo assassin has less than 24 hours to find out who ordered the hit and exact revenge. It's directed by uh, French director Cedric Nicholas Troyan and written by Umer Alim. It stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Miku Martino, Woody Harrelson, uh, Michelle Huseman, um, or Mikiel Huseman, and Tadanabu Asano. And... Uh, I will say this. I think this was like, you know, I feel like this came out relatively close to, uh, what's that movie? Gunpowder Milkshake. Mm-hmm. I think this is a little bit better than Gunpowder Milkshake, but it's still not fantastic. I would, it's right at a high tasted for me as far as this one goes. Um, never, never a Tupperware on this one, but it was good enough to where, um, there was some stuff that I really liked in it. I think, God damn, if they're not trying to make Mary Elizabeth Winstead look like fucking Sigourney Weaver, I don't know what, like, am I out of my mind there? I feel like. They, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Very yeah, hard, hardcore Ripley vibes in this. Very much so. Um, but yeah, I thought that this was this was good enough. Uh, I thought it was a little bit. I thought it was much better than Gunpowder Milkshake, though. Um, uh, I liked. Uh, th- there's this one twist that's just like a no brainer. You know it from the beginning. I appreciated the other twist in this, um, and you'll know what I, uh, you should know what I'm talking. Not the no brainer twist. Like there's a no brainer twist. Is like, like. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get. In, I don't want to spoil it for people. That I know what you mean. Yeah, but it the, is a no-brainer twist. Th- it's yeah. a no-brainer twist, but there is another twist in this that I thought that they worked into the plot well. 
that I was like, okay, that's cool. I, I appreciate that one. I liked it when she got into that one car that was like glowing pink and like it was like playing yes. like almost like anime theme music and shit. And, and I love that too. That was cool. I like the, the, you know, I feel like Woody Harrelson's in this movie. Woody Harrelson, what is he always looking for in the Zombieland movies? A Twinkie. And in this one, she's always looking to drink that boom boom lemon drink. And, um, I don't know. I thought the action was fun. I, I thought it was, uh, one of those things where, you know, she slipped this poison. She knows she's going to die. It's like this radiation poison that she's got. She's got less than 24 hours to live. Um, she's getting weaker and weaker. So she's got to keep giving herself like these shots of like adrenaline or whatever it is to, in order to, you know, keep going to find out, like to try to get to the top to find out, you know, like who, um, wanted her wanted her killed too so she can get her revenge and i thought it was fun enough it's good for one watch um so it's like if there is if there was a rating between a taste it and high taste it i would give it that rating so i'll just give it the high taste it i'll just bump it up a little bit but i enjoyed kate enough um joe yeah i had a lot of fun with this movie uh i thought the the fight choreography and it was the best part it, it was really good. Mary Elizabeth Winstead was kicking ass in this from beginning to end. Uh, I, I thought the pacing in this movie was a little bit slow in the middle. Um, the, the soundtrack for it was a lot of fun. All the location shots in, in Japan, it was so colorful and beautiful. Uh, Tokyo just looks like such a cool city to just go for a stroll in. And, and I thought that they did a really good job portraying that in this. Um, uh, Miku uh, Martineau, I thought she did a really good job. She was a fun character that went through a, a, quite an arc in this. Uh, Woody Harrelson was was very Woody Harrelson in this. I, I feel like we got just the right amount of him. And uh, th- I, I haven't seen Gunpowder Milkshake yet. It's one of those ones that's on my list because I remember seeing the trailers for it and thought it looked like a lot of fun. Um, he, hearing you say that this is a little bit better than that, I'll, I'll, I'll still check that one out. Um, I, I don't know how much I would be into going back and, and revisiting this one other than maybe just skipping straight ahead to some of the fight scenes. Like that one that was in the restaurant, that was really, really fantastic. Uh, a lot of really good stuff in there. And, um, yeah, uh, um, I, I just give this a, a taste. It. It's, it's not one that I see me going back and, and revisiting, but I might revisit some of those fight scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Jake, Kate. Yeah, I'm a middle-of-the-road taste-it for this one. I thought the opening scene was very gripping and really grabbed me in right away to what was going on with this movie. But I don't. I, I think I agree with Joe that it, it suffered for, from some pacing issues, and it was kind of in the middle. I was kind of a little bit bored, and then it, it brought me back by the end of it. I thought Woody Harrelson was actually terrible in this movie. Um, I, I don't. I felt like he just really phoned it in and played himself and brought nothing to the table in this movie whatsoever um mary elizabeth winstead was definitely the star of this movie and i she did a fantastic job the the fight choreography i agree with joe was one of the best parts um i was also a big fan of the score as well i there was a lot of just really cool j-pop songs in this um to the point where i was using shazam on a couple of them just to add them to my playlist i thought the the song they play at the end credits was fucking amazing I, i love that song but yeah, I mean, I, if you're bored and you need something to watch that's a little bit more on the action side, I, this isn't the worst thing you could choose. I, yeah, just right there in the middle of the road, taste it for me. I, 
I didn't expect much and I didn't get much. So it wasn't like I was really let down by it, but yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it didn't, nothing really elevated it to another level for me. I, I did like, I do like these movies that take place in short time spans though. And I, I thought this handled that very well. That's why I liked it. I liked the fact that she's dying. <laughs> you know, like she's got like this limited time. We know the outcome here. It's like fucking like, uh, uh, you know, breaking bad, but like in a day, you know, like, yeah, that, as- that aspect was really well done. Yeah. She doesn't have that much time left. And by the, you know, I'm like, there, there's this moment at the end where like she, you know, she's wearing the glasses. She takes off the glasses and her eyes are bloodshot. She looks like she's going to die. She just looks yeah. like she's on her last legs. And, uh, I kind of dug that. I kind of dug that. That's the, that's, I kind of like, I like that aspect of this movie that, you know, she's got limited time. She knows she's going to die. You know, she, I guess she's accepted it to the, as much as she can, but before she dies, she's going to take some people with her. And that's, I thought that was kind of a cool story. Mary Elizabeth Winston, I like her. She was in the Birds of Prey movie and wasn't she also in, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yeah, yeah. She, she was fantastic she's, in that. Yeah. Ramona Flowers. She'll always be Ramona Flowers. Oh, yeah. Ramona Flowers. Oh, my God. I wanted to see that one again in theaters. They had like the 10 year anniversary and I missed out on it. I just picked up the uh, vinyl reissue of the soundtrack. Really? Nice. Yeah. You fucking hipster. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, fuck. Frogger. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Frogger on Peacock. This is, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, a competition series bringing the beloved 1980s video game to life as contestants leverage both strategy and strength to take on supersized crossings amid daring obstacles featuring epic landings and hilarious wipeouts along the way. And it's hosted by Kyle Brandy and Damon Wayans Jr. And uh, they dropped three episodes of this show. They're about an hour long. And uh, the whole time, I just felt like this show is trying to capitalize on both the humor from the hosts and the competition by making this kind of like a holy moly type show. But not as fun and engaging as Holy Moly, the, you know, game show on, what was it, and ABC, which also is on Hulu. Anyway, Kyle Brandy and Damon Wayans Jr. are fine hosts. They're not great. Sometimes they kind of annoyed me in these, in this, I only watched one episode. I was just like, okay, I get it. I get it. You've got people jumping around on, you know, fake alligators and, and, and it's like a, it's, like a an adult version of like Legends of the Hidden Temple or Double Dare or something. I don't know. It's just obstacles that they're jumping over and trying to get to the end. And just sometimes like the banter between the hosts was just so fucking dumb. Like it's the first episode and like you've got like the guys going, Oh my god, oh we're seeing a frogger legend here And I'm like, it's the first fucking episode. Of course, <laughs> Of course, anything, anything they, the, anything they do in the first episode is going to seem legendary. Like, you guys are way over hyping this shit. Like, you've just got people jumping on frogs that are moving back, or crocodiles' backs that are moving back and forth. Oh my god, she's gotta get that knee up! Yeah, get that knee up! Oh my god! And like, just like, some of the upper body strength on these people is pathetic. 
I was, <laughs> I was just, I was a little annoyed by that. And I don't know. I, it was fine. I'm going to give it a low taste it with a promise that I will never watch this again. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I, man! The trailer was fucking. It had me hype, man. I saw, I saw that trailer and I was hype. I was like, I love David Wayne's Jr. I'm a big fan of his. I loved him on Happy Endings. I thought he was hilarious. I love this guy. Uh, he was what was he in? He was in that fucking uh, what was that movie with those two ladies? The comedy, White Chicks. No. It just came out. The two ladies Thelma that went on the they went on they went on vacation. It's yeah, it's like Thelma Louise, but if it was a comedy. There's two ladies that went on that vacation. Uh, Kristen Barb and Star. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Yeah, he was in that one. That was a long way to get to that answer. <laughs> but I like I love Damon Wayans Jr. Man, I think he's fucking hilarious, but not so good in the show. And I felt like they were just trying to make him like uh, Rob Riggle and the other guy from Holy Moly, and failing miserably. Oh my God, we got a Frogger legend here! I see a Frogger legend in the making. Oh my God, it's fun. we're fucking twenty minutes into this first episode. Frogger legend in the making. So dumb. Yeah, I was fooled by the trailer on this. I, I sent it to my wife. And I said, oh, I think the boys will love this. And and they were into it for the first five minutes. And then they even lost focus on it and just devolved into talking shit on the contestants <laughs> and on the commentators. So, yeah. I mean, it was more entertaining watching them talk shit than actually watch the first episode. Yeah. What are you rating it? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd give it a low taste as well. If, if you're into these, these things, it, it, it kind of feels like I haven't watched Holy Moly, but I've heard you describe it before. And in this one, it felt like a mashup of Floor is Lava and, like, Wipeout. Ah, yeah. I got burnt out on fuck. Oh, Wipeout's way better. And fucking, if you want to get even better than that, just fucking watch uh, MXC. Oh, my God, Jake. MXC. Did you watch MXC, Jake? Mm-mm. You never watched Most Extreme Challenge on the Spike Network, sir? Oh, yeah, I did, I did, I did. I was, I forgot the acronym. Yeah, yeah. Most yeah, so it sounds like there's plenty of other shows out there that have done this concept way better than Frogger's. Do. I got burnt out on that floor is lava. I maybe watched like three episodes of that. And I'm oh, like, eh, yeah. okay, I get it. Yeah, trash. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those shows where if you've watched the first five minutes of an episode, you yeah. probably get a gist of how every episode's going to go. And I didn't care for the contestants either. Contestants were boring the shit out of me. On this? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't care for the contestants either. Just, I like the contestants more on Holy Moly. Like, oh my god, that guy's dressed up like a like a lumberjack with a unicorn horn on or something. Like, you know, it makes no sense, but yeah, that's what he's doing. Oh, that one girl. sparkly beard guy. Oh, the sparkly beard guy? What the fuck? Get out of here. <laughs> Some weird shit, man. Sometimes. Taking the shortcut to the shortcut. Yeah. Oh, God. What the fuck was he thinking? I, I don't know what was going on there. That was weird. All you had to, oh god, yeah, Jake. What do you think about Frogger? Oh, dude, I am tossing the shit out of this show. Oh, this was so terrible to me. I also like Damon Wayans Jr. a lot. Uh, I wasn't familiar with with Kyle Brandt. Um, <laughs> they were so cringe. They were like super duper uber fucking cringe. Like they did not say a single funny thing the entire episode. It, I was just like gritting my teeth at some of the jokes. They were so bad. Um, <laughs> 
I also thought the editing on this was sh- a shit show. Like, it was just so weird. Like, the first 20 minutes of it, it's like they couldn't decide if they just wanted to only show people fucking up, if they were trying to show people, like, doing really cool things. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it was just the worst edited one of these shows I've ever seen. Um, it felt like they weren't even there, too. Like, I, it would have been nice to see one shot with the host and the contestants doing the stuff at the same time. Like, it felt like this was all done in post. And I, I really feel like it probably was. And that, it kind of just gave me some distance from the reality of the show and just made me not give a shit. Um, yeah, I will never watch another episode of this again. And I also took offense to the intro where they declare Frogger the number one video game of yes, like I can name twenty five games that are more successful than Frogger from the eighties. Like what about Pac Man, Galaga, Super Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong? Like uh, a million fucking games over fucking Frogger. Like fucking give me Cubert all day. Fuck fuck that. Like you don't have to sell it that hard. Like we, we all, Frogger's they were trying to convince us that Frogger was the number one video game of the eighties. And it clearly was not. Yeah. They were like retconning it. I I don't appreciate Frogger lying to people's children and trying to give them like (laughs) this idea of how popular this thing was. It was not that popular. I would say Um, Pac-Man hands down. If we've got to be, if we got to get real, like it's Pac-Man over Pac-Man hands down. And I, I, I would probably put Super Mario Brothers at number two. I, at the end of the day, would like to see everyone involved in this show's production eaten by a giant yellow monster. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I, I was hoping you were going to say, I want to see a Pac-Man styled wipeout show. <laughs> no, no. I just, I would like to see a giant yellow monster eat everyone involved in this production. <laughs> Oh yeah, I this was just not good. By the end of it, it like devolves into fart jokes too. Like I was like fart jokes as well. Oh, oh my I know, God, Frogger. <laughs> oh my God, my thirteen-year-old so actually asked for the Pac-Man show. He's like, Frogger, what are they gonna do a Pac-Man one? Yeah, I want that well, Hubert show where they're yeah. jumping up and down on those fucking things, man. <laughs> Yeah, maybe this is an untapped market. They're going to start making weird game shows based off 80s video games. Yeah, yeah. Qbert, the number one video game of the 80s. Here's a, it's now a successful game show. Here's a dig duck show. Where you, here's a shovel, buddy. <laughs> the Donkey Kong one would be kind of fun. To go up all these different levels while there's some big dude on the top throwing barrels at him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if it was a real gorilla, we, uh, PETA would have that shit <laughs> shut down. He'd be a shaved Donkey Kong, right? Let me get that R-rated centipede game show. Oh, God, it's the the human centipede. (laughs) (laughs) Try to get through these obstacles now, motherfuckers. Uh, I will never watch the human centipede. Nope. I'm right there with you, dude. It's some shit you can't unsee. I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one, but I read what the second one was about in Wikipedia, and it's a great Wikipedia read. <laughs> I will never, ever, no way. All right, so let's talk about another game show, Metal Shop Masters on Netflix. On this competition show, a group of metal artists torch, cut, and weld epic badass creations from hardened steel only one will win a $50,000 prize. It's hosted by comedian Joe Coy. 
And, uh, yeah. Um, I watched two episodes of this one because I felt like after the first one, I was like, ah, you know, they're going to have different challenges. Let me give another challenge. Um, uh, let me, let me give the second episode a chance here because I wasn't blown away by the first episode. So let me give the second episode a chance and see if it gets better. I feel like it gets better, but like, it's just like so many other fucking, uh, of these competition shows. And I don't know, I guess you really have to be into like whatever they're doing. I think we can all get behind food. We all love food. And so I love watching like top chef. I was huge. I was big into top chef for a long time. And I love, uh, hell's kitchen and, and, uh, all those kind of like cooking shows. This is, this is people that are good at welding and art and, and stuff like that in that. So like in the first one, they had like to build like a metal avatar of themselves. And the second one, they had to build a, a functional grill that was like, um, that looked like a, like a piece of food or some shit. And, um, Joe Coy at first, I, I wasn't like digging him as a host. I don't, I'm not familiar with his comedy. I know like he's on Rogan a lot and shit, but I'm not familiar with his comedy. I'm sure that for those that are that love him, I, that's cool. But I think I liked him a lot more in the second episode. Who I absolutely hate in this show are the judges. They're too judgy. And to the point where in like the second episode, it's like, do you have anything nice to say about anyone? Because every time they go to check out anyone's project, they're just nitpicking every little fucking thing they do. And and the the back and forth looks they give each other. And, like, it just kind of annoyed the shit out of me. I'll give this a solid taste it because I do kind of like seeing what, like, the final creation is that these people come up with. Um, I do think they're super talented. And I love Ivan. The contestant Ivan, because I love his voice, his cadence, and the way he talks. It is so relaxing. I feel like I could be so angry, like I was at the beginning of the episode, and Ivan could talk me down. I feel like I could be like on a roof, like ready to jump, and like it's like hand the megaphone over to Ivan. That's the only way I'm coming down from this thing. <laughs> hand it over to Ivan. I love his cadence and the way he talked. He was just, I love this guy. He, he talks like uh, Lieb Shriver. And uh, I, I I loved Ivan, but uh, yeah, I'll give it a taste. It overall, it's a it's an interesting show. I don't think I'll watch all six episodes. I don't even know if I'll go back and watch a third. But uh, um, it was interesting seeing these creations. Joe, did you watch Metal Shop Masters on Netflix? Yeah, I, I watched the first episode of it, and it did feel very like cookie cutter, you know, show like. E- What's Netflix always got? They've also got that one where it's with blown glass. Yeah, and you know, I mean, they've got a lot of different shows like this. And and you're right about the cooking ones. The cooking ones are great. Um, like I remember my wife and I went through back in the DVR days where we would watch Chopped like three oh, four episodes in a row like every night, and that great. was our thing. And then it got to the point where where we'd start picking up on shit like like oh yeah, I don't think they quite they overcooked that pasta. You can tell the judges <laughs> aren't going to like that. Scott's one of the judges here. He's the pasta man. Uh, I loved, uh, my favorite was Richard Blaze when he was a contestant on, uh, Top Chef. I love that guy. Oh, they, yeah. He did all the crazy chemistry stuff. Yeah. They called him the Willy Wonka of cooking. I loved yeah, Richard Blaze. Yeah. <laughs> season, season three. So good, man. Richard Blaze was, uh, he was a judge most recently on, uh, on a Hell's Kitchen episode a couple weeks ago. 
I love him. Nice. Yeah. Yes. So ultimately for these shows to stand out, you know, you need to have judges that, that people are going to come back for over and over again, because that's going to be one of your returning staples, you know, over and over again on episodes. You got to have a host that's good. Joe Coy did a good job in this. I've caught some of his stand up and I've heard him on different podcasts. He's yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, he's and, way better in the second episode. I thought he actually brought some of that humor out into the show. Good. You, you can tell he's definitely out of his element standing around a bunch of people welding. Yeah. Hey, Joe's, you know, hey, daddy needs to collect a paycheck. So why not? Right. Right. But, um, you know, it wasn't a bad show for for me. It's 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 just a tasting because it's it, it wasn't anything awesome. I mean, if if you're into to metal art or or fabrication or welding and or you're just into these competition shows like this, it's probably going to fit the bill for you and do what it needs to do. Yeah, judges kind of pissed me off. Jake, what'd you think? They were douches. Big. Time. They were. I couldn't stand both the the guy and the lady. They both drove me up the fucking wall. I, I kept thinking to myself, "You get out there and fucking do it, then. You do it with ten hours." <laughs> There's nothing more pretentious than judging art. Yes. It's one thing to judge somebody's food because your taste buds aren't going to lie to you. In the it second like dog shit, it tastes like dog shit. In the second one, they had to build. They had ten hours to build a grill and make it in the shape of like an animal. And these guys made this insane fucking like fish grill. It was a fish. They opened up the top of it. And then inside, like the grill part was like a, the rib cage of the fish. And Sweet. one of the fins, you could pull it out and it was a spatula that you could use like to flip over burgers or whatever. And I was blown away by it. Like, uh, and the smoke release was like they would open the gills. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. But like before, like, when they're like coming around judging it and shit, she's like, ah, oh, that's kind of small. Like if this is like a family get together, like, um, uh, I mean, are you, are you just going to make, are you just going to grill one fish? I'm like, you fucking asshole. Yeah. Did, <laughs> did you put out some sort of thing? Like, Oh, your, your grill needs to have this much cubic no space. No shit. In case you want to do four racks of ribs. Yeah. Like I, I want a fucking George Foreman grill that fucking takes up my entire <laughs> counter. I want it to be fucking four foot long and six inches deep. Fuck off. It's a, it's an amazing accomplishment. What these guys pulled off in 10 hours. My God. Oh man. Yeah, and there were real sticklers for the rules to the point where they kind of screwed some people over in that first. Yeah. Yeah. That first did. episode where, I mean, yeah, there could be an argument made that, well, you know, they didn't follow the rules, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. And you had a, you had one of the contestants in the second episode that didn't really understand like the challenge. So they kind of like sabotaged their partner because their partner had to like kind of, uh, compromise on what they thought the challenge was. And, I was just, I was a little annoyed by, by that aspect of it. I felt really bad for this contestant. Anyway, Jake, uh, yeah, what, what the fuck was this thing called? Metal Shop metal Masters. Master, or metal, metal Shop Masters. Yeah, Metal Shop Masters. I'm gonna give it a very low taste it. I watched the first two episodes. I, I think if you're into, like, this kind of thing, if this is an actual hobby of yours, this is worth checking out, and you'll get a little bit more from it. But, yeah, I have a lot of the same complaints as you guys. I found it to be way too much of a clone of the format that Top Chef has for my liking. There was, like, no imagination whatsoever on any aspect of the production. Jake, I mean, like, welcome to yeah. the pitch meeting for this show. Yeah, I well, want it yeah. to be like Top Chef, but with metal. 
<laughs> it was just too much like Top Chef, like down to the way they they pull the two best and the two worst up and they eliminate people from like even the way like anytime there's a judge on Top Chef, you always have that one contestant that's oohing and awing and going, oh, I respect his work so much. I can't believe he's the one that's going to be judging us. And Oh, man, I was just rolling my eyes at a lot of the tropes that they just directly yanked from Top Chef here. Um, I do agree that the second episode was better than the first episode. Uh, the trope of pairing the people up with people they may not want to be paired up with is always a, a good reality show crutch to use to make some good drama. And I thought that was successful in the second episode. But I as well will not be watching beyond the second episode here. It's just... It's not my hobby, and the show didn't elevate it enough that even though it wasn't my hobby, I, I would still be interested in watching more of this anyway. Like, it, you have to you have to make it exciting for everyone, not just people that are into making metal craft in the first place. And I, I thought this show really failed at that. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, superstar John Ritter. Uh, I guess uh, this is a, a, a series uh, on on uh, ABC, and you can watch them on. It says Hulu, but I, I wasn't able to find it on Hulu. I guess I think you have to actually have a Hulu uh, TV subscription for it in order I to watch this it on Hulu. Did you? I couldn't find it on Hulu. You have to search for. Um, it's called the show is called Superstar. Yeah. Yeah, huh. I, 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 I swear I fucking did a search for Superstar. Um, yeah, because I actually had the uh, opposite effect. You, you told me to check it out on ABC, and I went there first, and I couldn't find it on ABC. That's, and then I went and yeah, found it on Hulu. I watched it on ABC. Yeah, this is Superstar John Ritter. I added this because I love John Ritter. <laughs> oh, that's um, great. A look at the life and career of comedy icon John Ritter. Interviews with his son and uh, first wife. Um, and, uh, yeah, they interview his son, J uh, Jason Ritter and, um, uh, goes through basically like his entire career of, uh, you know, his, I didn't realize his father was like involved in Hollywood and was like this big kind of like, uh, uh, cowboy actor. And, uh, and then, but he, he took like a different, um, different path and went into comedy and then. And, uh, I will, I, I love the fact that they did acknowledge like his physical comedy. Um, I remember watching his, uh, I actually had been, uh, for a while there, I was watching, um, antenna TV. I would, if you, you can, it's one of these channels that you, if you th throw in one of those HD antennas into your TV, you can pick up a, a channel called antenna TV. And I was watching it there, but then I switched over to Pluto where you can watch, they have like a threes company. Um, channel on Pluto and I would just watch like a block of Three's Company and oh my god Three's Company you know I watched a little bit when I was a kid but it was like I just I would watch that when there weren't cartoons on you know what I mean or if I if I couldn't watch Gilligan's Island I would watch Three's Company because like it was the only thing on but as I got older now and I, I could go back and like watch these sitcoms through a different lens as an adult and man John Ritter was just so good when it came to like his physical comedy. He was a chef on the show. 
And I remember an episode that I watched where he was uh, working at like one of those hibachi grills and he was, he was trying to like put on a show and flip around those spatulas and stuff. And like, he's fallen all over the place. The spatulas are going flying and his physical comedy just had me like fucking like laughing my ass off. He was so good with physical comedy. Um, I loved all the interviews that they had that with people that knew him. Did Brian Cranston know him or was Brian Cranston just a John Ritter fan? I think he was just a fan. I love that because it was like all of a sudden, like, you know, you got Kaylee Cuoco who was like on that show with him and she's like, Oh, I loved working with John. And then all of a sudden, like Brian Cranston's just like, Oh my God, he was one of the best with physical comedy. I like, you know, I'm just like, Brian, Cran- did you know him, Brian Cranston? <laughs> I thought, I thought it really worked well on the level of he's another actor that did a stint as a very memorable character on a television show for a long time. And then kind of had to figure out what to do after. I guess, like, I would, I've never watched an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, but like, Jack Tripper for me is just like, a, a leagues above whatever fucking character he played on Malcolm in the Middle. I so. was talking about Walter White. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um, I, I was taking up both from like the sitcom. Um, <laughs> But no interviews. They did have interviews with Suzanne Summers, which I thought was really cool. I, I do think it kind of took away from John Ritter though, when they started to focus on her contract and stuff. It was like, can I just get that in a Three's Company documentary? Uh, I was a little annoyed by how much time they spent on her contract. Yeah. And, and just to end it with, I think it really upset John. Because we were a family. Um, no interviews with Joyce DeWitt, who played Janet, which kind of sucked. Um, I don't know if she just wants to get out of interviews or anything altogether, but it would have been it would have been great to hear from Joyce DeWitt. Um, I loved uh, seeing uh, you know Jimmy Kimmel talk about him, and then um, uh, of course Henry Winkler. I had no idea he was on the set the day that uh, that John that John passed. Um, but, uh, I, I love this. I give it an absolute tough where I, I love John Ritter. I always thought that he was just super talented and John Ritter, in my opinion, uh, he was Ryan Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds was Ryan Reynolds. Um, totally. so, uh, uh, man, love John Ritter movies. Um, love his TV appearances and, uh, yeah, Tupperware this Joe, what'd you think about superstar John Ritter? Yeah, I love this. It was it was really touching. It was nice to go back and and see so much of John Ritter. Uh he was one of those actors that I grew up with. I I I never watched too much I haven't watched a lot of Three's Company, but I grew up catching reruns of it on like Nick and Knight and and stuff like that. So I mean it is something that, that I saw but but I remember more from from when he was on Eight Simple Rules on ABC and that was a show that my wife and I, we had our first apartment at the time, and it was it was a show that we would catch because we didn't have cable. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was one that we'd look forward to every week. It was it was one of the bright shining spots in that sitcom lineup on ABC. I think it was the ABC show. Um, but I, I remember that episode after he had passed, and and kind of how they had to scramble and and they actually wrote as uh, like an exact same death into that show, and then it it dove into those characters, you know, dealing with with his loss as the character on the show. And at the same time, you know, they were portraying things that they were dealing with in real life because he was such an amazing person. 
and to hear all these different, you know, former, um, you know, uh, co-stars with them, people who'd worked with them, and everybody just had such wonderful things to say. And, you know, we lost the guy way too soon. He really was a treasure. Oh, yeah. yeah and, oh, him. man, this... I did a good job keeping it together until his son was talking at the end, and he, he said that he looked at his father's life like it was a book, this wonderful book that had the last, like, ten chapters or so ripped out. Yeah. And and yeah. The, he kind of got himself around to a way of thinking, of saying, you know, no, that isn't the case. You know, this wonderful book was his whole life. And, and that's kind of how he found some peace with it. And that was, you know, he... he I feel like in a lot of these, because the Val, the Val one did it to me too, where it was like, I'm hearing these kids talk about, you know, who their, who their father was to them. And in, you know, to us, they're these stars, these people that we've seen and we've seen them play these different characters and they've touched us in so many different ways and made us laugh, made us cry. But to, you know, to hear about their own kids talk back on that always, that always really touches me. And, and this one was really special in that regard too. Yeah. And so this one was a Tupperware for me because, you know, it's, it made me miss John Ritter, you know, and I, I hadn't really thought about the guy in years. And, um, yeah, what a great guy. Yeah. I, I highly recommend going back and watching just some episodes of Three's Company. Really funny. If you have, yeah, just download Pluto TV and they've got, like, I think they've got like the Three's Company channel there. And like, I, dude, I would just like, before I go to bed, that's what I like to watch is just sitcoms. And, uh, <laughs> And Three's Company was uh, one of those that I was just watching before I went to bed. I love like the when they were talking about like how Billy Bob Thornton was like on that Eight Simple Rules show, and like Billy Bob Thornton like brought him back into that Sling Blade movie. And then of course you know Bad Santa, he was in Bad Santa. It's just like people must love John Ritter. They must just love this guy, and they're just like, man, I want to work with him again. You know, and so it's like Billy Bob Thornton turned into like this huge star there for for quite a while. And just wanted to bring John Ritter along for the ride. I thought that that was just super cool. I loved how, like, they told the story of, like, the mailman who would go to, like, the studio every day. And John Ritter would say hi to him every day and how much that meant to the mailman. Uh, Jake, what did you think about this? Yeah, this was an absolute Tupperware for me as well. I'm a huge John Ritter fan as well. My favorite part of this, I'm surprised you guys hadn't brought it up yet, was I absolutely loved it. I'd never seen it before that footage of him being on the dating game. Oh, that was good. I, yes. <laughs> I was just, oh my gosh, I would give anything to see more of that, like to see like the follow-up date and just to, to see more of how that went. And I, I agree with all the commentary. You could just tell that he was going to be a rising star just, just from that appearance right there. Um, it also made me want to go back and watch Sling Blade again. It's a movie I haven't seen in a long time. And just, yeah, just, man, it really made me miss John Ritter and, and kind of want to get a fix. I should, uh, I should do the Pluto TV thing myself and watch a few episodes of Three's Company. It's been, it's been a few years. Oh my God. They're so good. Yeah. 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 I've watched it as an adult and it's, it's crazy. Like I, cause I as well watched it when I was really young and most of it was just over my head. And I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh, <laughs> the jokes are so on the nose. It's like, how could I not have caught this when I was, you know, yeah. so young, but I guess, you know, it's just times were different then. You didn't really like have quite the, the sex education. That, no, like, you know, well, kids today that. have access to everything. It's just called Google. Like they can look anything up. Like I, you know, back then it was like, we had to piece this shit together, you know? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. One of my favorite, it's such a stupid fucking movie, but I love it from my childhood, is that Stay Tuned 
where John Ritter gets trapped inside the TV and all the different TV channel worlds. I've never movie. seen that. I've never oh, seen yeah. that movie. I uh, I watched the movie. He was like a super. He was uh, like a big time chauvinist in it, um, and. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was called now that I'm, and I've talked about it on the show before, but like there's a scene where him and this other guy are about to, I think they're gonna have sex with this woman and they both have condoms on that are glow in the dark, glow in the dark condoms. And so one's like red and one's blue and you just see like these two like fucking erect fucking glow-in-the-dark dicks that's skin deep right skin deep yes yes <laughs> yes i was just like and it had um there's like a sex scene between him and like one of the american gladiator women <laughs> yeah i was just like i remember watching that i was like 12 years old and we had like hbo or cinemax or something and it was on and I remember seeing like this, this woman and this insanely muscular back. And I was like, Oh my God, she's going to break him. <laughs> like this was a, this is like what Ivan Drago was talking about. She is going to snap this guy in two in the bedroom. Uh, I've never seen that. Stay tuned. I, I need to watch that one. He also did a movie. It's like, I think it's maybe like a buddy cop movie with Jim Belushi that I've never seen. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think I've seen that either. Yeah, there's a bunch of John Ritter stuff that I would love to go back and watch. Um, yeah, Stay Tuned has like Eugene Levy as a devil in it ooh. as well, which is another redeeming factor. Ah, um, that's great. One of the bad things about Stay Tuned is um, what's his name has a big role. Uh, Jeffrey Jones, the the Tim Burton pedophile guy. So he, it's always a little bit gross when you uh, see old movies with him in it. You know, yeah. he kind of brings the stink to Beetlejuice these days too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I, he was great in it as well. Like, I, I was so shocked that they had him be the character they had him be. And, you know, what happens to him was so sad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember him in it, the, the TV event. Yeah. That had Jonathan Brandis in it. Was, uh, was Seth Green in that one too? Yeah. 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 What a cast for a, for a television series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Two more things. Uh, brand new cherry flavor. Me and Joe, we both watched this. Joe, I finished it. Did you finish it? Okay. So this is one of those ones where my wife had watched this. And so I caught like all of episode two and then bits and pieces of others. And then like all of the finale. And what's funny is we had just finished watching the finale and then you texted the the list. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I was like, Lynn's brand new cherry flavors on here. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I hadn't seen the first episode. And so then I went back and rewatched the first episode. And so it's one of those ones where I know exactly how it ends and I've seen lots of bits and pieces of it. The way that this show starts off and the way that this show ends what a fucking batshit journey. There is so much fucked up stuff. Yeah, let me read the it, synopsis on this yeah, one. Yeah, I do it, man. This is... Lisa Nova comes to L.A. dead set on directing her first movie, but when she trusts the wrong person and gets stabbed in the back, everything goes sideways, and a dream project turns into a nightmare. This particular nightmare has zombies, hitmen, supernatural kittens, 
and a mysterious tattoo artist who likes to put curses on people. And Lisa's going to have to figure out some secrets from her own past in order to get out alive. It's created by Nick Antosca and Lenore Zion. It's based on the novel of the same name by Todd Grimson. And the cast includes uh, Rosa Salazar. You'll remember she played uh, Alita, Battle Angel. She was uh, the... Uh, the CG Alita. Uh, Catherine Keener is also in this one. I love Catherine Keener. She was in 40 year old virgin. She was in being John Malkovich, um, Eric Lange, uh, Manny Jacinto and Jeff Ward. And, uh, yeah, this is dude, this show is fucking wild. This show for me, it's a mini series and it feels like it's going to get a second season. Um, it's fucking wild. I feel like the, for me, this is what I want American Horror Story to be now. I feel like American Horror Story started off great and it's been hit or miss since then. Um, but it's never been quite as good as like that first season, in my opinion. And I feel like this for me, it checked a lot of boxes. It checked it. It checked. Um, it was weird. Um just weird shit going on. But then like, I think it gave satisfying answers to a lot of things that are happening in it. And, uh, like she, you know, she, she's, she's got this, this short film that she made. She goes to Hollywood, hot director at one time, you know, he, he hasn't had a hit in a while, but he watches her short, gets in contact with her and says, I want to make your movie and I want you to direct it and all this stuff. Well, he ends up stabbing her in the back. Actually, he, you know, tries to fucking have sex with her and she pushes him away. And, uh, then he, he, he steals her movie, gives it to another up and coming, uh, young director, uh, a male director. And, um, you know, she already signed away the rights to everything and, and she's getting fucked over. So she meets, uh, Catherine Keener's character, who's kind of like this, you know, witch, uh, who, um, puts a curse on, on this director, Lou, uh, Lou Burke, played by Eric Lang. And, um, once this curse goes, goes into effect, all these crazy things start happening. And I'm talking about like Rosa Salazar's character as Lisa, like out of nowhere starts puking up live kitten babies. And you're like, what in the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and so like, but as soon as she pukes up a kitten, Jake, like this guy wearing like a leather biker jacket and then like a biker helmet will just like walk into like wherever she's at and take the kitten and leave. <laughs> So it's like she's always got like some kind of guy following her and taking these kittens and uh bringing them back to Catherine Keener's character. It is so weird, man. But it's like I think it's like 8 episodes. Episodes range from anywhere from like 50 minutes down to like 35 minutes. And uh once I started this, man, I could not fucking stop. I was on a mission to finish this and see where it goes. And, uh, I had to know they kept teasing like this one fucking part in her short film where Lou Burke and like even the up and coming young director, they watch it and they're like, how does she do that? What is that? And they don't show that scene until like in a later episode. And then you get answers to like what actually happens in that scene later on. And man, this can get super fucking violent. It can get super fucking bloody. Weird things just keep happening. Like in the first episode, like there's this one moment where she's kind of introducing Lisa to like this Catherine Keener's character is introducing Lisa, um, into, and Catherine Keener is this character, Boro. She's like this kind of like witch or whatever. Um, and she says for, for Lisa, she's like, imagine you're in, and she's talking about the director, Lou Burke, that stole her movie. Imagine you're in his head and now break something. And then 
she's like, did you do it? And she's like, yeah. And Lou comes back from like this party and Lou's nose is bleeding. So you're like, what the fuck? Does that have any connection? When she told her to go in the head of this guy and break something, is that why his nose is bleeding? And then also like the fact that she's in this guy's head um, and thinking of it as a room that she can go in and break something. It kept thinking, I kept going back to like, being John Malkovich, where you would actually go through a door and be in John Malkovich's head. <laughs> anyway, I love that movie, by the way. Um, I love this, Joe. I love brand new cherry flavor. This is an absolute Tupperware for me. I was hooked. This is just so weird and wild, and I just could not stop watching this. I had to get through this. And even though it feels like there could be a second season, I felt like this first season was super satisfying. I absolutely loved this. I loved brand new cherry flavor. Yeah, I I really loved because see, I had a weird journey with this, so I actually started it on the second episode, and so I jumped in right into the weirdness, and and I really liked it. And then as it kept going, I liked it less and less and less, hmm. just because the show kept grossing me out. Like, there's so much insanely gross shit in this yeah man i felt like i wanted stuff that you can't unsee yeah yeah oh oh yeah there's some super gross stuff in this i it had one of those endings that made me feel kind of icky and i i liked the performances in this though and and i liked the the concept of it but ultimately i don't see it as something that go back and revisit but i could Mm -hmm. see how some people would really like i'm glad that you had a really good time with it oh it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite shows of the year Damn. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. And, and for me, it just didn't hit as hard um, because you know I, I I thought about going and finishing all of it so that I could say that you know I hundred percented the show because I've seen a little bit of every episode, but ugh, I, I don't. I, after seeing the full last episode, I don't know if I could. Um, I, it, so, it, so for me, it's just a it's just a taste. It, yeah. but, but it has more to do with with how the show made me feel than anything else. Yeah, yeah, there's some shit that's fucking gross, man. But Very, yeah. it, but it's one of those shows where it's like, I'm so sucked into this that it doesn't matter what they show me or what they do. There's a part in this where she is fucking like, she tells Boro that she doesn't want to puke up any more kittens. And so she fucking has like this fucking like weird kind of like vagina grow out of her fucking side. Like, a, like it's on her side. It's like this fucking like vagina thing that's growing out. And so she's like, she touches it and it's like gets all wet and shit. And it's like a, a fucking vagina on the side of her body. And then there's a sex scene where this guy is like fisting her with <laughs> inside of that thing and she's getting off on it. I'm like, this is fucked up. What in the fuck is going on here? Like, it's consensual. Like, she wants this guy's hand in that fucking side vagina. She's all about it. So this guy's got his hand up in her side vagina. This, this fucking weird vagina that's growing on the side of her body. And he's fucking, his whole hand is in there. It looks like somebody fucking like doing a prostate exam on a cow or something. <laughs> And he is just, he is going to town on this side vagina. And I was, yeah, it's fucked up, but man, I could, it, that's another thing that's so fucked up that I could not stop watching the show. Cause you never know. <laughs> if you think, if you're saying to yourself, I never know where a vagina is going to show up in this show. It's a win. It's a win. <laughs> it's. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know what you mean about American Horror Story and the comparison there. Yeah. Um, but have you watched any of this new season that just started? Is it American Horror Stories where it's an anthology? No, that just wrapped up. And to tell you the truth, that that sucked. That okay. Sucked bad. No, uh, there, I, was, there was a couple episodes in there that were pretty good. Most ah, of they sucked. I'm kind of, I'm kind of burnt out. What's it really called? Good. What's it called? It's called Double Feature. Double Feature. Um, to where it's going to have two stories in this season. Uh, the the first story that's going right now is called Red Tide, and it's going to be the first six episodes. And the first four of them have dropped so far. It's a vampire story that takes place in Cape Cod. Hmm. It's it's really really good so far. Really riveting. To where there's this uh, this drug that. If you take it and you're creative, it makes you super creative. But if you take it and you really don't have any creativity, you're just kind of a wannabe, then it turns you into kind of like more of a mindless, like Nosferatu type vampire. Hmm. Interesting. It's, it's yeah. intriguing so far. And, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, Evan I, Peters has been very good in this season as well. Evan Peters. Oh, yeah. I love him. I, I just kind of got burnt out on the Ryan Murphy stuff. No, I totally get it because American Horror Stories, like those. I look forward to it every week and almost every episode. I'd look at my wife and be like, well, that one, there's another one that sucked. Yeah. Are these going to get good? What's up with vampires in Cape Cod? Is that a thing? Um, I'm not sure. This is, this is the first one that I've seen of this, but I read this article where it said that the part of the show is based on this like Cape Cod vampire dude that was like, uh, he was doing some cannibalistic murders. I think he murdered an entire family in like the eighties or something like that. And he was like eating the bodies and drinking the blood and stuff. So that's kind of one of the inspirations of this season. Okay. One of my favorite vampire weekend songs is about vampires in Cape Cod. And I, I just thought it was just them being goofy. I didn't realize there was any like reason for them to do that song. It's weird that, I, there must be some kind of lore there or something that happened. Huh? Maybe uh, maybe Ryan Murphy's a fan of the song. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe the show was inspired by the song. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like a weird coincidence. Yeah. Vampires wear capes sometimes, some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I think they're very stylish on vampires. They are. Would you... Would would Is there ever a time where it's appropriate... Other than Halloween, for a anyone to wear a cape, like I'm not talking like superheroes or anything like that, but like, would you ever wear a cape anywhere, Jake? I think they're fun to wear at the amusement parks. Oh, like the superhero capes that you run around, like you're fucking five years old and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean just specifically one is high fashion? Yeah, like you're gonna go out, like honey, let's go out to let's go out to dinner. And all of a sudden, like you show up, and and she's like, "Are you are you ready to go?" And she's like, "You know, she's looking at your cape." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like like. First off, she didn't know she didn't know that you fucking like. What catalog did you buy this out of? I've never noticed this before. <laughs> like, hey, D'Artagnan, are you ready to go? <laughs> exactly. Okay, Puss in Boots. What the fuck? <laughs> That is a bold fashion choice, man. I mean, it, it pairs very well with a cod piece if you've got one of those as well. I like to think of, like, the band members of Guns N' Roses. Like, you know, they keep, you know, they go to practice every day, like, before they became big or whatever. And then there's, like, that one day where, like, Slash shows up with the top hat on. <laughs> Everyone double takes when he walks in. 
<laughs> like, do you think like there, there was a side like we all know Slash with the top hat, you know? But like, there had to been like that first day, you know, where it's like, like you know, the band all gets together and like all of a sudden like, there's something new about you, Slash. I I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> Did you write the Mayflower here today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. What's going on there, Abe Lincoln, or whatever the fuck? He's got this little fucking top hat on, man. We all know him for the top hat, but you know it had to have been weird for like the band members that first day when he shows up to like practice, or maybe it was like a gig. Like they booked a gig, and he's like wearing that thing, and they're just. Do you think they had like a side meeting? Like, are, dude, do we? Are you gonna say? Anything? I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> Slash, we <laughs> love what you're doing with your fingers there on the guitar, but are you married to the hat? <laughs> Axel was probably too drunk to even ever notice. That's true. That's true. That fucking... That, you ever watch that, that November Rain video? If you ever break that down scene to scene, it is fucking insane. Oh, yeah. It's a classic. That's a fucking totally. classic. Well, they fucking... It's like all of a sudden, like, uh, they're at a wedding, and doesn't that, like... Like, it's that one guy just, like, jump into the wedding cake and destroy it? Yes. What the fuck, you fucking asshole! Oh my god, I can't even imagine. The I would bride be... would just murder him. Oh my spot. god, I bet she was a bridezilla to begin with. But like, oh my god, I bet she's fucking freaking out. Like, you know, she probably picked that cake out. It, 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 who knows how much it costs? And this guy just like fucking being a jackass, like he's fucking like one of the Johnny Knoxville crew. <laughs> fucking just fucking like dive bombs into the cake, and don't they end up like in 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 the ocean by the end of that thing? And like Axel's like floating off, like fucking like Tom Hanks castaway shit. It is a weird. Yeah, there's definitely a bunch of shit going on like underwater at some point in the video too as well. You're making me want to watch that video again. It's oh, we time. should yeah, we should break down that video yeah. on an episode one day. It's a weird. Flash video. goes walking outside in the middle of the ceremony. There's no car. There's a hundred people in the church. No cars parked outside. <laughs> it starts raining at that wedding too doesn't it i know it's called november rain but does it rain in that wedding yeah, it, yeah like as a kid it was always presumably like okay did she catch pneumonia and the cold november rain killed her why did she die so soon <laughs> uh, it's weird it's a long ass video too it's it like is a long ass like video and it's ex- nine minutes maybe it's a super expensive video too like how much it cost it's ridiculously yeah. expensive jake are you watching the circle I've watched the first two episodes so far. Oh, I killed it in one day. Joe, are you watching The Circle? I've got five minutes left to go on episode two. I was watching it all the way up until our Skype call started earlier, and I I couldn't believe the twist they introduced in in episode two, and I'm 100% hooked on season three of The Circle. Oh, my God. Okay. I've watched all four episodes, killed them back to back to back to back, and uh, oh, my God. I'm not the... I, I, you guys are going to have to tell me who your favorites are in the circle season three. Cause I really don't feel like I have a favorite yet, except for like maybe the two girls, Ava and her sister. I kind of like them. And I think I just like them for the fact that they've kind of beaten the odds here so far. Um, but that, that twist 
in the in the second episode with the with the with the Michelle clone is like the most amazing thing ever. And I did not like Michelle to begin with. So when Michelle was freaking out about somebody cloning her and pretending to be her, I was loving it. I the more angry she got, the more I was laughing. I was laughing hysterically. I was laughing hysterically that her fucking identity was stolen. I loved it. I loved it so much. So I Tupperware this so far. I don't really have a favorite person though. That's like that. Like I'm rooting for them to win the circle. Um, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, I do enjoy the season quite a bit. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't wait to fucking watch more of this. It's just one of those things where I haven't had time to finish it. This is also one of me and Michelle's favorite shows to watch together. So we always have to carve out that time where we both can watch TV. But, oh, my gosh, no show has greater twist each season than The Circle. Like, they really know how to not keep it stale. Like, every time I think, oh, what are they going to do this time? It's going to be something silly. They're going to be out of ideas. But the next idea is always even greater than the last idea when it comes to these twists. Like, they, they're so smart. Like, I would love to be in the writer's room when they're, like, kind of plotting out how what fucking dirty deeds they're going to do to these poor people when it comes to fucking twist. Um, You know, I don't know if it was just me, but for a second... I thought the twist was going to be no one was going to be a catfish because the way they introduced the contestants, they kind of introduce three or four people that are going to play as themselves before they introduce anyone that's going to be a catfish. And I was like, boy, that that kind of be a crazy twist to have everyone paranoid about everyone and have everyone actually be on the level and not lying about anything. Like it's kind of a, a kind of a trick you can only do once. But I, I'd almost be here for that trick. Um but yeah, that episode two twist just blew my mind. Um, I agree with Brian. She was my least favorite contestant. So to see that happen to her <laughs> yes. and for her, her to be the one that has to deal with that, I fucking loved it. I was laughing so hard when they played the um, get to know you game and yeah. it came down to whether or not you would kiss your dog and the reaction that she got for being the only person that she wasn't the only person, but her like, fucking oh, profile pictures has her with two dogs. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't agree with it, you have to know the nature of the game and know that people are going to think you're catfishing if you say no to that question after what you put out there. Like, just oh my gosh, it's just incredibly stupid. I, I feel like another thing that I really like about this show is I, the contestants are obviously watching the previous seasons and like adapting and evolving from those. And that's one thing that drives me crazy on a lot of reality shows is there seems to be a lot of stunt casting where they just get people based on looks or whatever occupation they have. And they, they kind of bring the game backwards by not like being any kind of a student of it or having seen any previous seasons or episodes. And I feel like this show is the exact opposite of that, where it, it truly does naturally evolve each season and the contestants are right there with it. Like they just get more savvy and more like attuned to what they need to do to win this game. And I, I really enjoy that. Like, I can't wait to see, I hope the show never ends and I can't wait to see where we're at it. 
like season 20 of the show and what ridiculous twist we're going to do to manipulate the contestants at that point. Yeah, I just I want I, I just wanted to get to the point where like people are more cutthroat. I feel like when the show always starts out, like everybody gives off like this positive energy and everybody's like, oh, I love what you're saying. I love that. I love that. I love that. Like hashtag positive vibes only. Oh, yeah, that's so awesome. I love that. And it's just like I just want to see these people's dark side. Like, that's oh, what I want, <laughs> you know? This this cast is great, too. I have a hard time deciding a favorite just because I have so many favorites. Not I, me. I I'm I'm the oh, opposite. Man. I'm, I'm, I'm I the opposite. Nick. I, Nick is ridiculous. I hate I, Nick. Um... I can't stand <laughs> Nick. Oh, I, 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 to me, that's part of Nick's charm. Like, it's just so, so cringy that I was cracking. Up. I was thinking I was going to like Daniel, and Daniel kind of fucking gets on my nerves. Um, yeah, I think Daniel's another one of my favorites as well. Rex, I, I just like, Rex, like him a lot too. I don't like Daniel. Um, I Rexana is just like so boring to me right now. Um, I like Kay a lot. Uh, she's really great. I think Calvin, I could like him a little bit more as the show goes on. I've liked him a little bit more as it's gone on. I just, I don't know. I just feel like everybody right now, I don't really know who anybody really is. I feel like they're all putting on kind of like this act within the circle. And even when we get them, their real selves, it's like, I don't know. I just don't really have a favorite as a bit. I think Nick is just playing too much to the camera. Um, oh yeah, I, I I can see that. I can see that. I, I find it really funny though. Yeah. I uh, for a second at the end of that first episode, I thought the twist was going to be they were just going to let the sisters back in, and the other sister was going to play. Same. That's what I thought it would be too. Oh god, I loved it when we saw two Michelles, blue Michelle, orange Michelle, and they're just like, "What is going on? Someone has stolen my identity." <laughs> I mean, you are fucked. If you're the, no matter who she picks to clone. <laughs> That person is fucked because if I'm a contestant on the circle and there's two of somebody, I don't give a fuck. You're you're going home. They, they, just get these shady shenanigans the fuck out of here. You're the lowest on my rankings. The both of you get out of here. Oh, I so I, woof, I'm glad it happened to Michelle. Oh yeah, I couldn't stand her. She was annoying. <laughs> so yeah, now I know how, see, how episode two is going to end. <laughs> That's totally cool. Um, Dude, Jake, you hit the nail on the head when you said that they're very good at coming up with ways to keep this show fresh. I mean, because they've, they've done it every new season so far. And and this is really fun. I can't wait to watch the rest of this. And, and they usually drop the circle in two halves, right? No, three. Um, three? So, so oh, nice. yeah, next It takes four weeks now, ever since season two. Okay. Great. That, that's cool. That's cool. It gives us something to look forward to that way. Yeah, every Wednesday. Yeah, Tupperware the I Tupperware the fuck out of season three so far. I don't have a clear favorite yet. I, I I just I need more episodes before. Oh, I do like Isabella. She's a new character, um, a new person that entered this circle. I think she's she's like twenty two years old. Um, she's pretty funny. I I enjoy her so far. And then they introduced another girl on the show who's playing a guy and she's okay, but I, Isabella is cool. Uh, let's take uh, that's all I got for Good Pop, Bad Pop unless you guys had anything else that you wanted to throw out there that you've been watching. Yeah, I, I want to bring up a, a show on Hulu right now called Only Murders in the Building. Have, have either of you caught any of that? No, it's the Steve Martin, the Steve Martin Martin Short. Yes, Selena Gomez. Yes. Yeah, um, I've watched the first four episodes so far. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, they, there's some 
there's some elements that are kind of like some fantastical elements that they throw into each episode could personally do without those. Um, but just in terms of, of the plot of it, it's, it's these three people that all live in this same apartment building and they're all huge fans of true crime podcasts. Somebody gets murdered in their building and they decide to get together and do a podcast on it. And so they start investigating the murder themselves. And then as it's going along, there's little lies that they're telling to each other because none of them really know each other either. And so far, you know, it's, it's been really great in terms of like the, the character building that's been in it. Uh, the humor has been really good. It's had some episodes that have been pretty touching. Um, the performances have, have been good as well. Um, uh, I think this is the first one, maybe one of the first things that I've watched Selena Gomez act in. Was she maybe like a Disney kid? That right. Yes, she was. She was okay. a wizard of Waverly Place. <laughs> ah, it sounds like, sounds like Jake was also a wizard of Waverly Place. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of her current music, so I know a, a bit of the trivia. Yeah, I, I figured you'd have the 411 on her. Um, the the curious thing about this right now is if you look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a hundred percent score and a ninety seven percent audience score. So people are really digging this show. Uh, it's only four episodes in so far. They're they're really fast, easy watches, and uh, you know you don't you don't have to be a, a, a true crime fan necessarily to to like the show but it, but if that's your cup of tea it'll probably be an, a little extra treat for you as well yeah cool yeah well yeah uh, and i tupperware what i've watched so far I've, I've really enjoyed it and it's one of those ones i look forward to every week murders only in the building only murders in the building oh, okay very very close okay. <laughs> building murders only in four four murders in a building in murders building only four <laughs> Check it out. It's it's on Ula, which is the opposite of, of Ulu. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come. It'll be a quick break for you, but for us, it's going to be a little bit longer. That's how this works, Jake. That's a little bit of a little bit of the behind the scenes here. Oh, my God. You're going to get the fucking David Copperfield fucking trying to murder you for telling this shit. I know. I know. Well, what was it? It was the, the masked magician that was getting on TV and revealing all the secrets. Oh, yeah. Pin Gillette was getting super pissed at that guy. I would be, too, if I was a fucking magician making a living at this shit, man. And he, this guy's fucking exposing all the tricks and then making us have to work that much fucking harder. Fuck that guy walking around with his fucking Nacho Libre mask and revealing all the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I thought someone else might, might jump in there and didn't happen. <laughs> I was still laughing about Nacho Libre mask and I was like, he did wear one of those. He did. He was like fucking one of those Lucha Libre guys or whatever. Is that what they're called, Jake? Lucha Libre? Yeah. (laughs) All righty. The biggest disgrace possible is to take one of their masks off. Uh, Do you remember the the machines? The machines? Yeah, dude. WWF back in the day, there was was three guys and they all wore masks and... And uh, everybody was like, oh, one of them's got to be Andre the Giant. And they were called the Machines. I don't remember that. Google. Hold on. Let me look these guys up here real quick. WWF. The WWF. The Machines. Let me see if I can find the images here. Big Machine. Giant Machine. Hulk Machine. Piper Machine. 
Yeah, yeah, they were, uh, they were, uh, they were, they had, uh, Luke, Captain Lou Albano was like their manager. 86 and 87. Yeah, you don't remember the machines? No, I, I did not remember that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was Andre the Giant. <laughs> we, we all knew. Like, there's nobody that big. <laughs> yeah. I love that the Hulk machine. Mm, I wonder who's under that mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was like, but as a kid, it was like super mysterious. Who are the machines? Uh, oh, fucking um, um, uh, September. I think I think this month, um, I think they're gonna have the second part of uh, Dark Side of the Ring coming out this month, later this month on Vice. I've been loving Dark Side of the Ring. Any idea what they're doing? Um, yeah, they did release. I actually posted on Facebook a, maybe a week or two ago the lineup. Um, there, I can't remember what it's called. Me and Paul were actually talking about it in a Facebook message about one of the episodes of Heels had to do with, like I guess, like this big – I forget what they call it. Paul would know if he was here. Um, it's like this event that happened on an airplane where I guess they got drunk and all this shit. I think um, – Ric Flair was involved in it. It was like a real thing that happened with a bunch of wrestlers on an airplane. And they ended up getting in trouble for it. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure from that. The plane ride from hell. Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, the plane ride. Yeah, plane ride from hell. And, um, yeah, it, they're going to be doing an episode on the plane ride from hell. Uh, yeah, it was an orgy of excess. I guess they were all getting drunk and... Of course, Ric Flair was involved. Ric Flair was involved. But, like, uh, they did kind of like an airplane from hell, um, plane ride from hell episode on the fourth episode of Heels. So, yeah, interesting. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Less machines talk. Baking pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. All right, hey, we are back. You know what I forgot to to do uh, earlier, Jake? Um, snake eyes. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was not going to say masturbate. <laughs> I actually just thought of it during the uh, the heels talk. Yeah, steak eyes. We had a steak eyes contest like two weeks ago, and uh, as for, uh, so, I'm gonna. Uh, who are the winners? Who who are gonna be the winners here for the snake eyes digital codes? Let's find out who those winners are going to be for the snake eyes digital codes. Actually, hey Joe, could you do me a huge fucking favor and write down these names? Send them yeah, to sure. me. Send them to me later, Zoe, because this is really deep in the podcast, and I don't want to have to go no back. No problem at all. Then. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that, man. All right, winners for the uh, Snake Eyes Digital Codes. Uh, let's find out who our first winner is going to be. It is going to be Ryan Bradshaw. You, sir, are the winner of a Snake Eyes Digital Copy. 
Number two. Ryan Scrikey, sir. <laughs> yeah. For a second, I thought Bradshaw was going to win a second copy. No, no. Two different Ryans. Two different Ryans. What if the Scrikey? Th- kind of like Crikey? Oh, Crikey. We've, yeah, we've, we've totally made that joke before. We have, Joe. That's the second time we've made the Crikey, Scrikey joke. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he. I'm, I'm sure he loves it. Ryan loves it. Oh, I'm sure he adores it. Yeah. Every time we do that, Ryan is probably stabbing his eardrums with, <laughs> with, a, with a blunt object. God damn it, guys! Like, yeah, it sounds like crikey. <laughs> <laughs> what if the like third you, people go, "Hey, Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand?" It's like shoot you in the no. face, oh, boy. God. I'm coming to you. you I'm going to shoot you in the fucking face, asshole. I'm coming for you, you son of a bitch. That's what you want to know? <laughs> you can fucking fuck, geotag me as I'm fucking shooting you in the face, you son of a fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, well, crikey, you still won, Ryan. Um, <laughs> number three. Jake Ryan from 16 Candles now. Um, another Ryan. Another no, Benjamin Thomas. Benjamin Thomas wins. Copy of Snake Eyes. Number four. Edward Michael. It sounds like a place where women go to get arts and crafts. I am for sure. I'm going to going to <laughs> Edward Christmas collection. Going to Edward Michaels. I'm going to get some <laughs> I need some yarn. I need some yarn and some uh, uh, baby's breath. <laughs> yeah, some fake moss. <laughs> Over at Edward Michaels. <laughs> All right, and the final winner is Michael Edwards. Oh, my God. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> it's the mirrored version of Edward Michaels. It's actually Edward Ryan. <laughs> Ryan Edwards. <laughs> no, no, the final winner is actually Michael Forte. Michael Forte, you win a digital copy of Snake Eyes. I will get those out to you within the next few days. You'll be you know, expect an email from me with that digital code, and you can watch the movie Snake Eyes and all of its glory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, these five people did not roll a snake eyes here. <laughs> Spoilers, this movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now now that, that advertisement's over. <laughs> I just can't say it on the initial on the you know what I mean, Jake? I get Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good one for our listeners. Go back and listen to our announcement of the Snake Eyes contest and yeah. listen to how uh how generous we are. Yeah, exactly. Now I can tell you my thoughts on it. <laughs> I hope you enjoy crap. All right. <laughs> are they really winners, Jake? <laughs> are there are there really any winners in the Snake Eyes contest, Jake? <laughs> Paramount? Oh, man. Let's see here. All right, guys. Let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye. Read all about it. It's the leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. 
It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Right, real quick, Phoebe Waller-Bridge leaves the Mr. and Mrs. Smith project. Wasn't that going to be on Amazon? The, am- the Yes. Yeah, that sucks. It does suck. Creative differences? Yeah, I wonder with who. I wonder if it was with Glover or, like, the writers. Uh, it's probably with Glover. I mean, I, they're friends, but uh, it's probably with Glover. It's it's his show, really. He's I think he's, like, the creative drive behind it. So, yeah, it's unfortunate because I was really looking forward to see these two together in live action. Uh, they were, you know, she was, uh, what is it? She was that fucking droid in the Star Wars movie and he was Lando, but that's, I wanted to see them both working together and I love both of them. I mean, I think he's, I love Atlanta and, uh, she was great in, uh, oh God, Fleabag. I love Fleabag. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they tap to replace her. Yeah. Was yeah. that going to be the same premise as the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie? I think yes. so, but they were going to do something. I'm sure they had, like, different, you know, pl- a different Yeah, they were going to put on a, their own spin yeah. on it. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah. This comes from Dark Horizons. Eliza Clark, she's the showrunner on FX, uh, FX on Hulu's upcoming TV series adaptation of the uh, comic Why the Last Man, says uh, her vision for the series will see it clock in at around five seasons. So they're wanting to get five seasons out of this. Uh, It's originally a Brian K. Vaughn comic. It follows York Brown, the sole survivor of a mysterious plague that kills every mammal on Earth with a Y chromosome. So, yeah. Uh, 60-issue comics series. It'll be five or six seasons is what I'm thinking, says Eliza Clark, the showrunner. So we'll I Tupperware s- this announcement. Have you, I haven't even watched the trailer for it. it, it this drops next week, Jake. I have oh, watched wow. the trailer for it. I, I think it's a fantastic trailer. And I, I love, I think five seasons is perfect. I hope nothing talks them out of that. Like, even if it's the most monstrous hit of all time, like, stick to your guns. Don't dilute this shit. I, I, I love the idea of just five tight seasons and getting out of there. I, I'm yeah. very excited to see this show. Yeah, man. There's nothing worse than when you're fucking getting like season, you know, nine or ten of a show that should have ended like four seasons ago. Dexter. Yeah. I, I'm not. I've never watched Dexter, but everybody that I know that watched Dexter is like, man, Showtime just keeps stretching this fucking show. Yeah, I have, and and yes, that is exactly the case. So, yeah. um, Sopranos is another perfect example. I mean. It was supposed to be four seasons. They HBO begged for three additional seasons, and the show greatly suffered from it, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Like the show Heroes on NBC. It was like every further season, it sucked more and more. I yeah, well, like I mean, that, that, that was the writer's strike. <laughs> Should have stopped it one season. Well, I, felt like, I feel like Heroes fucking suffered from the writer's strike. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah that didn't help, but I, I don't think they, they knew what to do. Yeah. As as far as why the last man, I've never read the comic. It's one that's been on my list forever, but I've just never pulled the trigger on it. You know, that's the one that made Brian Kevon like famous. That's yeah. like his baby. Yeah, yeah. Why the last man? Um, I know it's really beloved. When it, whenever it's brought up on the army page or anything, it's always getting a lot of love. It's I guess for whatever reason, I've just never picked it up. Have you ever, Jake? Have you ever read uh, Pride of Baghdad? I think is what it's called. Brian Kevon. No, no. It's a graphic novel. 
It's fucking phenomenal. Highly recommend. Is that, is that also Brian K. Vaughn? Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Highly recommend. It's just a, it's a graphic novel. Just buy the graphic novel, read it. You'll love it. I promise you. Say the name again. The uh, Pride of Baghdad. I'm putting it right under Manborg. There you go. <laughs> you know what? That's a, that's a, that is a that is an epic Sunday afternoon, sir. <laughs> I'm very excited for Manborg. I, I'm sad it's on Hoopla. Uh, I'm probably just gonna have to buy. Yeah. Oh, it's worth buying it though. They there's a website that I go to. Um, yeah, uh, that they 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 sell uh, VHS tapes and uh they've got manborg on vhs now and it's like i don't even have a vhs player but i just kind of like want to buy manborg on vhs for like the just the novelty <laughs> so <laughs> i i i do have all uh, i have all um, uh psycho gorman on vhs i have all three that they came out with they had like two they had like a regular version a variant version and then like the big box edition and uh i got all three and those things, man, people were fucking like reselling those on eBay for like insane amounts on eBay. Whoa. Yeah. No, I believe it. Oh, man. I need to revisit Psycho Gorman. I love Psycho Gorman. They came out with the Hunky Boy poster, and it's just literally the poster of that guy from the magazine. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and a, and a Kickstarter is going to start soon for a Psycho Gorman 60 issue comic. Uh, six, uh, 60, uh, 60 page. You were going to say board game. 60. No, no. Um, there's supposed to be a board game and it's on their website, Plastic Meatball, but, and they said it sold out, but it never went on sale. So I don't know if it's one of those things where it's just like a joke that, that it will never be made or if like one day they're going to release a Psycho Gorman board game. So. Oh man! If you see that, don't let me miss the boat on that one. I, that that's an insta buy for me. Yeah, yeah. They got. Uh, I think they got like a beach ball that looks like fucking Alistair the brain. <laughs> nice. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> all right. That's all I got for news. I, I a lot of the stuff that I that I have this week is actually uh, Marvel news. Um, let's jump into that. Marvel news. I've been holding on to this rumor for a couple weeks. Jake, you know it. I've, I've sent it to you and I sent it to somebody else. It's a, it's a rumor about which of the Guardians is going to die in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And I do think this is legit. Um, I'm not going to spoil it oh, right now. I'm not going to tell you which Guardian supposedly dies in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. If you want to know, send me an email to comments at popcultureleftovers.com and uh, title it GOTG Volume 3 or GOTG 3 or GOTG VOL 3 or... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, how long can he go? (laughs) Just, yeah. And uh, I'll let, if you really want to know, and I think it's legit, it's from the Reddit leaker... Um, my time to shine hello, which has been dead on with Loki reveals, Black Widow reveals, and then even like things that were legit coming out of the Spider-Man No Way Home 
trailer before the trailer even dropped. Um, I really do think that this person has an inside track on what's going on in uh, these Marvel movies and Disney Plus shows. And um, they they uh, they have revealed on Reddit um, which which guardian dies. And so, if you want to know, yeah, send me an email and I'll reply to you with just the name of the guardian that I believe uh, is going to die in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Moving on, Venom. Yeah, real quick, yeah. Does, does Joe know this spoiler? No. Can we hear a guest from Joe and then just be silent and move on to the next thing? Yeah, Joe, throw out your guest, silence, and then we move on to the next topic. Yeah, I think it's going to be Drax because Batista is done with the MCU. All right, guys. Venom has moved to – was it October Was it October 15th, Jake, originally? Yeah, yeah. It was middle October. Yeah. And it moved there just recently too, I believe, right? No, it's moved October 1st. No, well, I mean it, it, it's moved around like – No, 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 no. There was a false report saying that it had been pushed pushed back and it was never confirmed by Sony. Oh, okay. Nope. So it was sticking to that 15th date and then uh, they saw the success of uh, Shang-Chi and they're like, fuck it, let's keep this going. <laughs> cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. <laughs> they saw dollar signs and so they've moved it Let to- there be money. Yeah. Let there, let there be carnage. Jake says, let there be money. That sounds like something somebody would say as they're spinning the wheel on Wheel of Fortune. Let there be money. Let you know, like yeah. that's. It felt like my inner Richard Dawson when I said that. Yeah, yeah. Except you weren't kissing everybody that was coming up on stage creepily. No, not yet. Not yet. Oh my! I used to, I used to, I used to love the the Family Feud just for all the Tootsie Roll pops. Oh, I love the tree. The didn't yeah. it, like you. Oh man, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. He had that Tootsie Roll pop tree. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about the families and the guessing of the questions. <laughs> I was we we didn't have many choices when we were young. We so. really didn't. We really didn't, Jake. <laughs> I felt there was a stretch there where I was watching a lot of game shows, a lot of daytime television, and uh, I felt like you know I was watching so much. Uh, Price is Right. I felt like if I was on the show, I would dominate. Like it's like a, it's like holy shit. I do know the price of Del Monte cream corn. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Same. I still feel like I could go on that show and dominate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake, you sent me a, a message this week, a Facebook message, and you said, "What did you say in that Facebook message?" You said, "I just read that in Endgame title sequence." You can only hear half of the orchestra playing the Avengers theme since the other half has snapped away. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was blown away by that fact. I did not know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, have you watched it since hearing that? No, I have not. Yeah, yeah. Definitely pay attention the next time you watch Endgame to the to the fanfare. It's it's. I never picked up on it before reading that. But, yeah, it's, it's half the orchestra. Wow. That's very cool. That's very cool. You think they could have just got more people? They could have hired more people. But I no, I like. <laughs> yeah, you think by that by that time, right? It's, <laughs> but you know, no, I I I think it's a interesting creative choice. Um, here's my question, and I think I've actually brought this up on the podcast before, but if I haven't, um, do you think that conjoined twins count as two or one in the snap? Mm, I think they count as two. Agreed. Okay, so 
let's say this hypothetically one gets snapped all right so they count as two but let's say let's say like do they have to both go up the snap here's the thing hypothetically let's say one gets snapped and the other one stays and so when the other one got snapped this one that stayed got to live their life for five years without sharing a fucking spleen with some other person hanging off their body. Okay? See, my thoughts are way more morbid. Well, I hold on, hold on. I'm not done yet. Die. Hold on. So when they come back, so when the snap, the second snap happens and they come back, that person that was snapped away, they come back as five years younger than you. So let's say if like the one person was like, let's say they were snapped when they were eight and your twin gets snapped up and then five years later they come back and now they're conjoined onto you again. So now you've got like, you're fucking 13 and you've got this fucking eight year old hanging off the ground on, on your body. (laughs) And so it's like, that would, I think like that's the one instance where like one person would like not be happy that someone came back from the snap. Like, holy shit. Like (laughs) I've enjoyed the five years without, you know, sharing organs with another human being. I've been able, I'm 13 now. I've been fucking like, now it's like when I masturbate, it's going to be awkward because I got this eight year old hanging off on me. (laughs) I don't know, man. That like, what do you think, Joe? What do you think? Yeah, it's a pretty fucked up thought, man. I, I've never done the mental gymnastics on this one. I mean, you'd think that if one of the twins gets snapped, as long as the other has a functioning set of internal organs, they're going to be doing just fine. I would think just but, by, like, but, magic. By magic, that person is now, is now just one person. I'll subscribe to that. Yeah, that could work, too. Maybe if they're conjoined, the, you know, because I guess with the, with that... It was working off the soul stone, so you'd have to ask, okay, does do conjoined twins have two souls or one soul? And so I was looking at it as they'd have two if there's two different people. That is weird though. I'm I'm thinking of that scene in WandaVision, you know, where we see the people from the the from banners snap all reconstituting. And like imagine if you're a conjoined twin and you're in like a a, a, a newish relationship. And like you're finally able to really get out there and, and do a bunch of dating without people looking at you, you know. Like, I, I mean, there's there's those two that were on that reality show, that you know the two conjoined sisters, and I, I'm pretty sure that they've gone off and live fairly normal lives. I think they're like they work as teachers in a school or something. And I've always wondered, wow, that that dating and all that has got to be really weird. But imagine if like you're on a date with somebody who didn't know you were a conjoined twin, and all of a sudden. Banner's snap happens, and then <laughs> this twin all of a sudden like materializes yeah. on the side of you. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, that's that'd be for, make for some weird. This picture, would man. be me, you know, like <laughs> you know, like when when people like when they got snapped and they like turn into like ash and like dissipate and they're gone, and all you see is ash left on the ground. Like, and then when they come back, like you see like the same kind of like ash form into like a person. Yeah. 
all of a sudden, like, if I would have looked over, like, to my right, and all of a sudden, like, fucking, like, this ash starts forming again, like, I am fucking, like, waving that shit away from me. Like, get the fuck away from me! (laughs) No, yeah, I'm fucking, yeah, I'm fucking, (laughs) I'm fucking, I am like, get the fuck out of here! I'm flailing my arms, and like, no, 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 you are not forming back on me, motherfucker. Uh Uh-uh, not today. Uh, it's like everyone cheered when all those people were coming out of the holes, but that's the one time where someone was like, boo. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And the conjoined, they don't answer that question in the movies. I'm very curious about the conjoined twins. <laughs> what happens you in. Me, you made me very sympathetic to that character, thinking about, like, uh, the kid's going to be, like, 16 and wanting to masturbate. Yes. And how, how fucking awkward is that? Yeah, his fucking 11 year old brother comes out back and is, like, hanging off of his body. And now it's like, oh, fuck, I'm 16, you're 11, we're stuck together. Like, <laughs> yeah, you my left hand is now your left hand. Yeah, I, I think you created the most sympathetic Marvel character yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! What happens in real life if, like, like I I don't know this answer. Like in real life, like if like a conjoined twin dies, like what happens to the other one? Like th- th- I'm sure that they die, but like they, it's not like they both die at the same time. So I think like at one moment, like when your conjoined twin dies, you're just like looking over it, like you're dead sibling for a little while before you go right it it depends on where all the organs are at in the body if if there's shared organs in there and one side of it dies you you're probably both gonna die but if 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 both sides of the body have intact sets of organs maybe there's a chance they can separate the two of you yeah but what if they can't and like what if you just fucking like hanging around it's like weekend at bernie's but it's just like (laughs) you know there's Sandra and her dead sister. You know, it's like, fuck. Oh, God, I don't want to go to lunch with her today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> can we throw a blanket over your dead sister? <laughs> the amount of places we can go. Who invited her? Yeah. <laughs> Put a cape on her. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Traction by fashion. I don't. Yeah, dude. Like, how does that work? Like, like I don't know, man. I need to. Like, we need to dive deeper into this whole. Like, what happens like in real life if like, let's say they have all separate fucking organs and shit, Joe, and they but. They've decided to live their lives. Like what? Like, do you, are you just hanging around with like a dead body next to you? Okay, I just googled it. It said once the dead twin's heart stops, blood stops pumping, the vessels dilate, and the conjoined twin will essentially bleed into the dead twin. Yeah. If surgeons are there when the first twin dies, then it's possible to do the surgery and save the other. Yikes! Wow, that's. That's really fucking metal. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're referencing uh, American Horror Story Freak Show. I'd forgotten about that character. Oh, I haven't. I, yeah, I watched all of Freak Show too. Oh god, that was disturbing. It was disturbing. That was the Sarah Paulson character. She played the two conjoined twins. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
take this rumor. Yeah, we're still in Marvel news. <laughs> <laughs> take this rumor with a huge grain of salt, but Atlanta Filming is saying uh, that in the She-Hulk series, uh, they're saying Daredevil's going to appear. That's the rumor that Daredevil's going to be in that series, Matt Murdock, Daredevil. But Ma- Daredevil will be seen in his uh, yellow and red suit. Not the uh, not the like red and yellow suit. You know what I mean, Jake? Like it's like yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I could see that too. Just to be starkly different from what we saw in the Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting. I don't know. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. That, that that's that's one of those rumors that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put any. Like uh, I'm not gonna put my weight behind and say yeah, I think this is happening. But uh, that's what they're saying. So. Interesting. News from Variety. Benedict Cumberbatch says Doctor Strange 2 will challenge Spider-Man No Way Home as, quote, most ambitious superhero film. Uh, he was on a podcast recently. Um, and it, the article goes, uh, the article from Variety says uh, he even spills a little bit of tea about Spider-Man No Way Home in response to Holland's comments on a previous episode of the Award Circuit podcast where he said, I think this is the most ambitious standalone superhero film ever made. Naturally, Cumberbatch has a swift response. Until Doctor Strange 2 comes out. Ooh. Throwing, <laughs> throwing down the gauntlet. What a one-upper. Th- I know. Fucking one-up son of a bitch. Benedict Cumberbatch. I always hate that guy at the party. No matter what story you yeah. tell, he always has the same version, but he did one more thing. One more thing. I fucking hate <laughs> that guy, too. I fucking hate him, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Makes me like Benedict Cumberbatch less. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you there. Sorry, Joe. I know he's Sherlock, and I don't mean to offend you. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> I, I, I feel like it's more just the tongue-in-cheek thing that you say when you're in that position. Like, oh, they say so-and-so is going to be the most ambitious, you know, movie coming out. And you've got your own movie coming out, you know, right soon thereafter. It's like, well, at least until mine does. It almost sounds in line with something that his character would say, too. I th- yeah, I think, yeah, I think uh, he's definitely promoting his film. I think he knows that everybody in the world is going to go fucking see Spider-Man No Way Home. And, uh, yeah, I think that's just the thing to say here. I think they're let, of course they're going to let these actors get away with saying shit like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. Every, every movie is going to be like the next big thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. What defines ambitious? Like what, like what is really the defining factor of that? Yeah. You know what? You know what? Uh, I, I I saw the second. I, I listen to this. I went to Shang Chi in 3D, and uh, before they played the movie, they played uh, the Spider Man No Way Home trailer, and then immediately after that, they played the second Eternals trailer. And um, that second Eternals trailer, the music, like the score and the way it just feels epic, man. There is something about that second Eternals trailer. Like I was just, I am so ready for this fucking movie. I feel like that. I feel like this movie, I, I feel like that, that first trailer just did not do it justice. And I think we all felt that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. But goddamn that second trailer. I think like, it, it, I, and it wasn't until I saw it on the big screen, Jake, that I got this fucking like, 
there was like this wave that came over me like holy fuck this is huge this is fucking huge like seeing like the the celestial on the screen and just oh my god dude i I forgot to tell you about that experience michelle saw the second eternals trailer for the first time when we saw shang chi yeah and she about fell out of her seat when they blipped that celestial on the screen real fast yeah like just the way they deliver it with the sound effect and everything i don't think i've ever seen her jump so hard Yeah, I was, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the second Eternals trailer a lot more than the first. And, um, but I didn't get like, uh, the, like this feeling until I saw it on the big screen and I was just like, holy shit, this is a must watch in the theater. This is, a, this, this is a must watch. I cannot wait to see this. This looks like epic. This looks so good. Um, I still feel like they're holding back so much, but I think I think it's going to be yeah. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and it's going to be no matter what. You know, it's just going to be gorgeous. What were you saying, Joe? I had a really similar experience with this one. The first trailer didn't do too much for me, and the second one, once I saw it in the theater, yeah, I got way more excited for it. Uh, th- this is one of those books that I've gone back and started reading the original uh, run of Eternals. I think I'm about halfway through it now and and there's some of that stuff that that i'm picking up in the trailer where you know the eternals are all happily living their lives and all of a sudden they know that a celestial's coming and it's it's going to be to judge you know whether the earth is going to remain yeah and and they're kind of scrambling to deal with it and when we get that scene in the trailer where it shows the that big uh, red celestial like woo, is is really exciting And, and seeing that i mean i just saw it again on 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 Thursday evening when I went and saw Shang-Chi again. Yeah. They, they played that trailer again at the beginning. And that's one of my favorite parts of the trailer when they show that Celestial. I know it's crazy, but man, I got actually, I was more hyped for the Eternals than I was. I know this sounds crazy. I was more hyped when I watched the two trailers back to back and I watched No Way Home. And then they, after, right after they, they showed the No Way Home trailer, I saw the Eternals trailer. I was more hyped for Eternals after that trailer just because of the music and just like what, it just felt super epic to me, um, which leads me into my next story. When does Eternals take place? When we recorded the Shang-Chi episode, I thought it took place within the seven days after Endgame. And that was merely from the fact that, like, you know, when um, when there was the, you know, the second snap and, like, uh, you know, everybody came back, that it jumped on the radar of the deviants uh, that... Uh, um, that, uh, uh, there's like this big spawning of new life and they're going to, you know, the deviants are co- going there to like devour and kill. And so I was just like, holy shit, this just takes place within the seven days after Endgame. That is not the case. Um, there was an interview with Eternals producer, Nate Moore, uh, that dropped this past week with Empire Magazine. And here are the quotes from the issue. More points to the more formidable task the film faces, introducing heroes who came to Earth 7,000 years ago and have been fostering the growth of humanity. Along the way, they've witnessed the pluses and minuses, the things that are valuable and also some of our missteps, which is not to say that these more mature themes will get in the way of the wider universe narrative. Eternals picks up with the new visitors post-Endgame, quote, right around the same time as Spider-Man Far From Home with the world recovering from the attack of Thanos 
and the return of the half-world population. So this is not right immediately after Endgame. This play- takes place more along the same time frame as uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. So as far as I've been able to put together and from what I've been able to find out online, here is the post-Endgame timeline so far. WandaVision takes place weeks after Endgame, between two to three weeks after Endgame. Falcon and Winter Soldier takes place six months after Endgame. Shang-Chi takes place between the months of April and July to the end of July 2024, which would put it after Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but before Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home takes place approximately nine months after Endgame. Eternals takes place around the same time as Far From Home. Spider-Man No Way No Way Home, uh, that starts right after Far From Home. Um, and then Hawkeye, apparently from what I'm seeing online, takes place in December of 2024, which is around the end of that year. So it's going to be the furthest out that we've seen post-Endgame so far. So, yeah, Eternals does not take place within the week after Endgame. It takes place um, around the same time as Far From Home, which is nine months after Endgame. Yeah, I'm surprised by that, too. I didn't realize it was going to take place so soon in, in that Far From Home area. So I, it makes me wonder what they're setting up in that in that time period for the future movies. Yeah. Yeah, I saw an article today from Comic Book Resources, and they pulled someone's quote from Reddit, and someone on Reddit said that they believe that Fastos created the rings from Shang-Chi, which is a theory that I posed on the Shang-Chi bonus episode back on August 19th. So, I'm not saying that this person listened to that episode and basically took my theory and ran with it and took it to Reddit. I'm just saying that other people are coming to this conclusion, but I also am going to say that I came up with it first. So, Yeah. You're not saying he didn't listen. I'm not saying he didn't listen. It could definitely... No, it could be... There's a lot of people that listen to our our Shang-Chi... Our movie reviews. Our movie reviews, uh, we, we get thousands of people listening to our movie reviews. Um, but I posed, I, I posed that theory on August 19th, uh, well before this person probably had a chance to see Shang-Chi in the theater. And so just throwing it out there. I just didn't post it on Reddit and get any credit for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's see here. So yeah, I, I found that interesting that we kind of know where Eternals is taking place in the timeline. I think that shit's important. I think that shit's important. I do too. Yeah. I think it's important to know when these movies are taking place. Um, I got more Spider-Man No Way Home rumors from uh, the internet. Apparently the rumor online about Spider-Man No Way Home is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is several years older than he was in Spider-Man 3, but Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is reportedly close to the age that he was at the end of of the amazing Spider-Man two. And this was also backed up by who I think is a legit leaker on Reddit, uh user, my time to shine. Hello, 
who said in response to this post, they're the same versions we saw in the movies. They don't really explain why some of them look different. So I think it's just implied that we are getting an older kind of Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and, and, um, and, uh, Andrew Garfield. But, um, yeah, yeah. You think Toby didn't want to be de-aged and that's the reason why we're here? No, I think that they do want to have an older version of of Spider-Man that Tom will be able to interact with. I think they want a more seasoned, a wiser Spider-Man. And I would not be surprised, and I know this is maybe a little too on the nose, but I would not be surprised at all if the first time that we see Toby in this movie is him in the Raimi-verse and he's actually with Mary Jane visiting the grave of Aunt May. I, they could, th- you know, I think they could just, and I would be fine with that. Yeah, I think you shared me details where uh, some people had that theory too that we would cut to the Raimi verse. No, there is the there is the theory there there is the theory that when we first meet Toby, we're going to be in the Raimi verse, and that we will see Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane. That is out there. That is legit out there. But I'm saying, like, why not kill two birds with one stone and just fucking have Mary Jane and fucking Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire at the grave of Aunt May? Like, to really cement the fact that, like, this is a Peter Parker that's married to Mary Jane and Aunt May is dead. Like, this puts him, you know what I mean? It, way in the future of like where Tom Holland Spider Man is. Like this is a this is a Spider Man that's been around for a while, you know. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I do think that we're. I think we are going to see Kirsten Dunst back as Mary Jane. Not for a lot. Not for a big big portion of time. Do you think the No Way Home implies that that this Tom Holland might not return to the MCU for a while? That this Tom Holland might be sent to might be sent to like the the venom verse or something i was thinking it was more possible that it would be the other way around that one of the other spider-man has no way home and that they get to potentially stay in the mcu yeah i was yeah i was or, or maybe even a villain like you know how they like to do that twist it's kind of like the phantom menace twist like maybe maybe no way home is for norman osborne Oh no, it's called Spider-Man No Way Home. I don't think that they're going to fucking yeah. put the Norman. I was thinking that like I, you know, my original theory when we heard about like the possible Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield stuff was the fact that like in this world people thought that, you know, Spider-Man was a murderer and um, you know, by the end of this thing that uh, you know, maybe the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was like, man, this is a lot for you to handle, kid. I'll be the I'll be the Spider-Man in this universe, and and um, I'll fucking straighten this out, and you go into my universe, you know. And uh, I don't know that they would swap universes, and 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 Tobey would be the MCU Spider-Man just for for a short time before they, you know, before like Secret Wars, Secret Wars happened, and then. You know, they bring them back into our universe. I don't know. That'd be really cool. I, I love that idea. Yeah. That is a really great idea. I, I just feel like, like business wise, Tom Holland's been such a hit, like, especially with the, the younger crowd that I don't know if they would, the MC would want to move away from him. 
Um, no, 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 no. Like, definitely like not move he, away. Now, I'm talking about he, he would definitely come back for Secret Wars where it's like, uh, you know, all these different universes collide. And so that, that's when he comes back. Like, but like initially people would think like, oh, my God, he's gone. Like he's in the Venomverse or or. Yeah, he would probably go to like the Venomverse and like they would want to cross him over with the Venom character and stuff like that just for a short time. And I'm not talking I'm not talking like Tom Holland's gone. Tom Holland would come back to the MCU. They're not replacing Tom Holland. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and you know, may, we, but I don't think it's going to happen. There now. is some weight to that, though, because you could see Sony wanting to do something where they have Spider-Man, where they don't have to share him. Like yeah. they want. I think that I. I I think people are getting way too caught up in this whole thing that Sony doesn't want to share them. I think that Sony sees the benefit in having Spider-Man in the MCU. They, they should, right? <laughs> because it's yeah. been pretty I do. Successful. I think, it, Jake, I do. I think it's posturing and I think it's a lot of fabricating on fans. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe no, I'm I wrong. I agree with something else you've said in the past too, Brian. I think it's more of a move to make other Sony library Spider-Man movies relevant. Relevant. Yes. Like, that's big enough for Sony. Like, it's not so much, let's give us our character back. We're putting him in the Venom. Right. I, th- I think it's about... They you know, have they have cycled... Jake, they have cycled through this talent. character in two different actors. They've cycled through this character. They have basically... They went through three Raimi movies, and then they were like, no, we're done. People are done. We need to start over. And they cycled through Tobey Maguire. Then they went to Andrew Garfield, which was two movies and then those were done and they're like we can't hit a fucking billion dollars with this what the fuck they've cycled through two iterations of this character since 2002 and this is like the first one that where they've been able to like throw him into multiple movies and they've been really been able to 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 get some traction and 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 fucking get people excited about this and and I don't think that there's any – I think there's only so many stories they can tell when you're only working with Spider-Man characters. It all leads to Sinister Six, and then what do you do after that? You're done. You've got nothing else to work with. You need to have Spider-Man involved in these bigger crossover events, just like comic books. Like, the comic books always, like, you can read, like, the individual Spider-Man stories, but they all lead to, like, this big crossover event, like Civil War or Infinity War, where everybody comes together. You need to have them part of this bigger, broader Spider-Man universe. And I feel like Sony, if Sony's smart, and of course people are going to say, well, they're not. Okay, okay, I get okay, okay, (laughs) I get it, I get it. Anyway, if they're smart and they've been seeing the money... From these first two movies that have come out, if they're smart, they're going to want to keep him in this universe because there's always more stories to tell within the MCU. They just have access to more characters. And, um, I, Jake, I just, I I totally agree. Yeah. I I just worry with them making moves like, you know, doing their own Venom movie and stuff like that. Cause, and granted, I had a lot of fun with that Venom movie. I know you did too. I know there's plenty of people out there that thought that Venom movie was an affront because of the changes or, or nods that it didn't give to the source material. Do you think had they been patient and let the MCU come out with a version of Venom, it would have been more successful? 
And Venom was pretty successful. Yeah, Venom. I don't know I if you... it was even money wise still pretty successful. So maybe I don't have any legs to stand on here. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like you're not. I don't think you're ever getting a Venom solo movie within the MCU. No, I think I think no. Venom just shows up as a as a Spider Man villain. If Marvel Studios had complete control of the character and it wasn't this kind of like, you know, um, uh, joint deal between Marvel Studios and Sony, uh, where Kevin Feige is consulting them and, and giving them notes on like, you know, where the franchise could go and blah, 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 blah. I think that if Marvel Studios had control of the Spider-Man character, that we would never just get a Venom standalone film. It would just be, they would eventually move over to a Venom um, focused uh, film where Spider-Man, um, you know, encounters Venom. As go ahead. I love that idea. I think in this hypothetical universe right now, Val would be recruiting Venom as part of the Thunderbolt. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Venom would probably, you know, we'd see the the changes in the Venom character within the MCU. We would probably go into Agent Venom, and then from Agent Venom, Venom would probably join, you know, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, later on down the road, which has happened in the comic books, people. And, and see, that's kind of all the potential I was looking at with the character. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I think that, that we don't get a Venom solo movie unless... Sony does it. Is that's the only point I'm making? Yeah, I agree with that. Oh man, yeah, I love that Rick Remender Venom run where it's um, Flash Thompson. Yes, and, yes. Oh my god, yeah, so good, phenomenal. I loved Agent Venom. Yeah, very good stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, this, I, 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 I don't know, Jake. I think a lot of this, like Sony wanting. Sony wanting Spider-Man back stuff was like, it's, it's not getting him back. You've always had him. <laughs> these, these are still Sony movies. It's like, yeah, I mean, if anyone wants out of this deal, if anyone's getting the raw end of this deal, it's, it's, it's Disney, right? I mean, right. They're, they're the ones who's really putting this character on a pedestal and, and making it money hand over fist. I mean, That's I don't really think valid. Yeah, I don't think we're here without the, without Disney. If film. people don't understand the deal that was worked out with Sony is the fact that Sony finances the movie, but on the flip side, they get all the profits. Marvel Studios gets zero profits from Homecoming. They got zero profits from No Way Home, and they're going to uh, and uh, excuse me, Far From Home, and they're going to get no profits from No Way Home. Marvel gets no profits at all. This is all fucking cash. That Sony lines their fucking pockets with. This, they, and so they've cycled through two different actors in Spider-Man since 2002. In less than 20 years, they've cycled through two different actors. They've taken it five movies and they can only go, they can only go, they've only been able to go three movies deep before they have to fucking like start over again. And I feel like they have a universe now in which they have access to in, in the MCU where it broadens um, the stories that they can tell. I mean, for crying out loud, Marvel is leasing Benedict Cumberbatch to be in their movie, and Marvel's making 
zero dollars off of No Way Home, and they're letting them use their actor. It's an unprecedented deal, and I, I, I don't think that Sony. I, you have to be stupid as fuck to say, <laughs> okay, we're gonna pull this character, but we're gonna we're gonna take this character out of the MCU and just have him interact with Venom and Morbius, and 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 just that's it. Like we're we're taking our character back. Like it's it's like okay, you're taking your character back, but you're also taking it back you're also taking back the profits that you were getting from having him involved in the broader universe in the biggest fucking uh, the franchise that's going on right now. So much so that Martin Scorsese basically has to say that he hates Marvel movies in order for people to even know that the Irishman is coming. Irishman is coming out on fucking Netflix. I really do. I really, I listened to, what was it? Joe, did you listen to Quentin Tarantino and Rogan? Yeah. And didn't he say something about like Scorsese saying stuff about the Irishman? And how, like, Scorsese basically just brought more attention to his movie by, by shitting on the MCU. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah. It's been a while since I listened to that episode, but yeah, I, I know he had some interesting stuff to say about that. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going with any of this. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, it, yeah. I, I, I had up about... Sony is an idiot. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And, and you brought up a lot of really valid points there that I think it does... The people that have that concern that I had raised on the, is Sony going to make a stupid decision and pull this deal? I think you raised enough valid points to, to show they would I be well know. and truly stupid. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. really is the one that's, that's kind of getting the raw deal of it. We're talking about Even two, get, we're talking about two different studios that are fucking worth billions, okay? And yeah. I think at the end of the day, when, when we're hearing stories about Tom Holland leaving the MCU and we're hearing about like, you know, like, ooh, we might not get another deal worked out, I think it's all posturing. I think it's all like what Sony's just trying to get more out of the deal. And I think at the, when push comes to shove, Sony's going to fucking be like, okay, you win. All right. I, I, I think it's all posturing. I think, I think it's a great deal. I do. And you know, if, if, if Sony's stupid and they don't see it that way, then, and if they try to pull their character, they're just going to end up where they've always ended up. And, and they're going to run out of stories to tell. It's going to end with the Sinister Six. Wh- Jake, where do they go after that? I mean, they've always been trying to lead up to a Sinister Six movie. And once they finally get it, like, where do they go from there? I don't even think they know. And I think that, that they need the MCU as kind of like a crutch to keep these stories with Spider-Man going. Spider-Man just goes with the overall MCU. You have to have that character involved. We need, as fans, we need that character involved. And I think as a studio, they fucking finally realize that we have to have this character involved in the greater, in the greater MCU. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And that, I mean, for as much as I hate the fact that like, you know, Fox Studios is no more, I am looking forward to seeing like fucking Wolverine, a new Wolverine in the MCU and like what Kevin Feige could do with the X-Men and shit. Yeah, give me 10 years away from the fucking Phoenix saga, but like give me the Phoenix saga 10 years from now under the direction of Kevin Feige. Speaking of fucking Wolverine, did you guys see the fucking teaser trailer for that Wolverine video game from the Spider-Man Sony people? I, I did not. I, I, I've been purposely ignoring PS5 shit because I'm just so annoyed at how impossible it is. I am too, but I had to watch. I don't want to see any of their bullshit. I had to watch the trailer. 
Yeah, I'm getting sick of every fucking article about like, oh, more PS5s are going to be in stock. It's like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's this been sure for a year now, and I haven't seen a single fucking one. It's the stupidest thing ever. It is and fucking it, stupid. And are, they, are they still going to be like eight or nine hundred dollars? Because I mean, who the fuck has money to blow on that? I mean, oh, it's so expensive. I that's think they're the secondhand. People that's secondhand. People are selling it for. You can get it for like four or five hundred dollars if you find it. If yeah. you oh, pick one up for four hundred, in my mind, I can, I can. I can find a place where that's reasonable for for you know a a, a brand new technology cutting edge gaming system. Four hundred seems reasonable, but yeah, the people paying like close to a thousand. I'm like, no way. Did you watch that trailer, Joe, for the game? No, I've kind of been doing the same thing. It's like I'm not going to be able to get a PS5. Yeah. So, well, I get excited about something that I it will just stress it, me out that I can't have. Exactly, because that's where I was when the that Spider-Man game came out for PS4, and everyone was loving that. And I was like, well, I've got a PS4. And I, I did look at the trailers for that. I'm like, it looks awesome, and I still want to play it to this day, but I'm, I'm not going to go spend money on a PS4. Dude, the fucking – it's not actual gameplay, but it's like a cinematic scene and shit. And they're all like – it's like in a bar, like a like a kind of like a country western bar or something like that, and then you know they, you look around the bar and like all these guys have just been fucking like beat up or sliced up and shit. And one guy gets up and he's like going, Wolverine's just sitting down at a bar after he's probably fucked up everybody in there, and I think he's like drinking a beer or some shit. And this one guy gets up and he's coming at Wolverine with like a knife or whatever the fuck. And then all of a sudden you see like the fucking claws schnicked and you're just like, oh shit. And then the, then the, the cinematic scene ends, but it's like, fuck dude. Yeah, I, I get it, man. It's like that, that would be like the one reason I want that fucking system is to play a Wolverine game. And it's like, who knows when the fuck those systems are going to be available for everybody. Dude, it even felt like during the pandemic, like you couldn't get your hands on a Switch there for a while, which had been out for a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, now every time I go to Target or Walmart, they definitely have Switches. So like, they do. You're right. Yeah. It, it was a, a drought for a minute. Yeah. But the PS5, a drought. the PS5 is like, this drought. the PS5 is like fucking like a, like a unicorn. You're not going to find that motherfucker. Like, and they, I don't think they've ever been on the shelves. You got to buy them online. Oh, yeah. I would fucking overdraft if I saw a PS5 out in the wild. I don't give a fuck. I'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) I would fucking rob a motherfucker standing next to me if I saw one. (laughs) Yeah, I would grab that shit. uh, I just couldn't say no at this point. Yeah. Andrew Garfield and Charlie Cox are still denying their involvement in Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, Speaking with Variety. Andrew Garfield admits the idea is exciting, but again, denies his involvement. Even as he knows whatever he says won't be believed by some fans, quote, I understand why people are freaking out about the concept of that, because I'm a fan as well. You can't help but imagine scenes and moments of, oh my God, how fucking cool would it be if they did that? But it's important for me to say on the record that this is not something I'm aware I am involved in, but I know I'm not going to be able to say anything that will convince anyone that I don't know what's happening. No matter what I say, I'm fucked. It's either going to be really disappointing for people or it's going to be really exciting. And uh, I am calling, and I know, Jake, Joe, we're all calling bullshit on this. Yeah. I sent you guys. Yeah. We, we've never swayed on this. Well, I yeah, we've never swayed on this. Here's the thing. 
I, you know, I've posted pictures. I've sent up pictures to you guys of Andrew Garfield on the set, a possible picture of Garfield and Toby Maguire on the set. And then this week I sent you guys an HD video. It's a very short HD video of Andrew Garfield on the set of No Way Home. Um, it's the first time I've seen, I've seen the picture, but I've never seen the video and I've never seen the HD video. And I sent it to you guys. Did you guys get a chance to watch that? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Garfield is a hundred percent in this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. A thousand percent. I will break math to say that he is in this movie. Yeah. 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 A thousand percent. Um, Charlie Cox, meanwhile, has laughed over the recent speculation that his forearms could be seen in the recent No Way Home trailer, a belief that was shattered when the IMAX version of the trailer revealed it was a different actor. I still believe that um, um, I did jump the gun. I thought it was Cox at the beginning. Me I too, did. Th- me too. I jumped the gun. But I do think that immediately after this, I think we're going to get like a good cop, bad cop scene here of like guys pressuring, you know, uh, Peter. You know, and then I do think that immediately after that, I do think Charlie Cox's Matt Murdock will show up in that room and, uh, basically, uh, be his lawyer going forward. I, I do, I'm not gonna put the thousand percent on this one, but I am gonna say, I will say 99.9% sure that Charlie Cox will be showing up as Matt Murdock in this movie. And when he does, if he doesn't, I, I'll eat crow, but until then, I do believe that Charlie Cox is going to be in this movie. Anyway, this uh, Cox, meanwhile, has laughed over the recent speculation that his forearms could be seen. Uh, Cox is rumored to be reprising his role of Daredevil lead Matt Murdock in the film. However, while out promoting his new film, Ken, uh, Cox tells Iris Examiner that it was impossible, as he was essentially in lockdown in Ireland shooting Ken. Even as the rumors got so pervasive, both his friends, members of the crew believed it. Quote, there, there was a fan on the Kin crew. I came to work one day and the rumor had come out that I was filming in Atlanta and he asked me like it was a sensible question. And I was like, I've been here every day with you on set, but I think he was so hopeful that he was still like, is it true? I had to say to him, how would it be true? Even if I had a few days off, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not allowed to fly anywhere. What are you talking about? Did he think Captain America came to get me? So he's playing it off like he's not in this movie as well. And I still think that there is a very big chance that Charlie Cox shows up as Matt Murdock, not as Daredevil, but as Matt Murdock in this movie. And I still think there's a big chance that we're going to see him as that character in the She-Hulk series as well. I don't think that they're done with him. And I mean, no, 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 not She-Hulk. Not She-Hulk. That I said, take that rumor with a grain of salt. In the She-Hulk series, I think it's Vincent D'Onofrio. If we get anybody in the She-Hulk series, uh, no, was it She-Hulk or was it Hawkeye? <laughs> it was Hawkeye. Vinny D is going to be in Hawkeye, and um, I'm not sure about Matt Murdock and She-Hulk. I, I'm. It, it's that's fifty-fifty for me. I don't think that Matt Murdock's going to show up in the Hawkeye series. They've been saying that there were that there were scheduling conflicts for that one, so we just expect to see Vincent D'Onofrio as um, Kingpin in um, the Hawkeye series. But 
you we might get a chance to see uh Matt Murdock or Daredevil in She Hulk. So I don't know, man. I still think that we're gonna see him as Peter's lawyer in in um no way home. I, I think so. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat crow, whatever. I'm just, I, I, my, my, my fingers are crossed and, and I'm very hopeful that we will see. He was so beloved as that character. That first and third season, oh, yeah. that first and third season were just fucking magic. Like, Joe, I want to go back and watch like the first season and then I'll, I guess I'll suffer through the second season. And then <laughs> I, the third season was glorious. Yeah, yeah, that show was a lot of fun. I I think of that um, his and Jessica Jones seasons were both really good. Yeah, of, of the of those Netflix shows. Did yeah, you like first did season you... of of Daredevils? It's just amazing. Well, third season was fucking good too. Yeah, and that was with um, um, Bullseye, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've not revisited those for a while. I should. I, that sounds really good. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the Charlie Cox stuff, though. I'm not a thousand percent yeah, Garfield, yeah, yeah. I'm like three hundred and fifty percent on it. Dude, I'm um, hopeful. I'm super fucking hopeful. And if I'm fucking wrong, I'll eat crow. Whatever. But I'm super hopeful that man, we will see um Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox, Matt Murdock in 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 No Way Home, man. That would make so many people happy to see that man that would be to have him as peter's lawyer oh my god i would be so fucking happy this conversation is getting me so excited for i I think the the no way home opening night is going to be one of those just like electrifying premieres where it's just like they're doing a good job keeping a lot of stuff under wraps i think people are very very excited I, if Charlie yeah, Cox shows yeah. up, the place is going to fucking blow down. Like all the returning heroes and well, villains from other franchises. I'm convinced. Up. I'm oh convinced. Jake, I'm convinced. And this is what I've been reading on Reddit is that, uh, both of the Spider-Men, um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are 100% going to be showing up in the second trailer that gets released. And I think I've heard that too. And I believe it. I do too. In my perfect world, we would not do that. In my perfect world, we would not do that. But in a world that's in the midst of a pandemic, and if you want to sell this movie and get people's butts in seats in December to watch this movie, you have to show them you know Toby Maguire I, I, and Andrew Garfield. I disagree. I used to agree with that 100%. But now after seeing the numbers with and Shang-Chi? the most watched trailer of all time, yeah, I... I you know, I don't. I don't think they need it at all. I, I think honestly, it could be more gangbusters not showing it. Like I make people have to see whether it's true or not. I, I think the, the trailer. Uh, the only reason I'm saying true. this is pandemic is, and and I know that like Shang Chi is like a success as far as like what it's done in the box office, but as far as the Marvel movies that it beat out for like the first weekend, it beat out. Captain America, the first Avenger, it beat out, you know, the first Thor movie. It's not like it's beating out, you know, it's not beating out Black Panther. It's not beating out, uh, it may have beat out the first Ant-Man, but it's not beating out like some of these other movies, you it know. It beat its holiday though. Like it, it is the best Labor Day of all time regardless. Well, yeah, Labor Day is not known for it. I, I realized that's why I was like, you know, very specific about sure. it. Sure. 
Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I maybe in this in this world you do need to do it, but I, I don't know. I'm I think I'm, I'm I a think lot more skeptical now than I was. Listen, I think in a perfect world we don't get the reveal that both Spider Men are in the movie. It gets a phenomenal debut because it's going to be huge. It's a Spider Man movie. Uh, Tom Holland. People love that character. I think with people going to see the movie, leaving the theater, word of mouth saying, oh my god, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are also in this movie. Then I think like, uh, you know, as far as like these Marvel movies having like this huge drop off in the second week during the pandemic, as far as I know, I'm talking about Black Widow and I'm, um, you know, just a huge drop off in the second week. I think like the second week for Spider-Man in a perfect world could even be bigger than, you know, even that first week, like, or just like about even, you know, like you're going to get more people just fucking out of curiosity being like, Oh my God, I remember watching that fucking Tobey Maguire movie when I was a kid. I love Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. I got to go see this fucking movie. So second week people are coming out. Oh man, it feels like that musty event of the year. It's, it's the movie that people that don't go see movies are going to go see. Yeah. It it really feels that way. It's, it's going to be gangbusters. It's It's my God. It's Tobey Maguire back as a character. Like I, I love this. And I love the fact that like in the new flash, movie like fucking michael keaton's coming back as batman you know like these are it's huge it's huge to see like these characters can you imagine like if uh like in a perfect world we would have seen uh christopher reeve come back as superman and something you know what i mean like can you imagine that like uh yeah yeah we got him in smallville and i know there, not, not i know as superman I'm i remember and I loved seeing him there too, but it was. But Doctor Swan. Yeah, it, what, was it Doctor Swan? Yeah. I think so. Like he had like the Swan Foundation because even after Christopher Reeve died, mm-hmm. he still continued his character storyline and like the stuff he had set up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, man. Yeah, I think uh, I think Spider Man has. Uh, I, yeah, we're definitely getting Toby. I'm well. I, jury's still out on Daredevil, Matt Murdock, but we'll see. I I still think he's in there. I still think that we're, I still think we're gonna find him in there, guys. That's it. That's it. I think I don't have anything else. I don't think I have anything else. Unless like, did you guys see the um, uh, pictures of uh, the Squirrel girl? <laughs> oh yeah, I did post that the Squirrel Girl video from New Warriors, the yeah, the show that yeah. ever came out. But I was gonna say the DC news of. Um, they showed two of Aquaman's new suits. For oh, the... I saw that as well. Oh, yeah, I saw those. And it looks like Ocean Master's coming back. Did you see, um, what's his name? Patrick. What's his name? The actor from, uh. Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Did you see, like, the fully bearded Patrick Wilson picture? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it looks like he's coming back as Ocean Master. Sweet. Yeah. I love Patrick Wilson. Yeah, he I was great. Patrick that Warburton. first one, too. <laughs> Patrick Warburton. Yeah. You stole love my it. Jesus fish, didn't you? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all I got. I don't think I have any more news, guys. Did you have any more like Marvel news or DC news that, that I missed? Mm, oh, there, mind. there was the four new Marvel movies that they announced. So it looks like we're going to four new Mar- four Marvel movies a year. And then it looks like the director, the new director 
for the Blade movie said something like he's not beholden to comic book canon. So we could see some different stuff going on in the Blade movie, the Mahershala Ali Blade movie, that he's not beholden to comic book canon as far as the Blade character's concerned. Maybe I'm quoting that wrong, but uh, that... that that's weird, yeah, that's weird, though. I mean, who is? Yeah. I mean, they, they really only take it as a loose guide in a lot of the MCU. And and it's successful in most cases, too. Like, look what they had to do with Shang-Chi to, make, to turn that into a decent movie. Blade reboot will pay respects to Wesley Snipes' trilogy. Oh, yeah. Blade director Basam Tariq opens up about why there is no Blade canon when mapping out new MCU film. So it's really the only Blade news that I saw that that that, that has really kind of come out here. He uh, has. Yeah, it was nice to be reminded that they're still going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. Mahershali, what do you think, Jake? Oh yeah, we've talked about this. I don't know if we need to talk about it again, but like the fact that uh, you know, Blade. Well, I mean, are they going to go to a PG thirteen rating on this bitch? Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, we talked I, about it. I don't know. I think it's going to be weird if it's not R, but I, I don't know if they're going to pull that trigger. This is what I mean, he's... We, we, we talked about Deadpool 3 a lot yeah. in reference to this. Like, if that if that makes tons of fucking money, then maybe we go that direction. You know what? You know what? Oh, here's what he said. He said, character is very important for me. I don't think of, I don't think of genre. I think of character. It's so It's not so boxed in as people imagine it to be working with Marvel Studios. It's quite exciting, and I think the reality is there is no Blade canon, you know? If you ever read the comics, they're always changing. Unfortunately, the comic book series never lasted that long. So, it's like, fuck, man. I think, like, whatever this dude does, it sounds like he's prepping us that he's gonna do something new with the character here. So... Yeah, it makes me think when he says stuff like that, it makes me think they're going to make some radical change that he's like kind of like baby stepping us into accepting. Yeah. Well, yeah. are there any like quintessential Blade storylines that are like must reads? Because it almost sounds like he's pointing out that, you know, there's there's not any. I think if you ask the fans, they're going to tell you yes. And this guy is basically yeah. just saying, no, there's not. OK, because <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me. Then, yeah. Yeah. You should go read Rise of the Midnight Suns, you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I guess those are the tweets I'm looking for because then I actually know what Blade comics to go look for. (laughs) He's gonna give, he's gonna give Blade a slash top hat in this next movie. Oh, all right, guys. That's all I got for you this week. We'll be back next week uh, with a with an all new uh, episode. Uh, <laughs> that's how this show works. Um, <laughs> don't don't reveal the magic. Again. I know, I know. I'm, I'm I'm giving you a look behind the curtain. Ooh ah. Um, yeah, but we'll be back next week with a new one. And then, uh, the next week we won't have a new episode. And then guess what? The week after that we won't have a new one. Uh, we'll return in, uh, um, was it October? October 9th or something, I think is like when we'll return. I'm taking, taking two weeks off. I've 
taking one week off for just just personal week to take off and then uh, i gotta and then the other weekend i'm i'm painting the house i've got family coming in and we're all gonna be painting my house a sh- a nice shade of gray jake <laughs> Maybe. give it give it a touch of gray it's uh well right now it's white but it's uh god damn it i'm just uh gonna pressure wash it and get some of the fucking dirt off this siding and then and then uh gonna be gonna be painting this fucking bitch so yeah i don't know which gray i gotta go i gotta go to the hardware store and find out what shade of gray i would like it and here's the thing if you're looking at it in the hardware store that is not, that's not the same. It's gonna look different when it's outside in the sunlight. There's a difference between looking at paint under UV lights inside, uh, fluorescent lights inside, and then looking at them, uh, outside. So I'm gonna actually have to, I'm gonna have to walk outside with the, with the, with the, with the paint samples, <laughs> Jake. I'm gonna have to walk outside and look at them. Yeah, that's smart. I, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I just had that happen with, I, I built a garden shed in the backyard from one of those kits you can get. And then when I painted it, I wanted it to be like a really dark red color. Yeah. And it, I, it looked like a dark red sample in the store. And then when I, the first few up and downs on the brush, I was like, Oh, good Lord. I'm going to have a hot pink shed. Oh, and God. Then, but then as, as the paint dried, it was less pink and it was more just a very vibrant, almost like comic book red. Mm. And so like, my shed is like it's fucking like it's red like all caps <laughs> but at ah. least it's not pink but but yeah it's like those fluorescent lights in the store really fucked me over on my paint card uh, joe's shed triggered a teenage girl's first menstrual cycle <laughs> sorry that was that was all right. that was one of those i know that was one of those jokes <laughs> That was one of those jokes where it's like, I'm throwing it out there. I'm going to see how they react. Because like, <laughs> I knew it was going to be like, should we laugh? Like, I don't know if that's funny or not. Could I get canceled for laughing at that one? I don't know. Oh, my God, guys. You've seen fucking that big mouth show. They talk about menstrual cycles and all that shit. Jesus Christ. It's a natural process. <laughs> It's still so hot. Jake's like, it's just still so fresh, Brian. I just don't know. I can't process it. I thought you said you were going to end the episode. (laughs) I just wanted to end that beer. Whoa, did I only drink five tonight? Good for you, buddy. I'd be dead. After five, no, I could, I get seriously, usually, usually I finish six and I'm like, uh, sometimes seven. So. Oh, Dude, if I'd have had one beer, I would have spoiled malignant. Oh my God. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you, you, I think you were sober when you fucking spoiled fucking Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Joe! Yes, sir. Where can people find you, man, when you're not on Pop Culture Leftovers? Yeah, you can find me on my podcast, Startcast. We do long-form conversations. Or you can find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. Recently on uh, Startcast, I haven't listened to the episode yet. I promise I will. 
I've been too busy listening to Talk of Love with host Lacey Skulls, where she talks to the... I talked about that earlier. But uh, I haven't... You most recently interviewed uh, Handy Greg. How did that go? Oh, it was so much fun, dude. That guy makes me laugh so much. And, um, you know, StarCast is funny, too, because before we started recording, me and him were talking about one thing, and then I was like, you know what, let's just save this. Let's just hit record and get into it. And then... We talk about something completely different. We never get back to that subject at all. <laughs> so I mean, that's just how those those episodes go. It's that we just we literally jump from tangent to tangent to tangent. And and having a guest like Greg on is is always so much fun. Um, you know, I've I've been on episodes of PCL with him. I've I've hung out with him in person at C two E two a couple times, and and it, me and him have always clicked really well. So I knew it was going to be a great episode. And yeah, he just had me cracking up the whole time. He's got a ton of really great stories. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Handy Greg's a great guy. I love having him on the podcast. Um, oh, uh, Patreon. We're still doing pop culture leftovers. Patreon. Um, gonna be recording a new episode tomorrow, and then next month. I think it's next month. Uh, might get one out this month, but at least next month we're gonna be doing another top twenty. And going to be talking about top 20 90s songs. And not just like our favorite songs, but songs that take us back to a place in the 90s. So like it's like a song that has a story. Because like music, I could associate music with like a stories um, in my life. Like a, a song will take me back to a place, back to a memory. And we're going to be talking about memories that we have of these of these songs. Like where does this... what what. What's this song from the nineties connects me to like this moment. And, uh, the nineties for me is just like, it's like, you know, the nineties started when I was 12 and the nineties ended when I was like 21. So like, it's a big, it's a big chunk of like, you know, preteen all through my teens and then like into adulthood. And so, yeah, those are the formative years right there. Very, yeah. And I like, as far as like my stories in the nineties, I'm not going to be holding back. I'm going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to be spilling some things in my life that I've never shared on the podcast. And, um, just, yeah, yeah. Cause there's a lot of, and we all have our stories. We all have our stories, but I'm really going to just tap into, um, this music and then like things that have happened throughout my life because there have been times in my life where, um, just fucking, you wouldn't believe some of the shit that, that, and I'm, and I'm sure, you know, Paul is on those episodes, Paul from, uh, Apple to Oranges podcast and, and Dan from Heroes of Noise. He's on that podcast and we're going to be doing these top twenties from the nineties. And I'm sure they're going to bring some amazing stories from their lives, but, uh, I am not going to be holding back. I am not going to be holding back. I am going to, I am going to be bringing up maybe embarrassing stories, um, maybe some things that people just don't know about me. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And if you're not a Patreon subscriber, it's totally cool. But if you are, um, or if you're just even mildly curious, like you can, uh, it's six bucks a month, uh, to listen to these episodes. I promise to bring you two new episodes every month. And, uh, if you sign up for it, you can go back and you can listen to, the all of the top 20 toys episodes that we've done we've had some cutting roof cutting room floor episodes where we talk about stories in the news that we didn't get to on the show um 
but the the top twenty the top twenty episodes are super fun. That's where I think we really have a chance to kind of like, you know, just talk about like the top twenty toys. I just had a blast doing that, Joe. I know you had a good time listening to those. They were, uh, yeah. I was gonna say if if you're not a Patreon subscriber and you love listening to PCL, it's worth just at least getting it for one month and checking these out because those top twenty episodes are fantastic. The one that I always come to mind that I always tell people is is like the chief example of what you're missing out if you're not getting the PCL Patreon is the episode where you tell the story about the shitty gifts that, <laughs> that your one that your one aunt would give. And then you give examples and then you call your sister unprompted. She has no idea you're going to be calling. And she lists the same examples. <laughs> it is just fucking perfect, dude. It's like, I remember messaging you like live while I'm listening to that episode. And you're like, this is incredible, dude. This is so funny. And, you know, people who've listened to the show a lot, they know that you have a close relationship with your sister and that you hang out with her a lot. And so getting to hear her on the podcast was kind of a treat for a longtime listener and, um, yeah, there are definitely things that people shouldn't be sleeping on because it's just more great PCL content. Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying. I like. Here's the thing. It's like I'm not just. I'm not trying to like, you know, make a. I'm not trying to fucking like be a shell and make a quick buck. I'm like, I'm really like this is extra stuff that I just can't get into on the regular show. And if you want to help out uh, with the show and still get some form of entertainment and uh, and help us out like this helps this helps us out. This helps me fucking like, you know, pay for the website, pay for um, the podcast host, um, which uh, we use Libsyn. And with the amount of hours that we put into this show, it runs me anywhere from, you know, 40 to 50 bucks a month to have the show hosted on Libsyn. Um, and then it also helps me and Jake go to the movies and, and get all these fucking streaming services and shows that we talk about every week. So I want to thank everybody that is a Patreon and, and uh, everybody who donates to the show and anybody who listens every week. I, I really do. Uh, here's the thing. Like, I think this week is like, it's been the week of me focusing on the voices of people that absolutely hate me and despise me. And it's been a rough week for me. Um, but, uh, and I think that those voices have kind of like overshadowed the people that do enjoy the show and listen because they do love it. Um, so it's just been a hard week for me as far as you put yourself out there and it's like, God damn it. I just, I can't imagine being, um, this is not even, I can't imagine being like, uh, like a Ryan Johnson or, you know what I mean? Like after the last Jedi come out and all those people hated oh, it, it, I can't dude, imagine it, what at he that goes point through. of celebrity. You yeah. can, you can't read comments, no. you can't read tweets, you can't read reviews because people, they, you get that level of keyboard comfort where you're just writing stuff and nobody knows really who you are. Even if you are a blue check mark person on Twitter and everybody knows who you are, get that comfort you're just typing shit out and uh, it gets to a point where don't don't read it It, because the bad shit that's mixed in there it's it's not worth what it's going to do to your psyche because the the thing that's easy to forget when you're just reading messages and it's just a picture attached to somebody you're missing out on that nuance how many times do you meet somebody in real life and within the first like fucking seven seconds of them talking you've already made the judgment oh this is a moron and their opinion ain't worth shit to me so I'm not going to listen to them. You don't get any of that context when it's just a message coming into you digitally. Yeah. And it's, it's not worth it, man. Just, ah, 
Yeah, this fucking they, those people can go fuck themselves because <laughs> what you guys are doing on PC out here is great. It's something that that me and a fuckload of other listeners look forward to every week. And for a a, a vocal minority, you know, to be to be fucking with you. Those are the those they're, that are revi- not worth your time. Those are the reviews that you remember, though, Joe. I, it's the fucked up thing. It's like you can hear you can hear there can be fucking a hundred reviews. And there's one review where somebody fucking just fucking says like the worst things about you, and that's the one that you remember. Yeah, it's and they're tr- probably a mouth breather, breather that's ultimately a very damaged and miserable person themselves. So I mean, what what wh- what is the opinion of somebody like that truly worth? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> nice easier said Joe. than done. I've, tr- I've tried me. this before too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and I know it's easier said than done, and you know, yeah. But, but well and truly, fuck those people. It's just been a it's yeah, it's been a fuck themselves. It's just been a rough week with me and social media, and to the point where it's like I think I really do need to just, I you know I've been talking about doing like this social media cleanse for a couple weeks, which honestly I think it might just turn into a permanent thing where I just I in order for me to keep doing this show and keep bringing people content that they love every week for the people that do love it I might just have to like take a back seat and and not be involved in responding to anyone online it's just I just fucking I don't know if I can do it anymore <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. I mean, you you shouldn't have to be the one that filters through all of it and gets put in a position where you have to read the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's like, if, oh god, if you don't like me, I'm sorry, I can't change. Like this is take it or leave it. Just or take it or oh god, it's I. And it's also, my fault though. Like it's my people. fault though. I fucking do this show every week, Joe. I put myself yeah, in this fucking position every fucking week to give people. It's fucking yeah. online. When the fuck have like any time? Ha- when the fuck have any like re- YouTube commenters given anyone fucking uh, hardly any respect? Some of the there's it's fucking it's Moss Eisley out there on the internet. It's scum no, and villainy. It absolutely is. It, it's it. it uh, there's just fucking shithole people everywhere and. Even if you don't like something in, in, in the, it's, it's right there. You can go in, you can leave a shitty review, a shitty rating. You can send a, an email to somebody and, and give them some horrible thought. You can also not. Like, why, why put more shit in this? I get it. I get it. Into the they world. don't get it though. The, no, they don't. They don't, they're they don't fucking shit. understand that they're the same, fu- they're doing the same fucking shit that they read about where fucking people get bullied online and then fucking end up fucking killing themselves and shit. They're, they're fucking doing the exact same fucking shit that, 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 that other people are doing and then people take it and they're just, and then, and then they, and then, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm gonna, I'm, seriously, there's nobody that's fucking writing anything that on, on one of these fucking review sites or whatever that's gonna fucking have me take my life. I, there's nothing. I'm just saying that they're fucking, it's no different than that. It's no different. I've had, you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe the things that people have fucking said to me in emails. You wouldn't believe. I've, I've opened up about like my, my past and personal stuff about how I've had like, you know, this, this bad relationship with par- my parents and stuff like that. I've had people use that against me in emails to the point where it's like, I'm scared to open emails. 
And, um, oh man. Yeah, but that's not right to throw that shit. Like, you know, it's real courageous to bring that shit up. People are real assholes to try to throw that shit against you. Yeah. These are, <clears throat> excuse me. These are damaged people, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And, I, I think the biggest stance you can take on shit emails and messages and stuff like that is to look at it and just say, wow, I feel sorry for that person and I hope they can find peace. But then well, I also feel that vengeful side where it's just no fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. You, you don't need to be doing that. There, there's no value in what you're doing. Do you, like, does that person like, like in speaking to that person, do you feel better when you do that? Do you feel, do, does it make your candle burn burn brighter when you blow out the one next to you like didn't you fucking learn anything in elementary school about getting along with people it's people like that that ruin the fucking world around us how how fucking hard is it to just be nice to somebody to just treat somebody else or just shut the fuck up like why do you have to fucking say anything at all it it goes back to like if you have nothing nice to say don't say anything at all so exactly you know yeah because it's so easy to just not (laughs) <laughs> but no anything anything that I've ever said mean on this show has either been either I'm drunk or it's all just been me busting balls. Well yeah, and it's it's people that that just don't get your sense of humor. Me apparently. well true. And, and the people who listen all the time that then are like, oh, it's like, do you just not get Brian's sense of humor? What the fuck is wrong with you? If I've ever had, like me and Jake, if we've ever gotten into it on the podcast, there's always been like that next day fucking text message where it's like, dude, I'm sorry. Every fucking oh, yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. I, it's happened both ways. Yes, it has. A hundred fucking percent. Both ways. And it's happened with guests that I've had on the show where it's like I felt like maybe I fucking rode them a little too hard. And they'll get a message saying, dude, I'm really sorry. And it's like, but then it turns into this whole fucking thing within the PCL community where it's like everybody's fucking attacking me over this shit. And it's like, yeah, Jesus I get where you're coming Christ. from, Brian, too, because it, it stifles our creativity when you get when you read shit like that. You know, it makes you like, even though, you know, it's bullshit, you like second guess what you should or shouldn't be saying. Right. And it, it stifles the free the, the free flow we have of creativity and just, you know, cracking wise and busting people's balls. And it's yeah. like, oh, I don't want to go too far. And you're. Offend whoever the fuck, you know, it's well, that, even though, you know, you, it's, you shouldn't, it still like creeps into your brain and you, you can't help. Like it's still, it's cause and effect, you know? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm just, uh, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I'm just being a pusshole. I'll, I'll hear about it if I am. Trust me. Believe me. <laughs> oh, I'll hear about oh, it. Oh boy. Yeah. It's, it's a, you, the, you never want me to just read all these emails. I promise you all my responses will say, fuck you. And then I'll not read anything I've, else from I, that person. I've done that before. I've also, I don't know. I've done that before. It doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. It just, it, they, they want, they want that response. It just gives them more validation that they should have sent it in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Here we go. <laughs> We're gonna hear about this. I won't because I won't be reading your emails. I pr- I promise you. I, I'll be deleting everything. So, all right, guys. Joe, thank you, sir. I, you know, I can always try. I can always. I can always count on Joe to be a friend. You know, thank you for being yeah. a friend. <laughs> <laughs> travel down the road and back again. I, you know, I, I do. I kind of want to play the Golden Girls theme song right now. Yeah, play us out. 
<laughs> Here we go. I'll probably get a fucking YouTube commercial before it because they love to do that shit. Some little bitch about that. Yeah, they'll do the. <laughs> Come on. Here, here's the commercial. Did you really? It's a Reese's commercial. <sighs> Smoking. Thank you for being great. Oh, that's, that's hot. Down the road back again. <laughs> What's that, Jake? I said I already feel better. Yeah. They got a picture of all the Golden Girls ladies here on this YouTube video I'm looking at. Most of them are dead, Jake. I know, I know. I always think that when I watch old concerts and stuff, I'm like, I bet half this audience is dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Old concerts? Oh, yeah, that girl's that girl screaming over Paul McCartney right now? She's dead. <laughs> yeah, she's long gone. <laughs> she's throat cancer. <laughs> So oddly specific. I know that's throat cancer. I do that with uh, I watch like a lot of like seventies and eighties sitcoms, and there'll there'll be like a like a pet, a dog or a cat, and I'm like, ah, fuck, that dog's dead. Did you see just recently that um, Sylvester Stallone still has his turtles from the original Rocky? Really, Cuff and Link? I saw that. Yeah, yeah, he showed a picture of like this week of him with the original turtle still. Ah, Cuff and Link. Are they really named Cuff and Link? I don't. I don't. I don't know about their names, if that's still their official names, but they're still alive and kicking, and he has possession of them. Oh, that's awesome. My my dad was a big fan of the uh, Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan, and they had the chimpanzee on uh, that show, Cheetah, and uh, found out, like, I, this was like 10, 15 years ago, we found out that that cheetah, was, that cheetah, that chimpanzee was still alive, and whoever owned this chimpanzee like they would give they, he would paint this chimpanzee they'd give him a paintbrush and he would paint and uh so uh me and my sister pitched in and bought him a painting that uh the chimpanzee from these old johnny weissmuller tarzan movies we bought him a painting that this <laughs> fucking chimpanzee painted that's an awesome fucking gift. I bet he appreciated that. Oh, he loved it. My dad's like a huge Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan fan. So, yeah, he fucking loved it. My dad also loves, uh, he also loved Don Knotts from Andy Griffith, and I bought him a oh, hard dot, too. Yeah. Did you ever watch The Ghost and Mr. Chicken? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, I loved that when I was a kid. It's so good. Yeah. Um, oh, and I looked it up. It is Cuff and Link. And they're yeah, 44 too. years old now. They're how old? 46. Um, the article's from 2019. Oh, you're right. Wow. 46-year-old turtles. That's wild. Well, think about, like, those fucking, those those big-ass fucking turtles that live, like, over 100 years and shit. They're, yeah, yeah. That's crazy this article made the rounds, because I, I, I assume you saw it this week, too, Joe, and it's a two-year-old article. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> don't don't some of those like koi fish live a long time? I think the koi do live a really long time. Yeah, koi fish. Yeah, nah. they can. Koi fish lifespan twenty five to thirty five years. That's long for a fish, though. Catfish can live up to sixty years. 
Hold on. Can koi fish live? Get scary big too. Listen to this shit. Can koi fish live 200 years? Reportedly, koi fish can live for much longer in the optimal conditions, and there are supposedly many koi who live over 100 years. However, the oldest koi on the list lived for over 200 years and had its age scientifically verified. 200 years! Jesus. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a long time to be a fish. Yeah. What, What animal lives the longest? I mean, isn't it like a reptile? Maybe I, I don't know. What animal I was lives? I guess it was a Galapagos uh, tortoise. Bowhead whale, potentially two hundred plus years old. Bowhead bowhead whales nice. are the longest living mammals. What animal has the longest lifespan? Bowhead whale. Is it a? Oh, but they're showing a picture of a fucking turtle. But it says macaws can live up to 80 years. Yeah, they can. Yeah, those things are crazy smart, too. Oh, fucking uh, macaws uh, are super smart. Crows and crows are really smart, too. The crows can hold on grudges against is... specific humans, too. Mm-hmm. I you saw know that. A... Like, they recognize people. The parrot? The macaws? No, crows do. Oh. Like crows that you see out in the wild, like if you do something, like you walk outside and you shoo a crow away in your yard, there's a really good chance that, that crow's going to live a long life and going to fucking hate you for a long time. Oh my god, well you, you've seen the movie The Crow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to cross them. Do not cross the crow. Don't kill their fiance. Because <laughs> a year later they're going to come back and they're going to fucking kill you. What a great movie. Did you know Brandon Lee, that's who... uh that's who Stan Lee wanted to play Shang-Chi uh, back in the 90s, if they made a yeah. Shang-Chi. I do remember that. Yeah. We're still recording. I, I played the Golden Girls theme song like five minutes ago. We're still recording. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it says a Greenland shark can live 300 to 500 years. I saw that too. A Greenland shark. What is this? The what? immortal jellyfish. The immortal jellyfish. That sounds like a a failed Marvel comics character. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it makes all the heroes go around peeing on each other to relieve the stings. <laughs> Some people be into that. Right. <laughs> I think I watched a video on that. Yeah, me too. Yesterday. <laughs> I had my cock in hand, Jake, as I watched yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a disturbing masturbation joke. Um, ocean, the ocean quahog, quahog, two hundred to five hundred years. It's a clam. Isn't that like the Family Guy mascot or something like that? That's Quagmire. Oh, okay. I thought it was like it's like the quahog. Isn't the that mascot. the name? Isn't that the name of the town they live in? Quahog. Yeah, it sounds familiar, like it's from some animated show. Yeah, this clam tops the list. It's one of the longest lifespans recorded of any marine non-vertebrate. 200 to 300 years for this clam. Greenland shark, 300 to 500 years. You see the eyeball in that thing? Looks like a human eyeball. Bowhead whale, 200 years. Yeah, hyacinth macaw, 30 to 70 years. And the red sea urchin, 200 years. Rough-eye rockfish. Fucking, do you think they fucking 
they crowd surf and shit? Do you think they fucking headbang? <laughs> I mean, it's unlikely, but I bet one has. Yeah. You know David Mustaine was in fucking Metallica, Jake? I did know that. He's still bitter about being kicked out, I heard. Do you know how he was kicked out? Uh, I've heard, but I, I can't recall off the top of my head. As far as I remember, like, he was getting fucking, like, wasted all the time and shit, and they were just sick of his shit. They said he's he was pretty, uh, like, unbearable as a person. And so they just got sick of his shit, and so he got really wasted one day, and so they fucking, like, took his drunk ass and put him on a bus and sent him somewhere, and that's how they kicked him off the band. He, like, fucking, like, woke up. Yeah, fucked up, dude. Then he, you wake up in Topeka and you're like, fuck. Yeah, no shit. No shit. That's how he got kicked out of fucking um, Metallica. And then he fucking became, he went on to be in uh, Megadeth, which, fucking great band. Yeah, yeah. No Metallica, but still good. No Metallica, but uh, there's still, yeah. Yeah, still a great fucking band. Yeah, I saw I saw Megadeth in concert. Years ago. I've never seen Megadeth, but I've seen Metallica. I've seen Metallica as well. I saw Metallica after I saw Megadeth, but yeah, Megadeth was cool. Alright, let's end this fucking shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know, I'm gonna I might need the Golden Girls theme again. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. Alright, guys. To, <laughs> just like all good leftovers say in the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with episode uh 397. Jesus Christ, Jake. We're getting closer to 400. I know. It's a breath away. Yeah. A baby's breath away. <laughs> yeah, that you can get it. Well, what is it? Um, <laughs> Edward. It. Let's go to Edward Michaels. Yeah, there we go. Edward Michaels. <laughs> yes. Let's make some fucking arts and crafts bullshit. And, oh, God. Jesus Christ. These ladies with their fucking... They're fucking, uh, Martha Stewart bullshit. Everybody's gotta have the fucking, the, uh, the fucking seasonal centerpiece on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the kitchen table. Yeah, no comment on this. I don't even, I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> uh, my, you know what my seasonal centerpiece would be? For the fall? <laughs> Why, why, Jake? I'm just like, oh my, I'm already laughing in anticipation of how, uh, how canceled you're gonna be. No, 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 I was just gonna say, like, my seasonal centerpiece would be, I would have like a, a, a like, the, like the big head of Galactus on my, on my table, Jake. Nothing to get, nothing to get canceled over. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very shocked. <laughs> what do you think it was gonna be? I don't know. I thought somehow it would become a masturbation joke. Oh, like, I'm gonna, oh, it's like Louis C.K.'s gyrating cock on my fucking. <laughs> <laughs> you have to stand there until he finishes. Yeah. <laughs> my, my centerpiece is a, uh, it's a, it's a very rapey Harvey Weinstein. Um. <laughs> Made from hyacinth. Um, alright, uh, this is dumb. Uh, guys, we'll see you. That was disturbing. We'll see you next week with episode 397. See ya. Just like all the, just like all the good leftovers say on the doggy bags, Jake. That's what they <sighs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks, dude. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a Womp-Rat But it's all been done before We don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Toss it, Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, hate it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. And you're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and do the shaft the crap, even though it is shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't embrace it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftover. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers.